WTTM 304. You're listening to the Window to the Magic.com podcast. Brought to you by WindowToTheMagic.com. Surround yourself with the magic. Hello, and welcome to A Window to the Magic. My name is Paul, and as always, I will be your guide through the wonderful world of Disney sound experiences. This show is a weekly trip through the world of the Disney theme parks and resorts, and this is the place where you get to use your ears to surround yourself with the magic. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to episode number 304 of A Window to the Magic, the ultimate Disney audio adventure. This week, our annual Yapathon, the Disney Ear in Review. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with the Disney Ear in Review, this is a yearly show where I get together with Ricky Briganti from Inside the Magic and we discuss each and every topic that occurred in the Disney universe in the past year. Well, at least that's the way it feels. This year's show is going to come in at over four hours. So grab some cocoa or a diet soda and a carrot and let's get going. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 2011 Disney Ear in Review. I am one of your hosts, Paul Berry, from uh, Window to the Magic, the ultimate Disney audio adventure, and I am joined by... Ricky Briganti from uh, Inside the Magic, your ultimate Disney... Wait, no, that's what you said. No, we are uh, your source for Disney news and theme park fun. This is our annual Yapathon. This is our four to five hour chat about everything that has happened in the uh, world of Disney over the last year. That and year would be uh, 2011. We call it the ear in review for uh, for obvious reasons. And uh, there's no point in even delaying uh, much further because we have a lot of topics to talk about. Uh, but I do want to say real quick um, that uh, just to sort of preface this, if anybody has not listened to one of these uh, majorly excessively long uh, podcasts, we, we stick to the topic of Disney mostly uh, here and sticking pretty much to the United States because that's what Paul and I are familiar with. And uh, we're going to go more or less chronological order from beginning of the year through to the end of the year. And of course, we're not covering every little tiny thing because then we'd be here for the rest of eternity. But uh, it's pretty close. Right. We're starting in December, working our way back to January, and that is not what you said. No. Okay. So Strike that, reverse it. Exactly. Yes. Uh, so the first thing that we had was something brand new that was taken out of Disney's California Adventure. Actually, technically, I guess it was out of California Adventure to begin with. And I'm talking about, of course, the huge letters California in front of Disney California Adventure. That was uh, very much at the beginning of 2011. It uh, very, you know, one of the few, I'd say, really iconic things that, uh, you know, certainly a lot of photo opportunities out there in front of the park and uh, and they are no more. Exactly. And those huge letters were uh, were something that I saw everybody getting their picture taken with. And now there is really nothing except possibly the Xanadu building uh, that they've built out there. 
that uh, skate rink from the movie Xanadu that they've uh, put in the front of the park now. <laughs> yeah, there there is a new entrance out there that is uh, not big California letters, and it looks a whole lot like a uh, a park out here in Florida. Yes, uh, that would be. Well, actually, not only did they remove the the California, but they actually removed the S from Disney California Adventure. Ah, uh, that's right. Yes, I don't know whether that's farther down in the topic since I haven't looked, but uh, it's not. Yeah, but yay, they. Uh, they they made it look just like the entrance to uh, the Disney MGM Studios, Hollywood Studios, whatever you want to call it today. I don't want to call it anything today. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, are you going to miss the letters? Um, n- no, actually, I I've been out there a whole bunch of times now, and I I don't even I guess the new entrance is pretty much right where they were, so I I I don't even notice that they're gone. Me neither. I, I had actually, when I was just out there, uh, I don't know, a few months ago, uh, I had forgotten that they were gone until I had already passed through. And I was like, oh, yeah, those letters used to be there. Eh, whatever. You are going to have to let me know when you come out here now, because you trek out here a lot over the course of a year. And I'm I'm I live here now. So when you and whenever you come out, let me know. And that's we right. Can... That's one of the I don't think I have that on the list, but somewhere in 2011, uh, you moved. Anaheim. That's right. Yes. Uh, my company moved me down to Southern California. So I'm now within 30 minutes of Disneyland at, uh, at any given time. Yay me. Yay for you. But, uh, but that's enough about Disneyland for the moment, because our next topic, uh, would be way out here in Orlando over at, uh, Animal Kingdom, a park that it has nothing to do with anything in California. That's a good point. Yeah. We do. We have very few gorillas out here in California. What, what is the wild Africa trek? Uh, the Wild Africa Trek uh, is a new experience that uh, debuted uh, near the beginning of 2011 and um, it, it kind of a, an upcharge, extra ticketed sort of adventure through the safari of Kilimanjaro Safari. But rather than riding in the vehicles, you're actually walking the paths and going over bridges and strapping yourself onto these tethers and like leaning over hippos and and things like that i remember now this is that early morning walk where they give you a spear and tape a five (laughs) dollar bill to your forehead and wish you the best of luck right yeah pretty much uh yeah except uh you have to supply your own five dollar bill oh very nice i like that (laughs) Uh, the tickets went up and up, uh, the price that is, uh, for this experience. Um, uh, when I did it, uh, in January, I thought at the time it was very much worth whatever the price was under 200 bucks, uh, then, and then prices seemed to vary. Uh, but regardless, I had a lot of fun doing it. I thought it was a really unique experience, certainly something different than riding a ride. And, uh, it's, you know, it's really enjoyable for somebody looking to, have a little more activity in the park. Getting chased by a hippopotamus across the savanna is uh, is not to be talked poorly about. It's, no, it's... And, and then you're fed afterwards, not to the hippo. But... <laughs> that's kind of where I was going with that. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, well, that's that's kind of cool. Um, how's uh, Pleasure Island doing? Now, I haven't been out there since 2007, so I, I'm sure something has gone on out there. They tear it down yet? Well, uh, it, it's, you know, it's kind of like a wild Africa trek over there. It's a, it's a whole lot of, lot of nothing. Really? So they've it's, torn everything down? Uh, well, Pleasure Island, uh, a lot of the buildings are either have been torn down or 
soon perhaps to be torn down, interiors gutted, uh, decorations on the outside gutted, and uh, not a whole lot else going on. Oh, I see. Okay, so they're they're in the process of tearing everything down, but they've got nothing new going in. Yeah, that whole notion when they announced that they were going to be uh, closing Pleasure Island and all of its clubs and restaurants in order to make way for new shopping and dining experiences, as they like to say, uh, as part of Hyperion Wharf. Uh, well, we haven't really heard anything about that uh, almost since then. Hyperion Wharf, he was actually my favorite character on Star Trek The Next Generation. I thought he was one of uh, Snow White and the Seven Wharfs. Wharfs. Very nice. <laughs> And Ricky um, gets the first groan of the evening. <laughs> uh, yeah, nothing's going on over there. I know you were a big fun, uh, a big fun, a big fan of the Adventurers Club, and that seems to be the uh, the most decrepit of them right now. It's been gutted and it's just kind of sitting there. I am not hearing a word you're saying about my <laughs> beloved Adventurers Club. I, I I'm going to remember it forever for the wonderfulness that it was. I can repeat that if you didn't hear it. Yeah. Thanks. Speaking, right. speaking about not hearing things or not seeing things more correctly, um, there's a Pixar Pal show out here at DCA uh, that I have not seen yet. Uh, th there's one at Hollywood Studios, too, isn't there? Yeah, I think they're, they're both of these debuted in 2011 as a result of completely different things. Of course, earlier, uh, I don't remember if it was 2009 or 2010, Block Party Bash moved from California out here to Orlando. I, I was never a fan of Block Party Bash. Um, that has since made way for the Pixar Pals Countdown to Fun Parade at Hollywood Studios. And uh, I think the Pixar Pals little mini shows at California Adventure were as a result of lots of construction walls, and it's kind of all they could fit. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, there's, it's definitely Disney construction adventure out here in California currently, but they're they're working on it slowly. Uh, yeah, definitely. So you have not seen those little mini Pixar shows then? Do you, are they even still going on? You know, I spend very little time over at DCA to be honest with you. I yeah. uh, you know I, I haven't even seen the. Uh, the addition, the the Christmas addition to the uh, the world of color. Ah, mm -hmm. so that'll be something to not talk about in about three hours. Yeah, yeah, I'm, and it, <laughs> you know, being the the good guy that I am and planning ahead, I'm actually going to see that tomorrow night. Oh, perfect. Yes. So um, that will be a great memory for me, which uh, is uh, our next topic. Right, let the memories begin. Yeah. Uh, before we jump ahead, though, let me mention about the Pixar Pals Countdown to Fun Parade out here in Orlando, that it's uh, it started as as quite the mess. Um, it went very quickly down the street when it debuted uh, so quickly you couldn't even like see it. It was it was just flying down the street and, every, and then they've they've done they've slowed it down. They've tried it moving in the other direction. But fans of uh, what Block Party Bash was are not uh, really thrilled with the new version. Hmm. This, these sound thrilling. Yeah. Did, did you like Block Party Bash? I did. Yeah. I've, I've actually been a par uh, parade fan over at DCA. Pretty much all of the, the parades that have gone over there, I've been pretty happy with. Uh, but I have not seen these little mini shows yet. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan of anything that has show stops. I feel like parades should be parades, and they should just uh, just keep on moving. And uh, that, that's kind of what the countdown to fun thing did. Uh, it's turned Block Party Bash into a smaller show stop free version. And then I thought, hey, that sounds good, but eh, it's it's just kind of a little lame. Hmm. 
Yeah, Countdown to Fun, that sounds like the lyrics out of the out of the music for the previous parade. Right. Well, yeah, the music was uh was borrowed. Ah, I gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. So as you were saying, uh, 2011, we certainly did let the memories begin, or at least that's what Disney told us to do. Um, did you make some fond Disney memories in 2011? Yeah, I had... Um, uh, hmm. You forget. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, apparently not. No. Um, <laughs> let the memories begin. I, 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 As far as I know, the only thing that let the memories begin has... Uh, had is the uh, magic memories in you is it is there something else that i'm missing out here that's definitely the biggest uh the biggest addition to the parks both out there in california and out here when you come to the magic kingdom out here uh currently during or throughout this whole year there are these big banners and even in front of the train station there's this big thing that says let the memories begin and it's you know i feel like it's almost like they're commanding you (laughs) get some memories that's right have memories now but, um, yeah, no, I, certainly the magic memories in you show uh, projected onto Cinderella Castle out here, projected onto It's a Small World at Disneyland. Uh, I think it's really great. I like that show. Yeah, I accidentally saw the magic memories in you at a Small World the other day. I was getting off of uh, off a of Small World holiday, and uh, and I saw it. It was cute. The The only problem that I have with it, it is, is that there's so many stock images, and all of right. them are from Walt Disney World. Yeah, yeah. Well, the so the concept behind it is that they take photo pass pictures of guests throughout the day and then use those photos and put them projected up into the show integrated. But you're right. There's a lot of especially the video uh, is all seems to be the same video every single time. Yeah. And that's uh, that's kind of disappointing. But again, they're not expecting the locals and the annual pass holders to be the ones watching it. They're expecting right, the right. casual visitor to. And yeah, I mean, they'll I, never I saw know. It I saw it when it debuted way back in January, and then I saw it like six months later when somebody was in town, and then I only recently saw it again when they updated it for Christmas. So I didn't really, you know, make a point to to watch it anywhere in between. Yeah, it's a severe case of, they're tourists. What do they know? <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. But I think, uh, you know, the technology is more important than the show itself. When I first saw the Magic Memories in You, I thought it looked really great. They did a wonderful job perfectly aligning the projectors up on the castle or on Small World. And uh, I think it holds, you know, great potential for the future once they ditch this whole idea of putting people's faces up there. Yes. Once they actually come up with a unique show that they can put up there, kind of like the Christmas one that they do on Small World. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. You know, because that one doesn't feature anybody. It's just a whole bunch of Christmas themes right. and colors, colors and, and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I have to imagine that was kind of the beginning of this whole magic memories and you thing. I remember catching that a few years ago and thinking, wow, they really need to turn this into something bigger. And, and they did. Yeah, pretty much. Speaking of big, you guys got a brand new ship this year on the East Coast. Yes. The Disney Dream, which was uh, the first Disney cruise I had ever been on. It's, I've not been on a Disney cruise, even though I've got a port, the port of Long Beach, just about eight miles south of where mm-hmm. I am right now. Uh, how, how is the ship? 
Uh, it was. I had a really, uh, a really good time, a really exhausting time. What I got to go on was the uh, the main. Well, not even the main voyage. The pre maiden voyage, the christening voyage of the ship. Um, before that was actually the christening ceremony out there, uh, right on the water, which is probably the biggest single Disney production I have ever seen. It was this huge stage with literally probably more than a hundred characters up on the stage at a time in and out and and they brought out of course uh, Bob Iger and, and and I'm pretty sure Tom Staggs was there and then celebrities and Jennifer Hudson sang and it was just like this beat you over the head hey look how big and amazing we can we can do something when we want to it's a big ship look at our ship da 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 da, da. Pretty much. Okay, good. Uh, but the, uh, so yeah, then directly after that was uh, time to board the Disney Dream, which I got to spend uh, two nights and uh, sort of basically like two and a half days aboard, which was, uh, I almost didn't sleep because I was trying to take it all in the whole time. And uh, it was definitely too much to cram into such a short amount of time, but I, I enjoyed my time aboard it. And uh, before going on it, I was thinking, yeah, Disney Cruise, I don't really, you know, it's going to be a bunch of screaming kids running around. There's not going to be anything to enjoy. But uh, there are definitely screaming kids running around, but there are enough things for adults to enjoy as well, you know, for, for Disney fans. Now, you said you spent two days bored on the ship, I, I don't, <laughs> but then you said you had a good time. I'm, I'm confused. Aboard. Or okay. boarding. Is that like be a scared, be very a scared? Something like that. I got it. Okay. So, um, so you're, what you're saying is, is that you would love to take a longer cruise? Uh, yes. Yeah. I'm. Uh, the the Disney Fantasy is coming up next year, and I'm hoping that uh, the I get to go on the christening uh, cruise for that as well. And if I do, uh, then I am uh, hoping it's longer. Now, if if I'm not mistaken, uh, the speaking of longer, that the, the Disney Dream is large, but this fantasy is actually going to be so big that it's going to alter the rotation of the Earth. <laughs> um, if you put the two together, I think it you know makes all the water kind of come crashing down from around the world and dries up the world's... I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, good. So, uh, all right. Well, that's uh, that's good. I haven't I haven't even ever seen a Disney cruise ship. I I hear that they're here every Sunday, and I have yet to drive out there. So, it's you know it's fun just to see it from the outside, particularly with the Disney Dream. My absolute favorite part of the entire ship is the uh, the world's first ever uh, water coaster. Um, it's a the Aqua Duck, and I I wish I had ridden that more times than I did. Like I said, I just didn't have. Uh, enough time, but I, I would just, I mean, I would take an entire Disney cruise and just ride that over and over for the entire time. It's just so much fun. Now you just jump off the front of the ship, you slide along, and then they pick you up with a big net at the back of the ship, right? Well, you swim around with the ducks, hence the, uh, the aqueduct. I gotcha. Okay. Sounds good. But no, no, the, uh, the views from up high, I mean, you're, you know, you can imagine standing on however many stories above the water on the edge of a, a cruise ship, just looking over the balcony, but then add another like 20 feet to that inside a clear tube as you're flying by. And that's, it's just such a bizarre sensation in the middle of the water, middle of the ocean. I'll have to try that someday. It is fun. Yeah, I bet. So didn't they close your Toontown out there this year? You mean Mickey's birthday land? <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so you've been going to Walt Disney World as long as I have, apparently. Yeah, the the temporary land uh, added to the Magic Kingdom years ago that became mostly permanent. Yes. 
And yes, it is closed-ish. Uh, I mean, it's becoming Storybook Circus now, but uh, early in the year it did close. Now wait, Storybook Circus? What that's, is that? Uh, that's going to be part of the whole new Fantasyland expansion thing that they're working on there. Oh, wow. Well. Is that going to come up later in our talk? Uh, yes. Okay, then we'll talk about it then. But so they, <laughs> so they actually just closed your Toontown. I mean, just that's it. Pretty one. much, yeah. I mean, fortunately, they announced it ahead of time, which Disney seems to be uh, making uh, uh, progress in that department is to let everybody know, hey, we know you're fans. We are going to close this, then come out and enjoy it while you can kind of thing. Uh, and then uh, I think even for cast members, they did a little kind of going away party, though they didn't for, for regular guests. Uh, and then, uh, and then it was closed and within weeks, Mickey's house was demolished and Minnie's house was demolished and pretty much almost everything in there was demolished. Uh, they left a couple of tents and the barnstormer basic coaster structure. Oh, well, all right. And then all of that is going to be the new land for the new fantasy land, or at least yes, the... spe- specifically the, the storybook circus, which we'll mention a little later. All right. That's that's good. Now, the, the next topic here says that uh, Darkwing Duck, DuckTales, Chippendale, Rescue Ranger comics at Boom came and went. I, I don't know what you're talking about with this at all. <laughs> so explain uh, this one to me. Well, I, you know, I have never been a, uh, a big reader of comic books. Have you? No. Okay. So uh, when there's a company called Boom Studios, I think I'm pretty sure they're a relatively new uh, publisher of comics. And at some point in the last, I don't know how many years, they acquired a few licenses from Disney. Uh, They started with, I think they had Pixar comics and the Muppets. Uh, And then uh, they recently, or in early 2011, announced they were picking up... uh, uh, some licenses for the old Disney afternoon properties, the ones you you just mentioned, and mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed those. And then uh, by a couple of months ago, it all came and went, and Disney, of course, acquired Marvel and decided, uh, well, we have Marvel. We don't really need Boom anymore. Okay, so it's not that they weren't selling. It was that oh, Disney... Oh, they were definitely selling. They were selling out first editions, going to reprints. Um, they were doing very well, from what I understand. Yeah, okay. So Disney just said, well, you know, we'll we'll go this other way rather than yeah, pay somebody yeah, so else. It seems like, in a, you know, unfortunately, there hasn't been any, any indication that these uh, characters that I loved watching these shows, you know, Darkwing Duck and DuckTales and Chippendale Rescue Rangers, this is the first time they've really come back in any form in years and uh, and now there's no indication that Marvel is going to pick up where Boom left off. It seems like Boom kind of wrapped up these storylines. Uh, I think it ended up being about 18 Darkwing comics, um, only like six DuckTales comics, I think, and then just a handful of Rescue Rangers. Wow, so it was like DuckTale. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty much one big tale. And then and they ended up uh, doing crossover issues to really wrap it all up. No, very nice. So, and and then they lived happily ever after. Yeah, until, I mean, I hope Marvel picks it up, but I don't know. We'll see. That would be weird for Marvel to run Darkwing Duck and DuckTales, wouldn't it? It would, except for the fact that I just, um, I, I just read yesterday that uh, Marvel is going to be coming out with their very first Disney property comic very soon uh, for Toy Story, which is, like I said, Boom used to do the Pixar comics, so Marvel is beginning to, uh, to publish those. Well, fingers crossed, I guess. That's yeah, a- <laughs> I, I would definitely want to see, uh, see more of those. We'll see. 
Very nice. Now, you did something this last year that I was very, very jealous of, and you shot video of it, although the audio, you know, I, I don't want to say this in public so nobody listened, but the, the audio <laughs> on it was bad, so I, I didn't watch the whole thing. But yeah. you actually got to see Bill Nye the Science Guy live at Epcot Center. It, it was very cool. I was surprised when they uh, they announced that. I was a big fan of Bill Nye's uh, from years ago when he had his, his you know, very popular TV show. Yes. and. uh Unfortunately, uh, the audio was equally as bad when you were there in person. Uh, <laughs> so that's why it sounded bad on the video. Uh, but that aside, it was cool. Um, you know, he just did a little demonstration there in uh, Interventions uh, at Epcot and signed some autographs and shook hands and all that kind of thing. And, uh, and it was fun. Did you meet him? Yeah, yeah, very briefly. I, I, the amount of people that showed up, I think, was a bit overwhelming. Uh, not so much kids, uh, young kids who maybe the presentation was intended for, but rather people sort of around my age that grew up watching Bill Nye and now we're excited to see him. And so, you know, it, it, they, everybody kind of got rushed through the autograph line. You had about 0.2 seconds to say, hi, bye, move on. Oh, I gotcha. I was going to ask uh, if he was, was a nice fun. guy, you know, was, was he nice? He was, uh, he was brief, but he was nice. Yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah. I'm, I'm jealous. That's, and and he seems to be, uh, I mean, he's got a Twitter account now. I remember seeing him on CNN a few times about shuttle launches and, and things like that. And he seems to be, uh, he you know, I don't know if he ever went away, but if he did, he's back. Huh. Last, last time I saw his show, he was on like the, you know, Ecology Beach Over the Head channel. Mm. Uh, I think it was Green, I think right. was the channel. And, and I started to watch his show there and I was like, Ed is not the bill I know. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah, he was definitely, uh, you know, a notch down in energy level from when he was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. But that's understandable. I don't know how old he is now, but he's, you know, 15, 20 years older. I was going to say, he's Bill Nye, the middle-aged guy at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So speaking of old things, um, the Skyway building in Fantasyland. Now, mind you... This is that one that was just over by Space Mountain that was just sitting there for years, right? No, that would be Tomorrowland. Oh, that would be Tomorrowland. Okay, so <laughs> the uh, the one on the other side? Yeah, the, the Tomorrowland one was uh, demolished a couple years ago, leaving only the restrooms. Um, we probably mentioned it on last year's uh, five-hour extravaganza. Um, but yeah, now the other one over by it's a small world, uh, finally went away in 2011. That's weird. I have no recollection of the fantasy land tower and I rode that. Yeah. Well, they, they did a good job hiding it. Um, you know, it was kind of, well, it, so this is confusing because I would say it would spy the exit of it's a small world, but they flip flop the entrance and the exit also in 2011. So now it's by the entrance but it's not there anymore, so it's not anywhere. But yeah, that's where it was. So it's by the entrance exit, not the exit entrance, which is over on the right left side. Yes. Correct. No. Okay. Yes. No. You sure? Maybe. So whatever it was, they knocked it over. It's it's gone. And pretty uh, much, yeah. I, well, the what seems to be going on, I think they left some basic ish structures over there, and there seemed to be talks of this whole notion of uh, interactive moving its way into Peter Pan, which is just across the way. There are uh, restrooms over there, and supposedly the restrooms are going to be moved to where the Skyway building was. Oh, very nice. But we'll see if all that really happens. You never know. 
those those interactive queues is that's kind of like the Space Mountain deal where while you're waiting in line, there's video games to play or something going on. Yeah, it's a funny thing about that Space Mountain queue. I'm not sure anybody ever plays those games, like ever. Really? I'm not even sure they work. Uh, I mean, I've been through there a, a few times since they started. And when they first were up and running, people kind of pounded on the buttons and that kind of thing. But every time I've been through there since then... Everybody just either ignores them, even if they're standing there, or they just walk right by them, or I don't know. Hey, there's money well spent. Yeah. I I, I don't know. Maybe I just haven't seen anybody. Somebody in the... We do have a chat room going on right now, and I'll mention uh, somebody says they did play them, so at least one person did. That's the one. That's the person who did yeah. it. They were holding up the line. <laughs> <laughs> so, segue into this next one. Go ahead. Mm, no, I don't think that one's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> if there was ever a big, terrible, horrible, awful story for 2011, or for any year for that matter, this would be it. Um, a, a huge 8.9 magnitude earthquake in Tokyo. I know we said it, uh, we're going to stick to the United States mostly, but this was this was pretty big. Yeah, this had ramifications all over the world, actually. And, uh, you know, because we, we even here in California got hit by the uh, tsunamis right. that were generated by this thing. Not nearly as bad as they did, but there were some some effects. Yes, yes. But uh, from what I understand, Tokyo Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea, there was no it was no big deal. They closed the parks. They were down for a couple of weeks, I think. It was it was a while, uh, not because they needed to be closed. There were very few damages, uh, no uh, injuries, from what I understand, around the parks. But what they did have to do is, you know, they basically shut down because nobody was coming to the parks because, you know, there was disaster all around the country. Yes, yeah, I, I I liked watching the videos because this this had to have been the best documented earthquake ever. Yeah, what was really incredible is I forget which publication it was, but a pretty major newspaper happened to have a reporter in Tokyo Disneyland when it happened. And he was tweeting live when he was, you know, experiencing it. And they had to, everybody who was in the park uh, ended up staying overnight inside the park and they were fed and everybody was trying to remain as Disney and happy as possible. And for the most part, it seemed like it was a, a reasonably okay environment. But, uh, you know, everybody, of course, was understandably concerned about relatives and friends and family. And likewise, they were concerned about the people in the park and lack of communication, et cetera. But uh, certainly, you know, having something like Twitter to stay, you know, updated and pictures coming out was was pretty incredible to see it unfold live. Yeah, that, that was pretty intense. I, I, I like how as the, the quake hit, a parade broke out. It just everybody sitting there and they right. just kind of like every everybody just kind of went, oh, look, an earthquake. OK, yeah, let's the, sit down. The announcement came on over the. Uh, the the speakers in the park saying hey you know in Japanese it was saying hey we just experienced a an earthquake and everybody was just super calm just kind of sat down and wrote it out yeah ladies and gentlemen the world's largest earthquake has just occurred the entire country is being destroyed as we speak the three o'clock parade will be delayed by a minute and a half <laughs> pretty much uh, and, and obviously the uh, there was plenty of concern following that and there still is uh, you know lots of devastation around but fortunately in the world of disney everything did eventually reopen uh tokyo disneyland has moved on they debuted their new phantasmic show pretty much right when they reopened to kind of 
give it a, a big boost and hurrah, hey, we're back, check out our new show. And every, you know, it seems, seems more or less good for the parks uh, now. Good for them. Hey, you know, they spend a lot of time building things over there to earthquake codes. So it's good to see that yeah. it paid off. Yeah, exactly. Very, very nice. Um, so grad nights in Orlando have now ended. Yeah, certainly not uh, as catastrophic of a thing as a uh, a giant earthquake, but uh, a lot of people thought it was when that announcement was made. It was a surprise. Grad night has been going on. It started at Disneyland, of course, uh, decades ago, eventually uh, started here in Walt Disney World. And this was 2011, was the last year for high school seniors to have some fun uh, as part of a special night in the Magic Kingdom. See, they still do them out here, except they keep right. changing where they do them. It was Disneyland, and then they put it yeah. over in DCA. And now I think they're back at Disneyland again, I think. Although well, they, I remember sure. when I was when they announced this, Disneyland made it very clear the grad nights were not going away in, uh, in California, and that they did announce, yeah, it was going to be like over here, then it was going to move over there, then back over here, then both parks, then, you know, somewhere down the street on Harbor Boulevard, and, you know, who knows. Yeah, it's... You know, they're going to hold it at the Denny's down the street from Disneyland <laughs> exactly. this next year. And yeah. even out here, they moved it to uh, Hollywood Studios for a year or two. And then I think it went back to the Magic Kingdom before disappearing altogether now. Yeah. And when they start moving it around like that, that's definitely the death knoll. Yeah. For... Were, were you, uh, did you go to a grad night? You were know, you... Calvin and I looked forward to his graduating from high school the entire time that he was in school, because he's like, I am going to grad night. I'm, you know, and I'm like, I'll chaperone so that we can go and, mm -hmm. you know, we'll experience this. And we got to his senior year and the class got together and they said, what do you want to do? And they said, let's take a cruise on the San Francisco Bay. <laughs> I have never seen a kid wow. more upset in my entire life. So That's no, awful. I have never been. And until he has a kid and that kid gets old enough and hopefully is down here in Southern California. Right. We can't go. Yeah, that that's, that's terrible. I, uh, I did go to my grad night, uh, back in, I guess, 99, um, at the magic kingdom and a, uh, a young, uh, just starting to get popular, Britney Spears was the headlining act performing in front of Cinderella Castle, uh, wow. actually singing live, much to the dismay of my ears. <laughs> and uh, elsewhere, I think in Tomorrowland on a stage, uh, Real Big Fish was performing, which was far more entertaining. Wow. Is that like a carp or something or a <laughs> giant sea bass? Yeah, even bigger. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Uh, yeah, no, no. I, I, I've, I've never, you know, and typically I tend to stay away from the parks um, when the grad nights are there. Yeah, and grad nights sort of devolved over the years anyway. I mean, when I went, uh, which wasn't that long ago, I mean, it was 99, uh, they were still doing where everybody had to dress up. I had to wear a shirt and tie. Uh, girls had to wear, you know, dresses or, or nice outfits. And that was a bit weird, you know, riding in Space Mountain and having a tie flapping in my face and um, eventually those dress codes got less and less and less and the, you know, things that shouldn't have been brought into the park inevitably were and activities that shouldn't be going on, uh, in dark areas of the park, uh, were, and, uh, ultimately Disney world just said, forget it. We're not doing that anymore. Juggling chainsaws. That's what you're referring yeah, to. Yeah. You know, all that kind of fires and sharp knives and yeah. gotcha. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sounds good. Well, speaking of dark places and, and fun things occurring in them. Good one. Your haunted mansion has really taken off this year. It's uh, it's done a lot. Uh, this is something we talked just a little bit about at the end of uh, of last year's ear interview. For those of you out there who actually made it five hours into the show, um, it was sort of hinting towards 2011, in which the the haunted mansion out here in Florida has is there are parts of it that aren't even recognizable anymore for people who haven't been here in a few years. Yeah, I am. I'm. I'm going, and this is actually, I think, the first time that I have mentioned this publicly. Um, I'm going to be at Walt Disney World in March for Calvin's 21st birthday, and we're going to be drinking around the world. But one of the things that we really want to do is go over to the Magic Kingdom and see the new Hitchhiking Ghost. Uh, the the interactivity. That is that interactivity? Yeah, that's sure. It. Yeah, um, that they do. You know where they pull your head off and and things like that. I mean that that right. looks awesome. Yeah, I mean, well let, let's let's take a step back from that. Even though uh, in 2011 it kind of went through these phases. At first there was this mis- mystery construction going on. We were you know Disney didn't make any kind of an announcement. They weren't talking. There's all of a sudden to the left far, far left of the mansion, like even on the other side of the queue near the water's edge, they started building something. It just started like bulldozing and concrete and everyone was like, what is going on over there? And then that eventually became an interactive queue slash play area, which has been getting mixed responses. Um, Around that same time, though, the hitchhiking ghost animatronics, the classic, you know, thumbs out, animatronics toward the end were covered up by projected versions and everybody was freaking out that that was what the future of the mansion was going to be no more animatronics just these goofy looking uh projections and finally all the curtains came down and everything was unveiled and we got new hitchhiking ghost animatronics and the interactive ghosts that you were talking about where you no longer see a static figure in those mirrors at the end but rather animated moving messing with you figures that I think are fantastic. Yeah, and and and, and you mean really messing with you. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, like like I alluded to or said earlier, actually physically removing your head. How do they even do that? It's uh, extremely impressive uh, effect, totally believable. It's it's uh I have to imagine years of uh, very careful uh, you know, research and development into this uh you know, image manipulation technology where you're looking in a mirror, but all of a sudden a ghost appears and shines a light on you and your head disappears or they they blow up your head like a balloon and it goes flying around and magically appears back. And uh, it's totally convincing, Uh, even more so if, you know, if you've seen a video online or anything, see it in person is a hundred times better. So not to not to ruin the magic or anything, but are you ever actually looking at a mirror image or are you always looking at a projection? Do you know? Honestly, I do not even know exactly how it's done, and that's pretty rare. That's awesome. That's <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, good. Yeah, it's it's you. It, I don't detect any kind of a video delay or anything from when you move around. It feels like you're looking at a, a mirror, but at the same time, the ghost is there and your head disappears, and it's just uh, it's just a wild, amazing effect. That is very cool. That takes you all the way back to the. To, to the ghost effect for, for the ballroom for the 1960s and the early 70s and how impressed everybody was right. with how they could make the ghosts appear right there in front of you. 
Right. Well, even today, uh, people constantly refer to every all those ballroom ghosts as holograms when clearly they are not. Um, no. But yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of people don't understand. It's just this this, you know, really cool effect. And I have a feeling the ones in the mirrors at the end are actually done, you know, using a similar digital kind of version of the ballroom effect, the, the Pepper's ghost effect. But uh you know, it's not even clear. It, it's just cool. You know, it's just one of those things you ride through. You don't even care how it's done. You just enjoy it. Yeah, very nice. One so, of the things that I really, uh, really like about it, though, uh, that made me appreciate it even more. Some of the gags that the ghosts do are a little jokey. Um, almost, you know, some people thought they were a bit childish. Um, but the um, the one of them is, the, I think it's, uh, you know, the skeleton ghost most often referred to as Ezra. I think it, he pulls off his hat and some birds go flying out of it. And I don't remember exactly what the gag is there. But uh, I thought, why are there little tweeting birds flying around in the mansion? Uh, but then after I, uh, later I found out that those, if you look really carefully, those birds are actually the bat stanchions that you walk by as you're boarding. Oh, nice. See, I thought Haunted Mansion was sponsored by Twitter. I think that, that that's what you were saying. <laughs> yeah, the hitchhiking ghosts are now tweeting for people to come and pick them up. Yes, you know, it's uh, as you're going through the ballroom, all of a sudden the ballroom disappears and the fail whale appears. <laughs> like, we're sorry, currently the Haunted Mansion is over capacity. Please hold on. No, that that would that would suck. Yeah, no, that, well, you know, there is a future of, uh, of interactivity working its way into the parks. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Okay, sounds good. Um, speaking of things that sucked, um, <laughs> Mars Needs Moms, uh, bomb. Did you see that? No. I don't think anybody, like literally, I don't think anybody saw Mars Needs Moms in theaters. It's Disney's worst performing film at the box office in a very long time. Not since the Country Bears has Disney produced such a film that was not seen by anyone. Yeah, it was a motion capture uh, out of their studio that they were in the process of shutting down and for good reason because it's just just a creepy mess. Really? I, I didn't see it either i just had to watch the trailer and that was pretty much enough for me okay yeah that's that's as far as i ever gotten and honestly i don't know anyone that's yeah, uh, Mars need moms. yeah that's it just okay next topic Which, you know when when the financial <laughs> results come out it's always interesting to see just how much those box office results uh make or break a quarter for for disney you think oh well they have so much they have products and theme parks and movies and television and music but those box office numbers are huge when they're good, and it's a huge deficit when they're not. And so to put however much money they dumped into Mars Needs Moms and not get it all back is, you know, it hurt them for a quarter. Yeah, yeah, that's, it, it, it would be interesting, actually. I was kind of joking about the Country Bears movie and, you know, how many, you know, dozens of dollars that movie made. But it would be interesting to see just how, mu how much money Mars Needs Moms lost. Yeah, no, yeah. it's a lot. Yeah, not good. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at this next topic and I'm, tr I'm trying to segue, but I, ca I can't come up with anything magic of healthy living event. What is that? I, I, you know, I almost didn't even include this on the list. Um, but I thought I would just because it was something, well, number one, I think they're doing another one in 2012. Um, it's, it's kind of a, 
a Disney Channel sort of thing where they brought out some some Disney Channel stars out to the park and uh, basically with an emphasis on healthier activity and eating habits and that kind of thing. And the only reason I put it in there was as I was going through and uh, kind of compiling all of our information for uh, for 2011, I realized that right when that event took place at Epcot is basically when I kind of made a decision for myself to uh, to start eating a little better and, and lose a bunch of weight in 2011. And so I think subconsciously, Disney Channel and Disney and Epcot actually made me lose weight, even though I didn't realize it. So are you eating the diet chicken strips now? <laughs> I, well, instead of eating like six chicken strips, maybe I'll only eat three. Oh, does that qualify for healthy eating? Because <laughs> okay, so, so maybe I didn't. Yeah, I didn't quite get the whole message that you're actually <laughs> supposed to eat healthy food. But you know, I thought maybe less of the not so healthy food would help, and and it worked. I was gonna say I'm gonna you know <laughs> well, I'm gonna go just go have one Big Mac and you right. know, yeah okay. Well, that's... you know, if you spend every day eating three Big Macs and you switch to only eating one Big Mac, that actually is a big improvement. It it is an improvement. It is in no <laughs> way healthy living. Okay, uh, I'll give you that. Uh, it, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the results uh, work. I, I did end up losing a bunch of weight regardless of whether or not I was healthy eating. I got you. Or living, for that matter. Now, this this next topic here is is one. See, Disneyland has always been in 3D. But apparently, Florida, they just took you guys from 2D and made you in, into 3D parks now? <laughs> uh, no, that's not quite what I meant on there. Um, I, I, You know, 3D is this big craze that I haven't, quite decided whether it's a good thing or not uh, as far as Hollywood and all these movies coming out but Nintendo released their uh, their 3DS device which I like they haven't sold very well or at least not as well as Nintendo would like but I love mine and uh, as a result of that I did launch a, a new sort of sub website to uh, to inside the magic called theme parks in 3D where I've been posting uh, 3D pictures of of the parks oh I get it now Yes. Oh, I haven't done it. Is that, um, are, is that viewable with just regular eyes or do you have to have <laughs> something have to have special? alien eyes. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, can I just go to that website and see it? Yeah. Well, it's, it's at, uh, parksin3d.com or you can find it on, uh, on insidethemagic.net. And yes, you can, uh, I have it, uh, you can, you, you of course view it on 3DS without any glasses, but if you have the red and blue kind of 3D glasses, you can use those also. Can you do the cross your eyes version? Yeah, yeah the uh, the side by side, cross your eyes. Yeah, turn around three times, hop on one foot, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, very nice. I'll have to go look at those. I didn't. I didn't know you were doing that. You should really talk about that on your show. Yeah, I, I, I've mentioned it. You know, once or twice. Oh well, fine. Be that way. See if I care. <laughs> but now I've mentioned it on your show, so that's a good point. Yes, everyone, go over to what's it called. ParksIn3D.com. There you go. No plug there. No, none whatsoever. Moving on. Okay. Town Square Theater. Tell me about it. Uh, so you haven't seen that, obviously. When when was the last time you were out here? 2007. 2007. So this now marks the third year in a row where you have not been able to say anything about Walt Disney World topics. Correct. <laughs> I need to find a new host. For <laughs> Ow! <laughs> no, I'm I'm kidding. You can uh, you can feel free to make jokes about things you have never seen. Yes, 
I well, I don't need to know about something to make fun of it. <laughs> uh, the Town Square Theater is Mickey Mouse's new home since, of course, as I said earlier, they bulldozed uh, Mickey Mouse's house. Oh, okay. This is this is like uh, as you walk into the Magic Kingdom on your right. Yeah, exactly. It used to be the exposition hall of a whole lot of nothing, really. Uh, there used there was that theater in the back that played uh, sort of old Disney movies and clips and shorts and all that. The Walt and, Disney Theater that uh, used to play One Man's Dream, I think, didn't it? No, that's. Uh, I mean, in California, you've got a theater over there, but uh, a big theater. But in Florida, the th- quote-unquote theater was very small. Uh, it was, you know, a handful of seats and a relatively small projection screen. And, and you're, you were lucky to find like two people back there at any given point. Yeah. Okay. That just, I, I remember from some of my earliest trips to Walt Disney World into the right, they used to have a, a display of Walt Disney memorabilia. And then you came around the corner and there was these huge murals with lots of characters on them and mm, stuff like yes, that. Yes, yes. That stuff was uh, was also over there. Uh, they had a, a Mr. Toad ride vehicle there for a while and and some other little things. Uh, but, but like I said, barely anybody ever ventured past the retail uh, part that was in the front. And that's where you would go to pick up your photo pass photos and all that kind of thing. Gotcha. And now they have a huge meet and greet in there. Yes. So huge is an understatement. It's, it's massive in there. It's Mickey Mouse's new home along with the uh, princesses who were also in Toontown. They're in separate areas with separate ginormous queues that absolutely never get filled uh, because they introduced FastPass also, which I don't think is being used much either. Wow. So... Is this Mars Needs Moms Park style here? <laughs> I, think or what? They, I think they overestimated the demand on Mickey Mouse meet and greets. Uh, he w- used to be stuck way in the back of the park behind his house in the judge's tent, as they called it. And a, it had a relatively small queue in there that maybe held 50, 60 people. And that was pretty much always full. The new queue is probably four or five times bigger than that. And it really doesn't need to be. Wow. Um, but uh, but at the same time, they've been, you know, recently they did a test where potentially uh, interactive talking Mickey Mouse could find his way in there someday, at which point I would hope guests would be spending more time with Mickey than just being, you know, rushed in, take a photo, rush out, and maybe they'll need the uh, the extra queue space then. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, you just beat me to that one. I was going to ask, did the uh, did the interactive Mickey ever pop in there? Just very briefly, I didn't see him. It was uh, kind of a 30 minutes at a time test for a week or so. Wow. But, yeah, because uh, those are those are cool, the the actual interactive. We got to see that at D23. Yeah, which we will definitely talk about in another uh, hour or two. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, the Mickey that is there normally is the uh, the silent type. And it's a, it's actually a very nice meet and greet area. Once you get into the room, it's well out in the queue area. They've got kind of these, this enchanted art stuff on the wall, like they had initially used on the Disney dream cruise ship where it looks like it's static art. And then it comes to life and does some things. And then once you finally get in, it's this whole magic show kind of, uh, motif where you're looking at all these props and then you come into Mickey mouse in his dressing room where he's getting ready to, to put on some kind of magic show that never actually happens don't come in i'm not decent (laughs) exactly um but yeah they did they did a really nice job with the whole thing it looks great and i i i think it is built for the potential of the future 
No, oh, very nice. I look forward to seeing it in March. And Mickey looks forward to having you. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. It's good to be had. So we now break from the uh, 2011 year in review for a commercial about Inside the Magic, I think, if I'm reading <laughs> this one right. <laughs> yes, we did. You're You're now not only like impressing people by doing your shows in real time and actually not editing them later because you actually do everything live, if I'm not mistaken. I do. But you now, not only do you do that, but you actually have a camera on you so that people can watch you. And I haven't figured out why anybody does that yet. I, I did it once. It was, um, <laughs> um, I just sat there going, I hate you. And then, you know, moved on because... You, you do know, a good figured, job, man. Well, for exactly the reason you just said, I was sitting here and I was recording the show all in one take anyway. I figured, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I might as well just fire up a camera and people can watch me do it uh, if they want to. Yeah, see, my my goal with, the, uh, with Window to the Magic is to eventually do live audio podcasts from the show. However, cellular technology has got to catch up with my needs because you can't get a good enough signal in the parks to actually do a live stream from the parks currently. So yeah. I, you can do yours because you're connected right. to a hard line. Right. I, I would love to be able to just tell people, you know, every Saturday at noon, join me for a live audio show, but not yet. You can yet. do it, but it wouldn't be the same quality as what Window to the Magic is, which is really what your show is, has an emphasis on, is the binaural, uh, highly edited, but edited to the point where you don't realize it's edited just for this perfect Disney audio experience. And to do that streaming live would just be a garbled mess. Yes. <laughs> so not yet, but you right. are doing yours live via video, which... I'm just, I'm jealous. Which is what's uh, powering our uh, our live stream right now that, uh, you know, everybody's chatting and listening to us talking as we're recording this. Yes, yes. Now, that speaking you're... of before we move on or anything, uh, uh, the chat room, as I mentioned it, uh, back to that Mars Needs Moms topic from however many minutes ago. Sure. Um, somebody did chime in. Uh, Sean Stengland in the chat room said, Mars Needs Moms cost 350, uh, one, I'm sorry, $150 million and only made $38 million at the box office. Okay. So, yes, flop was an appropriate <laughs> word. And you mentioned the Country Bears. He also said that Country Bears cost $35 million to make, which is far less than Mars, Mars Needs Moms. And that one ended up making $18 million yeah, worldwide. Right, yeah. Far less of a disaster. You realize that part of that um, money that they spent was paying me to be there, right? <laughs> to the Country Bears uh, taping. Yeah, yeah. filming. I actually got paid to be in that movie. You can see the, like, the back of your head, right? Uh, you can see the shine off of the top of my head, yes. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I'm I, I got paid six seven hundred bucks to be in that movie. That was pretty cool. great. Yeah, it was a good. You thing. are you are part of that flop of a budget. Exactly. Yes. Um. So your your live video podcasts are done every Sunday, uh, pretty much, and you're streaming live from the Beast Castle in the new <laughs> Fantasyland. Yes, I am the Beast. <laughs> Um, no, I'm streaming live from my house, but, uh, yes, uh, Beast Castle, it was the big first sign of something cool popping up in, uh, in new fantasy land out here uh, in Orlando. Now, my understanding is, is that it's a forced perspective deal. And so Beast Castle is actually only about an inch and a half tall. 
Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, it's uh, it's one of those things that pictures online made it very difficult to understand that, and of course, people were jumping to conclusions that it was as big as Cinderella Castle, and it's going to have two castles now, and and yeah, it's much much smaller. Yeah, it's about the size of an average double cheeseburger, <laughs> if you add uh, a lot of lettuce, served by Lumiere and Mrs. Potts. Yes, 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 yes. B R Guest is the name of the restaurant that will be going there. Hey, very nice. That wasn't even a tie-in. We that's not <laughs> even on the list. What are you doing? You're off script. Stop it. Um, yeah. So Beast Castle is uh kind of towering up over uh over the construction walls in the distance with rockwork all around it, and it will be the uh the weenie, if you will, um that'll draw people toward the whole Beauty and the Beast area. Um, that's being built. So it's literally, it's just something that's up on top of a hill. It's, it's not going to be functional at all other than just possibly having lights that come on or something. Right. The structure itself will not be functional, but technically according to where you're going, you will be entering the beast castle to go to the restaurant. Oh, I gotcha. But you just won't be able to literally walk up to it because if you did, you would be about as half as tall as the entire castle. Okay. So it's kind of like the haunted mansion where you walk up and it looks like you're walking inside, but you're not. Very much. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, So you came out here several times this year, and one of them was for the Star Tours 2 opening, was it not? Yeah, yeah. Star Tours 2, of course, we've been talking... I think we've literally been talking about Star Tours 2 since the first year in review. Possible, yeah. Because <laughs> that's been a, a rumor forever. I mean, practically since Star Tours 1 opened, people have been saying, hey, when do we get a new movie? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and it finally happened in 2011. It opened out here in Orlando first to a huge grand opening celebration uh, George Lucas and stars from the movies and characters and fireworks and grand massive event. And then in California, a little tiny event. Yeah, they handed out French fries and said, come on in. <laughs> French fries shaped like lightsabers. Yes, exactly. Yes. Salted or unsalted. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I went to both uh, grand openings, actually. I went and, to uh, both openings. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought I hit mute. Did I mention I was looking for a new co-host of the show? <laughs> yes, yes, you did. Okay. Um, no, the uh, to backtrack a little bit, um, Star Tours first soft opened uh, out here uh, in Orlando, and uh, I was there when it when it soft opened as well. Uh, had a great time riding it at the time. Everybody was super super excited. Uh, and then a grand open and it, it was fun. Have you, have you been on star tours now that it's open up there as well? I have. And for a short period of time, I actually thought that it was not going to make me ill only for a short period. of time. Yes. Uh, I actually wrote it on window to the magic just recently. And you can hear at the end of the show, the cast member actually comments on the fact that I look really ill as I'm walking out and that I'm sweating Ooh. and, and then at the end, can I hear binaural audio of your stomach gurgling? Exactly. And then at, at the end of the show, I'm going, you know, I would like to thank you all for listening to, Oh God, that was rough. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's great. The 3d is awesome on it. It's the, the interactivity of the, the 50 some odd different, uh, options. Oh, right. Just wonderful. It 
I just, I get motion sick. End of story. So do you think it's, all right, so Star Tours 2, finally we get it in 2011. And yes, they they redid the queue, not the structure of it, but kind of reinvented it. It's a prequel to the original Star Tours. And now they've inserted all these different uh, combinations that you can see a different beginning, different middle, different end. You go to different planets. You see different characters. It's all in 3D. That's the big new Star Tours experience. And have you found that maybe it's one planet or something that gives you more motion sickness than another or can you just not take the ride anymore yeah it's just i I really can't take the ride uh interesting note for the um for the chat room though i want to see if anybody knows this uh there is a robot that is up and he's not the one checking the baggage but the the security guy a little bit further up um he is running you through a scanner and it's, the human it, scanner, not the luggage scanner. Correct. Does anyone know who voices that robot? And I do. I do. I ask this because <laughs> uh, if it, the first person that can that can put it in the chat room, uh, we will award one of my uh, Disneyland the 1950s, the original Disneyland DVDs. Ooh. Um, because um, I I didn't know this at the beginning, but you you can hear it. If, if you listen, but it's my favorite right. thing to ask people when you go on the ride. It's like, listen and tell me who this is. <laughs> well, so far. Oh, wait, I think we just got it. Uh, three people said Pee Wee Herman, which is not correct. Uh, West Coast Brian said Steve Gutenberg. Wrong. Uh, <laughs> but then I think we have a winner in uh, Sean Stangland who said Patrick Warburton. That's correct. Yes, uh, that they they alter his voice, but you can still hear Kronk. As he's doing that, it's just, it's so awesome to hear him on that ride because he's, he's still his snarky little self, uh, yeah. as you're going through that. So that's cool. And well, uh, yeah. So there you go. Well, yes. Whatever, whatever you just said that prize was, Sean gets one. Yes, Sean. So email podcast at window to the uh, send me your mailing address and let me know that you're the one who won the, uh, original Disneyland, the 1950s DVD. I don't know if you're a Disneyland fan, but it's, it's made up, uh, of a whole bunch of, uh, film that we, uh, collected from estate sales, actual honest to God, eight millimeter film, from 1955 to 1959, we built a tour of the park. Nice. Uh, yeah. Do I, so do I have a copy of that? I don't know if you do or not. Take a look, <laughs> and if you don't, I'll send you one too. But um, but yeah, so if you're not a Disneyland fan, that might just make you a fan of Disneyland. But anyway, enough plugging for me. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, so Star Tours, you have not enjoyed it much uh, after a few first rides. I've really enjoyed it, and the... I still haven't seen uh, the pod racing scene, which of course is the one Ooh. that they have demoed or you know showed off as promotion for the ride for a few years now. Yeah, I've I've been on that one. Yeah, that's, that's the only thing I'm, I've seen. Every other combination of anything of ever well, not necessarily the combinations, but every other individual little scene and character, just not that one yet. I need to I need to go on a ride-a-thon, I suppose, and see how many trips around it takes for me to feel motion sick. Yeah, I, I finally got to Hoth. The other day, uh, on when I did that show for window to the magic, um, mm-hmm. I, I finally was able to go on Hoth, but, uh, I didn't actually see it because as I was riding in the very back row, 
Well, the, that's that's the most vicious row. And the very last seat on the left. Ooh, even better. <laughs> I didn't even put my glasses on yeah. for the ride because the minute it started moving, I went, oh, my Lord. <laughs> so, but I, I really enjoy Star Tours. I really wish that I could find a way to ride this thing because this this new 2.0 is is awesome. It's, yeah, it's it's probably it was probably other than the Disney dream uh, that we've talked about so far. As far as really good, awesome new things in the world of Disney that premiered in 2011, uh, I guess the dream, the Haunted Mansion upgrades, and now uh, as we reach Star Tours, definitely a huge, huge. Uh, addition to both uh, out here in Florida to Disneyland, and I think it's going to to Tokyo next. I believe is it Tokyo? I thought I think so. I, I I seem to remember reading recently that Tokyo announced they're closing the classic version of the ride in a month or two to to get the new one. Okay, yeah, I knew there was one overseas that was open. Yeah. You know, going to open Which the would, new one. So, so that leaves I think Paris still has the uh, the old one as well. Ah, oh, very nice. Yeah, I, I like when when you stop in the middle of the ride and Princess Leia comes up and goes, "Help me, Star Tours! You're my yes. only hope." Yeah, that that was I saw that on my very first trip through, which is definitely one of the the highlights. And uh, I mean that that sequence changes, but that one is is great. Yeah, there's there's three 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 things I like about uh, Star Tours 2.0, and that's that's that the the you're my only hope. There's the Patrick Warburton thing, and there's the fact that right around the corner from or right before you get to Patrick Warburton, Rex is in the queue. He's right. in a return box but the box is open and you hear him every so often kind of start up and go i, I meant to do that yeah you know sort of sizzling and, and malfunctioning and yeah yeah, yeah i'll just laugh you yeah, know yeah, <laughs> turn off no, again. i love that and actually that luggage droid uh is great too i mean if i, I stood there and watched the entire 30 minute loop of that luggage droid because it's just it, you you see l- pieces of luggage go by and you see sort of an x-ray of what's inside that luggage and it's sometimes it's animated, sometimes, you know, they scan it. And it's just there's so many gags, not from only from the Star Wars universe, but from other Disney attractions past and present. And it's just I, they did put so much time into that one little cue element that most people are just going to blow right by. Yeah, like Wally when he's in one of the bags. Yeah, yeah. You got Wally's sitting in there and, and there's like laser blasters and lightsabers and, and I stitches in one of them. And just it's an endless supply of of stuff yes and and you know the only thing that is is more sad than the fact that you stood there and watched that entire <laughs> loop is the fact that i sat and watched your video of the entire loop yes that's even worse but hey whatever but that says just how entertaining it is and how crazy we are well yeah that too that's a segue Speaking of crazy, um, uh, so that was May that Star Tours opened out here. It opened a month later in California, or maybe even a little less than a month. But also in May, uh, there was one weekend where for some reason, every Walt Disney World event you could possibly cram into one weekend was all taking place like at the same time. Yes, Mouse Um, Fest. (laughs) Now it's been a few years for that one. Oh. Um, there, that weekend, I can't remember the date exactly, right in the middle of the month, there was what Disney called Pixar weekend at Epcot, something that they had never done before. Uh, they brought out Pixar characters all over the park. They had special guest speakers like Michael Giacchino, who of course has scored a number of Pixar films. They had uh, other animators and all that kind of thing. 
uh, over at Downtown Disney. They had Cars Masters Weekend, uh, which was a big tribute to cars, like Pixar cars and things going on with that and video games. There was the Star Tours promotional mall tour going on uh, in Orlando at Florida Mall. There was Destination D, Walt Disney World for the entire weekend. And the two days prior to that was the first ever Walt Disney World Great Disney Scavenger Hunt. Now, did Lou Mangiello win that? No, uh, the scavenger hunt. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lou to, and his team took second place, and uh, my team took third place. Oh. Well, who took first? Uh, another team. Oh, good. <laughs> it's good detail-oriented there. I like that. Uh, the, uh, one of the guys that's on the winning team, his name is Brent, and he's got a Disney website about movie stuff. Brent Dodge. Yes, that's him. Okay, yeah, that's... Um, Oh God! From screen to theme, and in, in, in that's that, it. Yep, you know it better than I do. Look at that! Twitter pays off. <laughs> Shout out to Brent Dodge. So all yeah, right. he, and yes, the top three teams that won uh, were all very much uh, Disney aficionado sort of teams. Uh, no surprise. Nerd groups. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but that was that was the most exhausting thing I've probably ever done in my entire life. Yeah, it's, uh, you should come out here sometime and follow me around the park. That's exhausting, too. <laughs> it was uh, eight hours one day, eight hours the next day of literally nonstop, almost running, but running was against the rules. So one tiny notch below running around the parks without stopping, pretty much. Expeditious walking. Yes. Yes. And Isn't searching it, and writing stuff down and decoding. And, and yeah, it was... Ex- it was hot. Too. Ex- Expeditious Walking was one of the early names for that attraction over in Animal Kingdom, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, yes. The Wild Africa Expeditious Walking. Yeah, that was before they put the, the train cars and they were just going to have you walk through it like the Haunted Mansion was originally <laughs> going to be a walking tour. They were going to make it, you know, where you saw the Yeti, but you had to walk through and it was Expeditious Walking. Perfect. Perfect. I like it. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, great Dis- Disney scavenger hunt. Amazingly fun. Amazingly exhausting. Uh, yeah. Made you want to sit down. Uh, quite a bit. Could you do that at the AMC 24 Dine-In Theater? Are you jumping to the next topic already? I did. <laughs> uh, okay. Yes, that was a wonderful segue. But before we, uh, before we move on, <laughs> uh, more needs to be said about, I think, Destination D, Walt Disney World. Did you go to Destination D in California? I have not. Um I'm I because I was moving um, and, you know, getting married and doing all that other stuff, because this this year was just nuts for me. Wait, was with, that with this everything. year that you got married? Yes. I got married one, 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 one. Oh, wow. So that was the very beginning of 2011. So we should have put that at the very top of the list. We should have. But this isn't you know, this isn't the Paul Berry show, really. Are you sure? No. <laughs> But, um, but anyway, um, with all of that, because of the time that I took off for that, for the honeymoon for, and then moving down here, I had to come down here and do all kinds of things to, to get an apartment and and all that other stuff. I completely ran out of vacation. So when time came for destination D to be here, I didn't have any time to come down and do it. Mm -hmm. So now that I live here next year, if they do one, and I believe they are doing one this next year, I will be there. 
Yeah, so Destination D originally was going to be the alternate years for the D23 Expo. It was going to be an Expo one year, a Destination D the next year, et cetera, et cetera. But for some reason in 2011, they decided, hey, we did a Destination D in California. Maybe we should do one in Florida, sort of, kind of, in honor of the 40th anniversary. Not really. Hey, Sean, I got your email. Uh, thank you. I'll get that out to you ASAP. Um, okay, so go back to what you were saying. I'm sorry. So, uh, yeah, Destination D, I, I did not go to the one in California um, either, but uh, I did attend the one out here in Florida, and it was, um, it, was, it was fun. It was informational. It was entertaining. It was a tad boring at times, but uh, overall, it was uh, worth the price of admission simply for the finale show. They could have put on just the finale show, and everybody would have been happy if Nothing else had happened. I was going to say, tell me that this was the one where Dreamfinder came out. Yes. So this, yeah, I mean, this really should have just been billed as an event on its own, but it ended up just being this monumental surprise after surprise after surprise. What it said simply on the itinerary for Destination D Walt Disney World was something like an evening with Richard Sherman. All right. Sounds and like that, a slow evening, really. <laughs> Um, well, it was going to be a performance by Richard Sherman. Uh, but of course, I mean, that sounds interesting enough. You know, it's, it's always fun to see him, uh, perform, sing, you know, his billions of songs that he's written over the years, Disney and otherwise. And that's, uh, what it began as, but then D23 came out. And of course this is a D23 event came out with, after that was, um, I can't remember the exact order of everything, but there were tributes to uh, Epcot attractions of the past um, through the cast member choir that sang songs. Uh, a couple of longtime cast member performers came out and sang the uh, America song from from Epcot. And yes, Dreamfinder for the first time in who knows how many years came out in full costume with figment in hand and everybody joined in a tear filled uh, sing along of uh, you know the imagination song used to be great but now it's all gone there That's isn't the anything left in the park now that one yeah yeah that is the one and that is uh it, it was quite a uh, you know a standing ovation kind of moment uh, just that whole performance which went on for like an hour hour and a half something it was it was a lot bigger and more and everything that uh that everybody thought it was going to be. And it really ended the weekend that had sort of mixed presentations on a really, really high note. Please tell me that I'm misunderstanding. You didn't sing the imagination song for an hour and a half. <laughs> no, that one part was not an hour. And a half. Oh, okay. I was just the thinking. The whole concert was about an hour. Oh, Lord, I had visions of imagination for an hour and a half. I'm like, <laughs> look, folks, I realize we miss the attraction, but come on. Well, I, I didn't tell you that. That's what the rest of the year in review is going to be. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's right. No, and no. And one and a two. That's right. Um, so that was that was Destination D. And, and so now with that, there were no huge surprises like that at the California one. So now that they've done that out here, of course, I'm sure exp expectations will be uh, rather high uh, for, for the Disneyland version next year. The problem being that the one coming up this next year is not about Disneyland. Right. The theme is a bit different. The first one was about Disneyland. The one out here is about Walt Disney World. Now they've done those topics, so now they're going to be talking about animation. Vinylmation. 
Probably. <laughs> Four days of all Vinylmation conversation. Yeah. No. Uh, so, I mean, they're promising a lot of really interesting um, artists and uh, vo- voice talents and probably some singers over, you know, decades of Disney animation. And that potentially could be amazing. Lots of merchandise opportunities. Well, certainly that. Yeah. I mean, there's Destination D, the one in California, the one out here. The merchandise was eh. So I think this one, they'll really ramp that up for sure. Very, very nice. So are, are you done talking about this now? Yeah. Now you can go okay. back to your... So, boy, that sure sounded like a lot of work. Probably made you want to sit down. Could you have sat down at the AMC 24 Dine-In Theater? Hang on a second. Can we go back to... No, um, <laughs> I'm going to kill you. Uh, I, I, yes, the AMC 24 downtown Disney theater, uh, reopened as a, uh, partial dine in theater. Uh, have you ever done one of those? I have at the sci-fi dine in theater. Well, that's a little different. This one, you actually sit there for like a two hour movie in the theater and you happen to also eat. No kidding. So it's, you know, uh, I just went and I saw the new uh, Sherlock Holmes movie and I opted not to have dinner at the time. But if I I could have, if I wanted to, you press a little button, a server comes over to you, interrupts the movie, you order what you want and uh, and you eat and you chow down while you watch the movie. Well, wait, interrupts the movie. Yeah, I mean, they come and go during the movie. Oh, okay. I was not. They don't pause the movie. Okay, that's. I was like, <laughs> interrupt the movie, really? That hey, would be everybody, your hang on. I need some more chicken strips. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, three more chicken strips, please, because I want the diet. I'm on health food. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I no, I have not done it yet because I just haven't. I I want to. I just haven't really found. I found the right opportunity to watch a movie and and dine. You were there watching a movie. But I, I had, I, it was, it was like in the middle of the afternoon. I already eaten lunch. It wasn't dinner time yet. Should have ordered a dessert. I guess I could have done that. Well, one of the nice things though about this is you actually pick your seat in advance uh, when you, when you buy the ticket online. So you don't have to show up, you know, half an hour before the movie to, to get a good seat. Oh, nice. So, you know, in advance that you're not going to be able to see the film. Exactly. At least you know you're going to be way off in the corner and then you can just eat instead of watch the movie. That's very well. I, you know, at the sci-fi dine-in theater, I always sit in the back at the tables rather mm-hmm. than in the cars. Well, so, it's always weird when you're there with like three people and, you know, you've got two and then one and you got to lean over and. Yeah. 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 No, that's it's odd. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah so it, what are they charging for this? Uh, the movies, I believe, uh, went to go into that theater just a little bit more, but then of course you have to pay for the, the food, whatever you order. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's not as bad on the prices as you might think when you're, you know, you're ordering like a $7 bag of popcorn. Um, the, the meals that you get are kind of regular dinner prices. Well, that's good because they really could have raked you over the coals with this one. Well, the point is to actually get people to go to movie theaters. Hopefully. Yeah. I've only been to the AMC 24 downtown Disney once in Florida, and that was to see Enchanted the very first night that Terry and I were there in 2007. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I've never walked into that theater. There's no reason you can go to a theater anytime, anywhere. Yeah, well, I, I don't want to see a movie when I'm on vacation, but uh, but living here, I do try to go to that movie 
uh, that theater because it's just because it's a nice theater. They also, uh, in conjunction with the dine-in theater, they opened a new enhanced theater experience, which is somewhere uh, between regular theater and IMAX. Um, I haven't experienced that experience. Yet. That's that's where you sit down and you pay someone to sit behind you and kick your chair? And spill water on your head. That's very good. All right. Yeah. All right. I like that. Bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another bad idea, actually. Uh, Disney uh, decided in 2011... Uh, the whole Osama bin Laden victory SEAL Team 6 swooped in and disposed of him while Disney thought, hey, we could make some money off of that. Let's trademark SEAL Team 6. Hmm. That, uh, is that why they were going to come out with those SEAL Team 6 vinylmation? <laughs> yeah. With a, well, I, you know, I'm not even going to do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, it didn't last very long. The, out of respect, as they put it, they decided to withdraw their trademark filing. Due to a cease and desist letter from the SEAL Team 6 members. Yeah, I just, it's so bizarre. Like, can you imagine what type of merchandise would Disney have come out for SEAL Team 6? Uh, you know, I don't know. With Marvel, they could have had a SEAL Team 6 yeah. comic book. Yeah, or maybe they were trademarking it to make a movie or something. But, I mean, how can you trademark something that clearly was part of, I mean, it became part of history, part of government, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it, w it was a little odd when I heard that. But, you know, it's it, it's a money-making opportunity. That's, that had to be what it was. There was no <laughs> other reason to do it. Uh, 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 Jimbo in the chat room says, what a ride that would have been. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, and unless you happen to be in that one helicopter. <laughs> yeah, well, then then you won't be returned until you've been uh, you picked dry overseas. That, that's right, yes. Pirates of the Caribbean, the Iraq version. <laughs> uh, speaking of pirates. Ooh, nice. Um, pi a big movie, huge, huge movie for 2011. Uh, it, one of the biggest, if not the biggest movie for 2011, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Uh, number four in the series. What'd you think? I haven't seen it yet. Somehow that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, for my birthday this year, I had Calvin buy me Pirates of the Caribbean, all of the movies on Blu-ray so that I can sit down and actually watch them. Now, now I seem to remember you had a Blu-ray player, but no HGTV. Has that changed? Yes. Um, I married an HDTV and, and an HDTV married a Blu-ray player. Perfect. Cause she had an HDTV, but no Blu-ray player. There you go. So it, you know, it's two great tastes that taste great together. And now you've got Blu-ray discs, a player and a TV. Now you just need to actually watch. Yes. Yes. And they are see, uh, sitting just to my right on the, on the, you know, underneath the big TV in the living room. And, uh, and I have not started a single one up since I've been here. Because I'm so busy running around. I mean, it, being 30 minutes from Disneyland, right? I'm there all the time. You know, well, I, I certainly know that feeling. And uh, yeah, but uh, I did see Pirates when it was in theaters. Uh, we're still in May. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was back in May, and uh, uh, subsequently Disney uh, in their huge synergistic push, as they always like to have. 
uh, put Angelica, the Penelope Cruz uh, character from the movie, into the parks and uh, replaced the Davy Jones waterfall projection in the ride with Blackbeard. Did you have you seen those at I, Disneyland? Yes, and 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 that actually has come and gone now. Um, did is you? Da- Davy Jones is back now. Yes, um, oh. they actually when they closed Pirates here just recently for the oh, refurb, right. okay, mm-hmm. they put it in and now they alternate. So Blackbeard comes up and says, you know, uh, buy some vinylmation. And then (laughs) he goes away and then Davy Jones comes up and says, well, some pins would really be nice. And then he goes away, you know, and then Davy Jones comes back up again. So, yeah, it's um, it was one of the interesting things. I I thought that they were just going to put it back to Davy Jones, but then I thought, why? Yeah. You know, and and so they just alternated them. Huh. Well, I, I thought, um, well, let me, I'll start with the movie. I, I really enjoyed this fourth Pirates film. I, I think it was a lot of mixed reactions. The people who liked number two and three thought four was a step in the completely wrong direction. The people like me who thought two was okay and that three was just downright awful thought four was a step back in the right direction. So it's, it's kind of, you know, one or the other. Did you like two and three? I don't remember what two and three are. That's why I had him buy them for me because I, (laughs) I don't remember whether or not I've actually seen any of them except the first one. I can, I I guarantee I've seen the first one. Right. Well, the first one is, uh, is fantastic. Classic, classic movie. Amazing. Uh, this fourth one tries to move back to the same direction as that one with a tighter knit cast, you know, not so much CG, not so much incredibly confusing and just made up worthless plot uh, and just kind of focus on a real basic sort of adventure. Don't mince words, Ricky. What do you really feel? (laughs) Well, uh, the world certainly spoke. Uh, The movie passed $1 billion at the box office, cost a fraction of that to make. And uh, as a result, Pirates 5 seems to be on the way at some point. So between that and Mars Needs Moms, they broke even? (laughs) Yeah, close to. But no, Pirates definitely uh, soared them uh, well and above and beyond even the previous three. And it just keeps being more and more of a moneymaker. I think this fourth one actually did better overseas than it did in the U.S. But, you know, a dollar is a dollar. And that's uh, they're going to keep on cranking those out. Uh, Angelica in the parks didn't seem to be all that popular, very attractive character to be in the parks but other than that didn't really add a whole lot it well it would only be good if it was actually penelope cruz <laughs> right exactly in which case there would have been a line oh, for yeah. the meet and greet yeah yeah no i, I mean the, the the people the the girls out here i i never saw her uh in california but out here they have a cast of um girls that play the role very very well um but it's just kind of a it's an odd character to put in the parks because she's real standoffish, which is not usually what a Disney character in the park, you know, meet and greet is. Standoffish. That's that's a character uh, that's on Tom Sawyer's Island at one point. Captain I Standoffish. It was one of the, the first the first pilgrims that came over on the Mayflower. <laughs> oh, the pilgrims didn't come over on the Mayflower. Come on. Mm. <sighs> now back to our show. Right. <laughs> Uh, I think that's it. I don't have anything else to say about pirates. No, it just, it was good. I liked it. Okay. Very, very nice. You know what? I lied. I have one more thing to say. It was in 3d for the, the first pirates movie to be in 3d. Oh, you could have left that off. Um, I actually kind of liked it in 3d. I'm, I'm, 
like I said earlier, I'm really, really on the fence with this whole 3D thing. Uh, there are some movies that I just I love in 3D. Tron Legacy is so much better in 3D than it is in 2D. But that's what the movie is. I mean, it's a computer movie. I mean, how could that not be better in 3D? Um, but you know, pirates was sort of one of those in between part. It looked good in 3d. I didn't mind it in 3d, but it didn't blow me away either. Gotcha. Yeah. I saw a little preview cause they were doing the, the previews out here in the, um, in, in the festival of fools area at Disneyland, they had a 3d, um, what it was like a 12 minute preview that you could see. And the, the 3d was just annoying. Hmm. And I, I was looking at it and I was going, that is 3D for 3D's sake. That's like putting a bottle of rum in the foreground right. just to do 3D. And I'm like, yeah, Well, Please. fortunately, that whole gimmicky part of it didn't happen throughout the entire movie. Oh, good. Uh, they certainly pack those into the trailers and the previews, but it, it kind of just felt, after a while watching Pirates in 3D, it was one of those you forgot you were watching it in 3D. It just became part of a little extra depth. You know, it's that, that, that one spot where, where Blackbeard, you know, says, you know, uh, you know, you, you, you be treasonous or whatever it is. And he swipes his sword right. very slowly across right. the screen. And it's like, really? Yeah. And, and, and what's really annoying about those obviously intended for 3D moments is when you watch the movie in 2D, it's even worse yeah. because it's no longer even gimmicky at that point. So at that point, you're actually losing something because you are not seeing that 3d gimmick you're seeing the the worse version of the 3d gimmick <laughs> yeah. uh you gotta love that yeah so but uh but yeah pirates 3d the end the end um you, we were talking about the fact that i can't talk about Walt Disney World from personal experience. And, and one of the things that I can never do is talk about American Idol because I, last time I was there, I think it was just empty. Um, but you guys had Scotty Mercury there, if I'm remembering this correctly. Um, did he do a performance? What was it that, that was... What yeah, was well, this about? He, he Scotty McCreary was the latest winner of the American Idol TV show, which I did not tune into uh, this season or last season or the one before that. Um, but last year, I remember we talked about on our review show that the winner last year, uh, Lee DeWise, um, came out because that's what the winners have been doing since this uh, American Idol experience opened at Hollywood Studios. And Mr. DeWise did not perform did not sing he just kind of came out answered a couple of questions and disappeared which was really odd for a singing competition winner to not sing for his fans and all that uh so scotty mccurry did sing girls swooned and it was a, a much better moment very good it's always good when girls swoon yeah it's uh probably the first uh the first semi-successful artist to come out of that show in a couple of years yeah, is he good? I, eh, I mean, it's country music, so it all sounds the same to me. I see, yes. It's uh, two of my uh, favorite uh, types of music, country and western. And country bears. Yes, and country bears. But so, was, if, uh, so if uh, Scotty McCurry went over and sang in the country bears, would you be interested in seeing him there? Um. Yes. If you had the country bears. If I knew who the guy was. <laughs> he kind of looks like a Weasley little country bear. All right. There you go. 
You call him Weasley McGraw or we- Weasley McCreary. Speaking of uh, critters. Nice. No, not at all. Uh, hey, if you can't be a winner, you might as well be a cheetah. Uh, that's even worse. Okay. Well, go on. <laughs> um, well, you know, I mean, yeah. we went from American Idol winners to, to cheetahs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, all right, whatever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So so I said at the beginning of the show we were going to be talking mostly about Disney, but I thought I would just quickly mention, you know, in the grand scheme of theme parks and and especially Central Florida, there's this competition, certainly, for Disney. Um, Busch Gardens is over in Tampa, and a big new attraction uh, opened in 2011 called Cheetah Hunt, which is a... Roller coaster. I don't know. Are you are you a roller coaster fan? I do like roller coasters. The ones that I can fit on, being a, a you know a, a man of girth, I um, I don't fit into all of them. But I do enjoy a good coaster. Well, this one is a. I really really enjoyed it. It's it's not the most thrilling. It's not the fastest. It's not the biggest. But it's a, just a well laid out, well you know, good twists and turns and kind of surprising elements. It's just a fun ride. Elements. I thought it was cheetahs. Can we insert a little crickets sound there? <laughs> I think we could. Um, now, now, Cheetah Hunt. So this is there. It's a roller coaster, and you got like little Toy Story guns, and you, you, you... <laughs> yeah. That, well, that's uh, that was the funniest part about this uh, ride is the rumored name for it was Cheetaka, which was sounded like it would very well f- uh, fit in with all of Bush Gardens' other coasters, but they ended up going with Cheetah Hunt, which does sound like you are going to go on a hunt. For cheetahs, which mm-hmm. is not at all. <laughs> you are a cheetah and you are hunting. Weird. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't really come off terribly well in the name, but the ride itself is fun, so it doesn't really matter, I suppose. Good. And now all of our listeners know what a 2011 ear in review quick mention is. Five uh, minutes. Yeah. Perfect. Moving on, uh, let's talk about some things that uh, are closer to your side of the country. Ooh, 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 I've seen this one. <laughs> <laughs> An hour and 43 minutes in, and, and... And then Paul has finally got something to talk about. Good, you take over, I'll be back. Okay, sounds good. The Little Mermaid, Ariel's Undersea Adventure at Disney California Adventure. A dark ride of epically compressed proportions uh i would agree um i like it i i like it but it has issues yeah you know i mean if they tried to tell the whole story in in its you know it's it's more fun for me when i go through to pick on the ride and the parts that are missing from it right um but in in the grand scheme of things it's a it's a dark ride and dark rides you know i mean like in Fantasyland at Disneyland, you're you're going through the the seven dwarves chase the witch up the up the mountain, and they lived happily ever after. Yeah, the, the, it, in the grand scheme of Disney dark rides, it does seem that the climactic battles and the endings of films are rapidly compressed to just kind of keep the happy moments. Yes, and this one has the added bonus of having Mister Limpet. <laughs> yes, that is uh, an, an interesting bonus that I, I wonder if they'll include when they uh, duplicate the ride out here. They uh, they really, really should. 
Uh, it, it's very odd to point out to someone who's riding the ride the first time you're going through this wonderful undersea adventure and you go, no, look over there. Really? It's Don Knotts. It's <laughs> a little, little fish with glasses. Yes. And he's like totally off in the distance in the dark. He's not lit up. There's nothing. Right. It's just, it's just back there. And and I don't even think that's a Disney movie. It's not. Yeah. However, some of the Disney people that worked at the time on uh, you know, at the Disney Studios worked on Mr. Limpet too. Ah, okay. So my understanding is that's the tie-in. Yeah. But that's that's it. So well, so the ride itself uh was was fit into the uh former Golden Dream thing. No. 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 They completely tore down that building to well, the ground. Right. Well, I guess I meant the entrance was the same. Um, well, the only, th the, the only thing that they left was that palace of fine arts yeah, that. structure. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Y yeah. That's everything behind that is brand new and purpose built for the attraction. Right. Right. Yeah. Brand new building, two stories, uh, true story and, um, and just wonderful. I mean, the, the, um, the animatronics are on par with Tokyo. Um, I consider the Sebastian, the crab animatronics to be just hands down. Awesome. Yeah. The little, little animated eyes are fantastic. Yes. Now, if they could just get Ariel's eyes to close just a little bit, so she doesn't look like she's whacked out, <laughs> you know, yeah, she looks it, like way too much caffeine, Ariel. <laughs> it, it is a little interesting that the best parts of, uh, of this little mermaid ride, definitely Sebastian, Ursula yes. is amazing. Yes. But yeah. then you've got the main character who appears multiple times in the ride, maybe doesn't look the best out of everything. Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I personally like the, the soft serve aerial that you're looking at <laughs> right. when Mr. Limpet is over on your right. Right. Yeah. The, the twirly hair aerial. Yeah. It's just, it's odd. I, I like her figure, pardon the pun, earlier in the ride, um, when she's floating there in the part of your world scene and her hair mm -hmm. appears to be floating. Mm -hmm. That's great. The, right. Cause the, the hair is animated. Yes. Yeah. When, when you go into this other one, it, she just looks like a soft uh, serve cone. Or, or as everybody in the chat room is saying, Dole Whip hair. Dole Whip hair, right. Cherry Dole Whip hair. That's, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's odd. But, uh, but yeah, fabulous attraction. I mean, it's, I just, it, I like it. The, my, my, I, I like it. I really liked it the first time. I continue to like it each time I write it. My biggest complaint, I have two biggest complaints. I don't know how that's possible, but I have two big complaints. Because you're Ricky Briganti. You right. can have two. Uh, the under the sea scene, which is where Dole Whip hair Ariel is, yeah. is really long. It's like you almost hear the entire song when you're going through there. And then right after that is Ursula, arguably the most impressive thing in the entire attraction. And you go flying by her. You realize you're going the same speed both right, places. Right. One room is enormous and you're going around a huge semicircle. And the other one, you just kind of go zipping right by. Yes. Had they made Ariel this, uh, or Ariel had, had they made Ursula the same size as the center of that, um, under the right. sea song and just made her huge. Yeah. And, and then let you go around, then that would have been good. 
I, but that I, would have been very impressive. Even if even if she was the same size, and you kind of just did a more of a circular track around her. Just I I want to see more of her. I catch like a half a sentence, and you're already gone. Yeah, well, she's only got four sentences that well, she says. <laughs> yeah, it's a this is a very quick loop. It's literally the length of what you're saying. If you listen right as you get into the room, yeah, the thing she's saying, she's saying as you're leaving. Mm. <laughs> it is a very short loop. But, but I mean, that, that is very nitpicky. Uh, I mean, there's, I do enjoy the ride. It is very much in the, uh, in the style of a classic Disney ra- dark ride with some upgraded uh, effects and animatronics. And uh, I, I think anybody who, you know, really has a beef with it is just simply the fact that the whole big monumental Ursula battle at the end is totally absent. Yeah, it's just there's a thing in the back with her kind of looking yeah. like Don King, and <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, but the the guy that did the voice for the Buddy Hackett uh, seagull, just wonderful. Yeah, definitely. As a voice match that is almost dead on. Yeah, no, he, he, uh, the, all of it, I mean, and the, and the music is, is certainly consistent throughout the the whole ride and, and everything. It's, it's just enjoyable. It is. It is very good. Another thing that I found very enjoyable and continues to be enjoyable. And I've seen it a bunch of times now, although I've never actually seen the beginning of the parade in its entirety. Mickey's sensational parade. I love that parade. Oh, that is awesome. And the, the, the drum line that I keep missing at the beginning of the (laughs) sensational parade. Right. For Christmas, they've got them out here as toy soldiers, mm-hmm. and they're they're doing like this rock drum line thing, and it's it's awesome. But the sensational parade, Jody and Kevin have outdone themselves yet yeah, again. Yeah. Oh man, just I, uh, great from a from a Walt Disney World perspective, from seeing what is out here on a daily basis in terms of uh, the day, you know, the daytime parade at the Magic Kingdom. I cannot believe that parade made its way into the park from design to actually existing. You because mean, what, you mean because it's out, good? Yeah, yeah exactly. Because what we have out here is so generic Disney-like fluff. You know, that is such a... Mickey's Sensational Parade is such a stylized... You know, it's it's the proper use of that high energy music that Disney wants to keep putting into a parade, but just butchers with the move it, shake it kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, would they let Jody and Kevin actually do their designs? They created them out of paper mache. Right. They actually did the whole thing. And then they literally took those designs, 3D them in the computer, built the pieces and put them together. And I was talking with Kevin and Jody about this the other day, and they're very, very happy with the way that parade came out. I can't see why they wouldn't be. I mean, it's it, it has their names written all over it. Yeah, yeah, that, almost literally. Yeah. Um, but it, um, we were there for an annual passholder event um, where they did the parade at night. Mm-hmm. And um, Kevin and Jody were out there, and they actually took my friend Ryan... Um, you know, the, the blind guy that does the, the narration stuff with Mm -hmm. us. Okay. Um, they actually took him up to the floats, showed him the paper mache that they built, let him touch that and then let him touch the floats so that he got an idea of the scale of what he couldn't see. 
That's that's amazing. And the the best part about it is I just got this an email the other day uh, in the Disneyland line, the employee magazine. They actually had an article about the fact that they showed Ryan around and they have pictures awesome. of him and everybody going that's around great. and doing that. Yeah. Great parade. If, if you're at Disneyland and you're thinking to yourself, eh, it's a parade. No, right. it's not. No, See no. It. This, it is. It is the first parade in a very long, first new parade in a long, long time that I've ever gone out of my way to watch repeatedly. Yeah, yeah, and I and I tried desperately to see the beginning of the parade. Um, I, I'm just I've got bad timing, but it's just I can hear it from far yeah. away all the yeah. time, and it's just that that little strange scratch mixing that they do thing at the end or at the beginning with the you know the Mickey Mouse theme is just awesome i love it yeah it's uh the the first time that i saw the parade i uh it was i mean it had already uh sort of been soft open i don't know how you can have a parade that has a soft opening but a soft performance or whatever before <laughs> being official and um i had i saw it on the first official performance when it was all part of the star tours opening and the little mermaid opening and all of that um i i was up on this like two-story tall riser in town square watching the parade come down main street eye level with the tops of the parade floats and need, it was just an awesome view from up there i need to hang out with you <laughs> it was uh and of course i posted a video of that whole thing so you can see that unique perspective on the parade and it's uh to see it up there and then literally the next day i went i was like i need to see this from ground level and then next opportunity i was like okay now i need to see it from the other side of the street and you know it's so many little tiny characters and details and animated things and it's just wonderful they actually have orville from the rescuers the dragonfly on those floats really yes and um the uh, the the little fairies from um, Sleeping Beauty, um, mm -hmm. Max Buff and Melvin, or whatever their names are, <laughs> um, they're in there, and there's there's they just hid little details everywhere. Yeah. And and after um, I was talking with Jevin and uh, Kevin and Jody, they were they were telling us about these little hidden things. So we had to go out to Main Street. They had brought the floats out for us to check out. Um, not so much as, as they did with uh, Ryan, but we could walk past them mm -hmm. and, and I had to find all these little details. It's yeah. really intense little details. And then I love the, uh, beyond the floats, the, the music is really well done. It's kind of that upbeat sort of remix version of Disney songs, but for once it's not overblown and, you know, hip hoppy and all that kind of, it's, it's all of the songs, whether they initially were an up-tempo song like, uh, you know, Step in Time for Mary, the Pop Mary Poppins or, um, you know, I See the Light from Tangled, they're all done at the same tempo in the performance, in the parade, but they still kind of have that same slower or faster feel that the original does. Yeah, and it's got the, the dance beat the <laughs> behind it. Right. However, they're working in when the when the three caballeros float goes by, they're doing Bahia, which is like a ah, Bahia. You know, it's a very slow song, but mm. they, they've got the beat behind it, and you're like, "This is actually a dance mix." I like yeah. this. You know, it, yeah, very very good. It is. I, I think I, we've I think we've raved about that long enough. I enjoy it, and I do it every time I can. And that's a segue into our next topic, which is. Trader Sam's Enchanted Tiki Bar 
and the Tongaroa Terrace at the Disneyland Hotel. This one is uh, is all you. I go to Trader Sam's every Friday from 4.30 to 7 p.m. And I'm, I'm on a first-name basis with the bartenders there because this place is just awesome. You go in, it's like sitting in the Adventurers Club mixed with the Tiki Room. They've got uh, windows that are interactive. Right now for the holidays, they have an ice storm that blows through whenever you order one of the specific drinks. <laughs> and that's that's one of the things. Is It's a little bar. It holds 47 people max. Mm-hmm. So it's tiny. Very, very tiny. And with with that many people, it's like, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me. Well, when you and I were there for D23, we actually overloaded the terrace outside. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. We actually had cast members. I don't know if you actually heard them say this or not. I didn't. But, okay. The, the cast members were actually coming through and like parting the waters because they couldn't bring us our drinks because there were so many people <laughs> out there. Um but there's markedly less people when I go out there every week. But I put it out to my to my listeners that any time that they're at Disneyland, Fridays, 4.30 to 7, come by. We can sit. They serve the Kungaloosh from the Adventurers Club. So for those that are missing the Adventurers Club, you can come out. You can have a Kungaloosh. They do both the pre-2000 and the post-2000 versions. And the Tongaroa Terrace, which is a... A Polynesian themed, almost quick service restaurant, although it's got some tables. Um, it's they they actually, if you go over and order the food, they will bring it over to the bar, bring it to your table, and you can just have a great time out there. And uh, it's it's just just fun. And then they've got uh, the little band that plays out on the terrace as well. Yes, Tui and and his son. Um, are a couple of the performers and they have some other people that they bring in as well. And, uh, out on the terrace, they play, uh, Polynesian music, uh, at annoyingly high volume. <laughs> and I keep talking to them about it and they just don't seem to understand, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's great. You can sit out there and starting at six o'clock each night, they will play live Polynesian music. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, you know, the, the styling of everything clearly, as you said, influenced by Tiki, influenced by the Adventurers Club. And then, you know, it's very, very similar to the Polynesian Resort out here, but all just condensed into a sort of best of version of this really cozy, comfortable place to hang out. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it is so fun to be out there and just to, just to hang out with people. Everybody's having a good time. The, the bartenders there, Jim and Ron and Rhonda and everybody, um, they are totally engaging. And they, one of the things they do is they, whenever anybody opens the door, they yell aloha and they get everyone in the bar to do it as well. So they'll yell aloha and then everybody in the bar, aloha, and the person walking in the door goes, yeah, you know. <laughs> And, uh, you know, if you stand there and you hold the door open, Ron will yell at you, you know, close the door. You're letting all the fun out, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. So with the Adventurers Club closed out here, do you feel like Trader Sam's exists as a result of that? Well, I can tell you that there's some things from the Adventurers Club in there. I mean, they they actually even have one of the cups of the um, the Yakus. In, mm-hmm. in there, there's a small version of uh, Zeus with a fishing pole or mm-hmm. God, God with rod. 
Right. Um, they have the W.C. Fields doll that was used on stage in the Adventurers Club. Um, they have a letter in there from Pamelia Perkins, the club president. They have a scarf that was used in the Adventurers Club. They have a picture of the colonel uh, that's autographed by the colonel and addressed to Trader Sam. And, and, and they have the, the, the seats in there. Three of the seats at the bar actually go down like the ones that the, the Adventurers Club used to. Mm-hmm. So you can sit in there. As a matter of fact, I was sitting in there with my friend Jeff Dewey yesterday. And um, he was sitting next to me. And all of a sudden, he was just about a foot off the ground. <laughs> it was awesome. He didn't even notice it until he was down about halfway. Yeah. And I looked at him, I said, you know, dude, you're like, you look like you're feeling a little low. And he looks up and he goes, oh my God, I didn't even notice. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's awesome. It's little pieces of the adventurers yeah. club come back to life. So, and, and now it's, it's next, it's down the street from you instead of all the way across the country. Yes. Oh, and they have the, uh, the ship in a bottle from the bar right. in the, in the library. Um, and whenever you order a drink called a shipwreck, it will sink. So it's a good thing. And then, uh, so nearby all of those, this is of course at the Disneyland hotel, which has had many enhancements throughout 2011 and nearby major, major new construction, new pool area with these huge retro red and blue monorail water slides. Yeah. It's that iconic picture of the red and blue monorails going by in opposite directions that Bob Gurr had drawn. Right. Um, they realized in 3d huge in front of you. Yes. Um, very, very, very big and then the the iconic uh classic disneyland cutout letters sign above that and you can you can do slide through the red and the blue monorail you've Which done that done. yeah yes, and it, it was fun yeah i'm afraid to do it i'm afraid i'm gonna get halfway through and thump. <laughs> you know so well, the, the blue one is very tiny, not in girth, but in uh, length. It's uh, a kiddie slide. So, you you know, you're like, okay, here I go, and I'm done. Yeah, here I... Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, the red one has quite a few t- surprising amount of twists and turns, actually. It looks like it's just kind of like a there and back, but it's more like a there, 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 there and back. Yeah. And, See, uh, it's I, fun. I went out there the other day, um, thanks to one of my uh, good friends, Sarah Lipton, and, and her uh, husband. They invited us to go out to the pool. They had one of the, um, I want to call them bungalows, but that's not what it is. Um, they're like little tents. Right that you can rent mm-hmm. and uh, they have drink service and there's HDTVs in the, um, in their cabana, I guess is what they're called. Um, but, uh, they're apparently fairly expensive, but it's a nice little shady place to sit and you, you can order food, you can order drinks. They'll go over and get drinks from the Tongaroa Terrace and stuff like that for you. Um, you know, the, the and the and the pool is now complete. Last time you were there, it wasn't finished. They completed right, the, the other half. Yeah, this part and then the e-ticket pool. Yeah, which I have no idea why it's called the e-ticket pool <laughs> because it doesn't look like an e-ticket. It doesn't say e-ticket anywhere. I have no idea why. I, I think there's like little tiles somewhere that look like e-tickets or something. I will have to look next time. I don't like know. You might have to go scuba diving to find them. I don't know. Down there with the mermaids somewhere. <laughs> Four people drowned trying to get the <laughs> e-tickets off the bottom of the right. pool. Yes. Um, but but the, uh, the, that whole... 
uh, water slide area looks gorgeous at night. Yes. Yes. A big waterfall and multicolored lighting and it just a I, I, Disneyland hotel has gone overall huge, huge improvements over the last year. Yeah. And when you combine that with sitting out on Tongaroa Terrace or out right. in front of Trader Sam's with the tiki torches going and I mean, it's just wonderful out there now. And what's interesting is out here in Florida, you know, there's obviously a lot of hotels at Walt Disney World, even more springing up uh, each year. And you can, you're not supposed to, but technically, uh, you know, a local or a visitor can go around and hop from hotel to hotel. You can get to just about everything, go in the pools, whatever. In California, the pools are very much gated off. If you don't have a room key, you're not getting into, let's say, like the water slides we just mentioned. Absolutely. Yes. Because uh, Sarah was there and they had, you know, they were staying at the hotel. They could then come over and let us in. Right. Otherwise, I could not have gone in there, which is a good thing because, you know, California Disneyland has a bit of a problem with with locals and the quantity of them. Whoa. You, <laughs> a problem with locals? Well, you know, the park being like ninety nine point nine percent locals and filled to capacity almost every single day. And, what you talking about, Ricky? <laughs> uh, so you can imagine a pool designed for the hotel's guests being uh, overrun by locals on the weekends, potentially, if they didn't do that. Yes. Now, I'd just like to point out that with the end of this topic, we have reached the end of page one of our topics, and we're Which, only two hours and six minutes into it. But that, that signifies about half a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. Because <laughs> <laughs> all that was in June when all that opened. Absolutely. Now, it's something that I just found out the other day is going to be happening, is, has been facilitated by what we're going to talk about next, which is they stopped giving out free tortillas at the Mission Tortilla Factory. At uh, Disney California Adventure. Yes, there. They used to have, uh, you know, a, a film that you had to watch and then you went through and you did all this other stuff and they showed you how tortillas are made, you know, when a mommy tortilla and a daddy tortilla love each other very much and that sort of thing. And it just, it, they, they showed you how tortillas were made. And then at the end, they, you got a free tortilla. Well, they've now, now they've now some, closed this. They, yeah, exactly. The Mission Tortilla Factory from the brand Mission. Yes. Um, and, uh, I actually somehow never knew that existed until like two visits ago when I was there, I was like, Oh, here's this tortilla thing. Let me go in there. And I walked in, grabbed a fresh, warm tortilla and ate it and it was tasty. And then came back like two months later and it was closed. Yeah. That was one of Ryan's favorite things to do. He, he would just go through and he would be like, Hmm, tasty. Yeah. Well, it was, it was good, but, yeah. uh. Yeah, but what's going in there, and and we can talk about this now. Yeah, is is um is so much better. They're replacing it with Ghirardelli chocolate, and they're gonna have a chocolate soda fountain out there. Oh yay, baby! Which yeah, I mean that's something that's been out here at Walt Disney World for a very long time, and has been very, very, very popular and very tasty. Wait, where's the Ghirardelli thing at Walt Disney World? Downtown Disney. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Okay, really? Yeah. Right has near it, the world of Disney. Has it been there since I was there? Or? Oh, yeah. It's been there for years. Really? Huh? Yeah. Okay. All right. Fine. I never went there. <laughs> but I will okay. go to the one over here at DCA, I promise. Right. Well, and they, uh, so, you know, just like Mission Tortilla handed out 
free warm tortillas, there's always somebody at uh, Gear Deli in the retail side of it handing out free samples of chocolate. And they are going to be doing that in California Adventure as well. Yes, they're going to be handing out free warm ice cream milkshakes. Sounds drippy. It does, yes. <laughs> and dumb. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to this. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not someone who eats a lot of ice cream on a regular basis, but mm -hmm. boy, I'm going to go out and try that as soon as this opens. Yeah, definitely during the, the hot summer months, it'll be a very popular spot in the park. Yes. Yes, they're going to have to have fast passes for the line to get a reservation <laughs> well, out, to get out in. here in Florida at the one that you didn't know existed, uh -huh. um, the they recently did have a big refurbishment of it. So maybe when you were out here last time, it was in the middle of that. Um, but anyway, the, the line during the summer is unbelievable. I mean, you can wait 30 minutes plus to get an ice cream. 30 minutes. Wow, really? Keep in mind, I'm from Disneyland. 30 minutes is a quick wait. <laughs> Well, out here, they try to, uh, well, no, they don't. Yeah, I know. You guys go, you know, well, the line is like 20 minutes for pirates, so I'm not going to, I'm not getting in a line that long. And yeah. out here we go, oh, it's only an hour? Not a problem. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. That, well, that explains why I, vi I ride very few things when I go out there. Yes. Well, that and you're always hobnobbing with uh, Bob Iger and John Lasseter and stuff. And Speaking of which, uh, when I was out there over the summer, I had a chance to interview uh, Al Weiss, who retired in 2011. Wow. that <laughs> I accidentally segued. <laughs> uh, didn't, didn't um, let's see, Meg Crofton was out there too. Is she now in charge or what did she do? Right. So Crofton uh, was just the overall president of Walt Disney World out yeah. here. But then uh, Al Weiss, who was with the Walt Disney Company for decades, uh, he was president of worldwide operations for all uh, d of Disney parks and resorts. He retired uh, this year. And so Crofton has stepped in, not exactly in his role, but pretty close. She's now uh, top of Walt Disney World, Disneyland and Disneyland Paris. OK, so Weiss out, Crofton in-ish. Pretty much. Okay, that makes sense. I'm, I, I try not to, to, ever since Paul Pressler left, I, I haven't really paid attention to who's doing what. You know, somebody came up and said, oh, look, Bob Iger. And I said, who? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. But yeah, th is this good? Do you like Meg Crofton? Um, that, there's, there's certain levels of executives there. Uh, when you, when you're talking about those, that top level, Al Weiss and Crofton, they're so far removed from the day-to-day -day activities that it's almost difficult to form an opinion. Um, I, you know, like I said, I talked to Al Weiss a few months ago, seemed like a very nice guy first and last time I've ever talked to him. Um, I very, very, very briefly talked to Crofton, but for the most part, these are the kind of people who are stay hidden and make business decisions. Now, are they like more elusive than like George Caligridis and Very stuff like that? Very much so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Caligridis, uh, who of course succeeded, uh, Ed Greer, um, is, Ooh. is a, a lot more hands-on, I think, uh, trying to, you know, actually be out there and known as the president of Disneyland. 
Yeah, who is this Greer that you talk yeah, about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, so they're they're a little more elusive than than everybody else. Yeah, like uh, you know, out here, uh, Crofton oversees the vice presidents of each park. You know, Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Animal Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, all each have a different vice president, and they're the ones that you'll see making the speeches at attraction openings and and that kind of thing. Crofton rarely shows up. I got you. So the this so Crofton is Caligridis's boss basically. Yes. Now okay. she is. Okay. I got you. Fair enough. Um when you came out here, did you see Laser Man? Absolutely. It's a highlight of the trip. Okay. Did you see the new reconfigured Laser Man? The multicolored Tron Legacy music infused Laser Man. Yes. Yes. It was like Laser Man now with blue. <laughs> pretty much right because the first and a one, little bit of red the first one was green right and then I, I went i actually saw the very first night of this reconfigured and i went out there and i'm like okay amaze me yeah. and it came up and it you know i'm like oh cool this is all the re, you know the reconfigured album music that he's right. using now instead of um uh white zombie and yeah. and stuff like that and i'm like okay that makes sense and then i'm like oh they changed the color of the lasers cool it's a very similar show i actually kind of liked the first one better yeah me too um but uh you know it's it's the funniest thing when laser man first debuted uh out there in electronica and all of that i wanted to do a story on it all and finally got around to uh you know i found like laser man's website because he's like a french performer that disney brought in and every time i go through my phone now i have the cell phone number of laser man <laughs> nice <laughs> It's, it's I, it surprises me literally every time I fl- I'm flipping through my contacts. I'm like, you know, Larry and oh, Laser Man. Yeah, see, it's it, he's French. It's actually not Laser Man. It's actually La Sermon. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, but that, that aside, um, the show is fun. I'm sad to hear that Electronica is finally going away in a few months. Oh, is it? When, when is that? Uh, I believe April is the, uh, it'll be making way for unannounced sort of next fest thing that similar to glow fest, but something different. Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, that. Yeah. I just heard about that last night because I was, I was walking after we were done with Trader Sam's, we were walking over. I had to buy a couple of stockings to match the, the tree skirt. It's a mm-hmm. big long deal that I won't get into. But anyway, as we were going along, I, I looked and of course there's all those lights that used to be over Pleasure Island. You, know, you used to have all those searchlights. Right, right. Okay. They have those coming out of Electronica. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Electronica. That reminds me. I haven't been over there in a while. I should really go. And then somebody said, oh, yeah, and they're, they're changing that out. It's going to be um, it's going to be Alice in Wonderland. And I said, I'm sorry, it's going to be what? <laughs> Do you know anything about that? I mean, I, any- I don't. I, I only know what presumably that person who told you that knows, which is reading uh, one of the uh, infamous Al Lutz rumor articles. OK, well. We'll we'll call it that then until we find something else out. But boy, that right. I I am not sure how they're going to be able to make that transition. No, I, well, Electronica is definitely has been a huge success. Obviously, uh, if if for nothing else, the drink sales, which yes. apparently are very very good. Well, the, from what I understand, that's going to stay. Right. So I I don't know if you're going to be you know riding around in like the the teacups ride, but it'll be martini glasses or something. 
<laughs> Alcohol and teacups. What a perfect mixture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, no. Mm-mm. Um, but no, I, I, I love Electronica because I'm a big Tron nerd. And uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it out again by April. So I may have seen my last Electronica. Oh, please. You're out here every couple of weeks. Yeah, well, I've seen it like three or four times already. So, yeah. All right. Well, then, speaking of, of things that we've seen a bunch of times, World of Color has been changing its openings and its closings more often than most things I know. And even some sequences in the middle. The only update to World of Color that I have seen was replacing the Night on Bald Mountain, Chernabog, Fantasia with a sequence from Pirates 4. Yeah. Which I enjoyed. I loved that sequence, the big fire-filled sequence of the original. Uh, I thought they did a really good job with the mermaids and some humor with Jack Sparrow and still keeping all the, the fire and everything as well. Yes. I, you know, any, anything involving fire that's, you know, not actually burning something down is <laughs> right. awesome in, in the parks. Um, you know, fire coming out of the castle, you right. know, during the shows and stuff. That's great. Um, world of color had hands down, you're sitting there and you're getting drenched by this thing mm -hmm. and then they turn the fire on it's insta dry. Yeah. You know, that's, that's great. But like right now they've got a Christmas, uh, thing, you know, totally tinsel opening. Yeah. Featuring the guys from prep and landing, which I have not seen the newest prep and landing yet. I DVR'd it and haven't, haven't watched it yet. I, in, in a, in an odd turn of events one night, Terry and I were sitting here, we had just finished dinner and I just thought to look and it was like five minutes to eight and at eight o'clock, Merry Christmas or uh, Ch Charlie Brown Christmas was coming on and immediately after that was prep and landing too. There you go. And I was like, <laughs> so we sat down and watched it. So I have seen it and it was just as cute as the first one. Good. And I'm looking forward to tomorrow night seeing the, uh, the Christmas opening. Right. Um, so you haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. Did you see the 4th of July changes to world of color? I had not moved down here yet. Ah, uh, okay. Yes. So I could, I could only imagine that it had something to do with America. Uh, yeah. You know, but I'm just guessing. And then you saw, did you see the Tron part of it? Yes. The Tron core was very cool. And I know, see, I didn't see that either, which uh, I was disappointed. A little side note in the descriptive narration that, that, uh, Ryan hears when he's watching world of color, I know insert joke here, blind guy <laughs> saying world of color. Um, he, he listens to a narration, which he, by the way, says is just awesome. The, the description they provide for really? this show is just incredible. However, even though it's Christmas now, they're still doing the narration, including the Tron core. <laughs> so, so it's it's a Tron prep and landing. Yes. And well, tr uh, tr prep and landing is at the beginning. Right. And oh, tr the Tron was at the end. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was a, the Tron core. That's, right, right. Yeah. So it's at the end. So they they do the whole show. The narration goes through. And then as the music is playing and everybody's walking away, the narration <laughs> for for Ryan is still saying, and the Tron light cycles are going through. And <laughs> that's great. Yeah, it's 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 awesome. So um, you mentioned a minute ago that uh, fire is always good in attraction, uh, except when things are actually burning. Um, but the daily ticket in the chat room uh, had to point out that it uh, when the tiki room caught fire, that was a good thing. 
<laughs> okay. Well, uh, normally I wouldn't say that the antiki, uh, the enchanted tiki room catching fire is a good thing. However, a lot of people disagreed with my opinion. I liked under new management. Mm. So, and, and, and that's I'm kind bummed. of a segue to a topic that uh, I did put a little bit later, but I could have put earlier because the fire was very early in 2011 when uh, uh, somewhere in the rafters of the tiki room out here in Florida. There was a, a bit of a blaze that damaged things that were part of under new management. Yes. They came in in the morning and said, uh, oh, uh. exactly. Yes. And, uh, Iago and Zazu gone. See ya. But you liked them. Yeah, I did. So I was yeah. kind of bummed. Well, see, you like them because you've got the original down the street from you now. And so yes. you don't have to worry about it. When I, I was stuck out here with that obnoxious mess for years. Yes. And that's fine. And that's what I always said, was it's fine that they change that one as long as they leave Disneyland's alone. <laughs> right. Yes. So now that, now that they're gone from here, they can stick them out there. Wrong. And you'll love it. Wrong. <laughs> um, no, they, it, it's, you know, okay, I get it. Nobody liked it. Yeah. A, a fortunate fire. It didn't really destroy anything. It just gave them the opportunity to switch it back without, you know, they could save face. Perfect. Yeah. And, Great. And it went back to more or less the original tropical serenade version. A few songs are abridged or cut. I was going to say, yeah, it's not more, it's less. Well, it is less. Uh, but it, actually, in my opinion, less is more in this case because for today's audience, I think the original original is a bit long. Well, I mean, if you think about it, they had already cut down the one at Disneyland. Right. You know, they took that entire Offenbach sequence out of it. Right. And now they've cut down the sing-along. Somebody yelling in the chat room, you stay off of my Bach and I'll stay off of your Bach. Yes. Um, that's, that's from, that wasn't my joke. But right. anyway, um, yeah, see, I was bummed when they cut it down the first time. Then I heard, and I believe it was your recording of, um, uh, of the, the tropical serenade now. Mm -hmm. I was hearing the edits going, Oh my Lord. It's I'm yeah, it's cut. It's, it's got a few cuts, but, uh, I mean, when you're there and you're, you're watching all the birdies sing and it's not Iago and Zazu, I think that's all that matters. All right. That's fair enough. I'll see it in March and, uh, and we'll see what I think, but it looks good. And then of course the other missing thing is the fountain in the middle. Is it, is it just gone? It's, um, you know, those little drinking fountains that you sip out of. Yeah. Imagine sticking a little led light in one of those. Awesome. <laughs> it's pretty unimpressive. It's like world of color. Yeah. Yeah. Singular. And, right. and with a little bit of fog, those little, those, uh, cauldrons that you buy at Halloween time where you stick the little device in there <laughs> and it spits out like a tiny amount of fog. Yeah. It's, it seems like it's one of those. Nice. Yeah. We had a $14 budget. Right. And we didn't but, use it. You know, all. I mean, if the budget was su uh, uh, sunk into better lighting, and it's all LED lighting in there, and all the animatronics work, and uh, the sound is great, it's loud and booming and wonderful, and the rain effects in the windows and all that, it all it, it it's great. There's does, minor complaints. Does it still click and everything? I mean, when they when the birdies click, if they turn the sound off is basically what I'm getting at. Would it be going click 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 like it does at Disneyland? Yes. Good. Perfect. Yeah. yeah then I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. It's still got that retro classic feel to it. They didn't completely overhaul it or anything. All right. 
Um, speaking of completely overhauling things, they took out Mulholland Madness at Disney's California Adventure and replaced it with a completely different attraction, Goofy Sky School. A completely different blue attraction with the same track. They repainted the, the track and yeah. yeah, they put up different signs. Have I, you been on either? This is another one of those man of girth things. <laughs> yeah. Consider uh, yourself lucky. Yeah. I mean, I, I went on it once and I was like, oh yeah, Mad Mouse. Okay, we're good. I went on it once and yeah, I yeah. didn't even bother with Goofy's Sky School. I'm like, okay, I can see the new signs and the color from here. I don't actually have to ride it. Correct. Yeah, that's that actually that entire area that they've done over over there with the Sky School, the Boardwalk Pizza and Pasta and the Paradise Garden Grill. Um, that's all uh, new stuff and I have yet to do any of it. I understand that there is a stage over there with musicians mm -hmm. and that they have decent food out there and whatever. But I just I I just do not find myself over in DCA. Yeah, well, you know what? This this surprisingly is actually a reason to make that trek all the way out there. I had my doubts. I thought, you know, boardwalk pizza and pasta, that sounds like your typical bland, you know, garbage theme park stuff. And then Paradise Garden Grill sounds like healthy, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, I so I went out there last time I was out there and I was really impressed by the atmosphere, the and the food. Really? It was good. It was genuinely good. At, from the uh, the Garden Grill thing, I had this kebab meal, and I tried all their different sauces, and they were all just delicious. Wow, very good. Yeah, I, I want to go out there one time. I mean, I, I you know on on Window to the Magic, obviously one of the big things we do is the Where in the Park games, mm -hmm. and we go and we walk through the parks and we do different things. Well, what I want to do is I want to take one of the Where in the Parks and go into uh, DCA. And go over and see one of these musician experiences that they do over there. Yeah, I unfortunately missed the uh, the musical act, but I you know I went up very late at night. It was almost a park closing, and I needed some food. Unfortunately, they were still open, and in the whole place, I mean, it's big. It's a lot of seating. There's hundreds and hundreds of chairs over there, and there's uh, it's this very well lit, not in the sense that it's bright, but like all the lighting is just nice to look at. It's got almost a Main Street meets Boardwalk kind of feel to it. It's effectively lit. Yes, Perfect. it's it's nice. It's a great place to sit. You can hear the faint strains of screams from uh, from California screaming. You potentially could catch a glimpse of World of Color from there. Um, it's just a nice place to sit and eat. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I I will try that eventually. Uh, that's uh, it, it. It's promising. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there is no segue in the world from the Paradise Garden Grill that we can make over to Cars 2. Well, they're building Cars Land. They are, but that just is... <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, uh, Cars 2. Did you see that one? Who plans out these topics? I, um, yes, I did, in fact. It was uh, Cars 2, the Mater experience. Pretty much. How, what did you think? I enjoyed it. I um, did too, surprisingly. Yeah, I saw it much after it first came out. Uh, but I so did, did in I. fact see it. I saw it in, I want to say I saw it in 2D. Mm -hmm. And I think that was just out of protest. So you uh, saw it in the theater though? Oh yes. Okay. I saw it on at home on Blu-ray. Oh, very nice. And uh, I, I liked it 
better than the original, actually. See, we can we can do that now because Calvin, Calvin, now that he's working at Mac Mall and whatever, he's got himself a PS3 and a 3D TV and the whole shot. So I can go into Calvin's room now and see Cars 2 in 3D and uh, and see what I missed in the theater. But when I when this came out, I thought, okay, it's it's Cars two, it's in three D. I'm I'm not doing it. There's it, I'm so burned out on three D everything yeah. that I was just like, I'm going to go and see it in two D. Right, and it was good. It was you know I I like the whole the whole thing. I like Mater. It's it's good. Um, I I'm not sure whether they're relying a little too heavily on him. Well, yeah, it, I, it was very surprising that Mater was the main character of Cars 2. I figured it would have been Lightning McQueen again. Yeah, you would think, but I don't know. It's, you know, people seem to like Larry the Cable Guy, and, and I can see why. He's, he's a funny guy. See, I, I despised Mater in the original film. I thought he was just an obnoxious, redneck stereotype that served no purpose other than cheap laughs. And then in this film, it was that plus a little bit more. You know, there was actually a little bit of depth to the character, a little bit of emotion. And uh, that combined with the action scenes just made for a a more enjoyable film for me. Yeah, you got to be real careful talking about all the people that live in flyover country that, uh, you know, in the center of the United States. They they were are the Larry the Cable Guy fans and and they love that character. Right. Well, I mean, a lot of people do. A lot of people like cars for different reasons. For me, the first film just it just didn't do it for me at all. I'm not a car person. I didn't really like the the actors. I didn't like I don't know. I just didn't like much about the original. And uh, the second one fixed a lot of that for me. Well, that's good. That's, you know, (laughs) they may not get there the first time, but they get there the second time. Fair enough. They've they've got you in. Did you buy Really? Did you buy <laughs> the Blu-ray or were you given it? I was, uh, I was given a Blu-ray for review purposes. Gotcha. Yeah. To you, you and I need to talk. <laughs> um, so, so you had it and, uh, is it the full version that you have or did they just yeah. send you? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Which, and, which has some really amazing extras on it, actually. That's has, has that's, a whole, like, didn't it have an extra whole disc full of cool stuff? See, that's where I was going to go. I was going to ask you if the Blu-ray disc had a lot of pluses on it. It's like an unbelievable amount of it. And it's the kind of extras you like to see. It's like behind the scenes at Pixar and how they created this and this cool event that they put on where they were showing off their cars and all this kind of not necessarily just like, hey, here's Mater. He's a fun character kind of thing. You know, it's... Uh, the real behind the scenes kind of stuff. Good. I like that. I'll have to, I'll have to rent that then. Um, so this next one is a kind of a sore topic. You want to take this one? (laughs) Well, I'm talking about Winnie the Pooh, the movie, not the replacement of the country bears. It's, you know, I mean, I, I like Pooh all and you know, whatever, but you know, he's a country bear killer. So true. Did you see the new Pooh movie? No, no. For that reason? No. Just because. Just because. Okay. Um, well, again, I, it, was a, uh, it was a screening for me. I did not pay to go see Winnie the Pooh, but after I saw it, I, I, uh, my opinion is that I would have paid. I enjoyed it. it really? Yeah. Wow. Why? Um, it was, uh, you know, I like 2D animation for sure. It was nice to see the classic sort of style return to Winnie the Pooh rather than that really weird CG version that they were using for a while. Um, 
it, it's it felt like a classic Disney film that just kind of got like found in a vault somewhere. So it wasn't Winnie the Pooh 4D. Yeah. No, it it felt uh, it felt original. It felt good. It felt natural. All the actors did a great job of being the characters rather than drawing attention to themselves. Um, the animation was great. There was one sequence in the middle of the film uh, as part of the plot, which of course is a very loose plot, as is, is the case with Winnie the Pooh all the time. Um, but it was sort of this chalkboard drawing sequence. Um, set to music and it was definitely the highlight of the whole movie just a really fun sequence of animation neat so this literally this was not 3d at any point it was released 2d and that's it yeah there is no 3d to be found it's hand-drawn animation you can't see it in 3d there's no cg you know it just it is classic good okay well, we'll have to see if it's on the rental video on demand or something. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a mind-blowing, this is the best movie I've ever seen, but it's just a cute film that's worth, I mean, it's a, it's a short movie. It's only like an hour long or something, but it's uh, it's worth seeing. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed all of the original Winnie the Pooh films, so, you know. It'll feel, I mean, you'll almost sit there and you'll feel like, haven't I already seen this? Wow. <laughs> all right. That's that's good. Um, Now, San Diego Comic-Con, I assume, is what this next one is, correct? Yeah. Have Have you ever gone to the San Diego Comic-Con? No. And living down here, I might try it. But from what I've heard, pictures I've seen and stuff like that, I just, I don't know if I ever want to get near a mess like that. It, a mess is an understatement. I've, I've wanted to go to it for a very long time. And finally, uh, Michelle was just like, let's just go. Let's just go this year. So we went and it was four days, uh, four and a half days of insanity. And uh, it ties in here because, I mean, there's Disney actually decided to sit out the Comic-Con this year um, because the expo was a month and a half later, if that, maybe even a month later, the D23 Expo. And so it was pointless for them to try to put on a big movie or TV presentation at Comic-Con when they could just do it at their own con. Um, But with that said... There's still a lot of Disney-related entertainment to be found throughout the show. You have to kind of discover it, um, but it's it's there. And you know, for if you're a fan of anything in the world, you're gonna you're pretty much gonna find it there. Yeah. See, I always thought this was just a con- uh, a comic convention, and that's it's what it started as, right? right? Right. Yeah. I mean, it has become the ultimate pop culture you know, convention event. And so just for instance, um, I set up while I was there, uh, there was a panel discussion with a bunch of Hollywood um, people just talking. And I set up uh, an interview after that to talk to the production designer on the most recent Pirates film, which was awesome. I mean, that was great. I just sat down with him for like 15 minutes and just like chatted. And he was telling me all about Blackbeard's ship and this and that. And I mean, that's just kind of, and it's not, you know, I was able to do that, you know, set up an interview and everything, but it's that accessibility that actually anybody can get because there's just celebrities and designers and Hollywood people everywhere. And you can just like literally bump into them and just strike up a conversation. Yes. But the question that's on everyone's mind is, how many slave Leia's were there? <laughs> uh, you know, I, it's a lot less than the actual Star Wars convention that was here in Orlando last year. So I just asking the tough questions here. Yeah, That's me. Yeah. You know, well, Star Wars celebrations coming back to Orlando uh, this coming August, and so that is the place for for slave Leia's. So, um, this next one sl- sounds slightly inappropriate. Yeah, please don't. 
Do a segue there. I'm not. Um, <laughs> but Tinkerbell's Magical Nook, it, it sounds like a book reading device. It does. Uh, it is a meet and greet in Adventureland. Uh, I'm sorry, where? Adventureland. You did say Adventureland. Why in Adventureland? Well, there was this whole former restaurant that wasn't used for anything and yeah really uh i don't know i mean uh, again like the princesses like mickey mouse the fairies were uh ejected from the park with um changes going on new fantasy land toontown etc they went over to epcot for a while tied into the flower and garden festival now they have a quote-unquote permanent meet and greet in adventureland now, literally, where is this? Uh, literally, it is you're walking across the Adventureland Bridge. Okay. You walk past Aloha Isle where the Dole Whips are. Okay. And uh, it's kind of over off to your right in a nondescript door that says Tinkerbell's Magical Nook on it. Really? And you go inside and you have a little waiting area there that's got a TV built into the wall that shows some clips of the very various uh, Disney fairies uh, movies that have come out. You turn a corner and they literally have like transported the former uh, uh, fairy uh, Pixie Hollow set that was in Toontown where the meet and greets were and like picked it up and moved it to Adventureland. And there it is. Okay, see, that was going to be my next question. I was going to say, how does that tie in with the Pixie Hollow thing that we have out here? You walk through an archway of sparkling leaves and at that point you are shrunken down to the size of a fairy and you're magically transported into the next room gotcha okay i got it okay well that makes sense and that's where fairies can talk instead of just tink yes because we don't like people who tink (laughs) at least not outside of a restroom (laughs) (laughs) all right you're fired good um I'm looking yeah. for a new host. Oh, yeah? Yeah. No. Okay. Anybody? Anybody? Chat room? No. Can take over? No. Okay. No Speaking um, of people that have been fired. Yeah. Jim Lewis, DVC president, was fired two weeks before they opened the new DVC resort. <laughs> and was this because they were worried that he wasn't running it properly? Uh, Joe King in the chat room suggested that you uh, take on Tony Danza as your new host. Oh, boy, if I could just come up with some Tony Danza reference. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so no, it actually had nothing to do with, uh, well, I guess it half had to do with his capabilities of running uh, the DVC, mostly because him, along with a few other executives, made some critical mathematical errors that it, uh, as a result, had they continued down that road... Uh, Alani, the new vacation club resort in Hawaii, would have been a permanently money-losing venture for Disney. No kidding. Uh, there are dues that members have to pay when you buy into a vacation club resort, and those dues were set too low, and uh, Disney never would have made a penny on it if they hadn't done something about it. Okay, so that then raises the question of the people that signed up at the too low rate did they have their stuff adjusted and did they get their fees raised? They had the option of uh, of leaving their contract without a penalty. 
Um, and then if they didn't do that, there was some sort of agreement there. I can't remember the details of it, but what, but they didn't just basically tell them, Hey, you have to pay this amount now. They, there was a, a fix of sorts. Okay. Now, Jeremiah, the guy who, who does the where in the parks for me, um, for window to the magic just got back from Alani Mm -hmm. and he came back and the first words out of his mouth were, Oh my God, you have got to go see this place. Really? Yes. He went into it thinking, yeah, I'll go over. We'll see what it's all about. I'll take some pictures. I'll tell you about it. He came back and he just is falling all over himself. Good. Well, see, when it first opened, which was uh, August, um, and as we said, uh, two weeks after this, uh, Jim Lewis was was fired. Um, it had, from what I read, it opened. Um, well, it opened very quietly to begin with. It had like a soft opening, and then an official opening, and you know had a it had an opening ceremony, but nothing ginormous. Uh, and then the initial reviews was that the hotel itself was gorgeous, but that the staff was not necessarily fully trained. The food wasn't up to par. There were issues still to work out, but it sounds like all of that has been worked out. Oh yeah. He just, he, he, he's going to, we're going to do a show. I think it's just going to be a bonus show. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm just going to sit down with him and let him vent about this place because he's just got so much to, to talk about that he just said it's just fabulous and they've the, it, tying in with um with one of the things we talked about earlier um with the Tongaroa Terrace and and uh, Trader Sam's and having all of the um Adventurers Club stuff there's a whole bunch of Adventurers Club stuff that went to Olani Oh really I didn't even know that Yeah so as you're going through there will be maps there will be figures there will be things that if you're in the know Right. You're going to go, oh, that's from, oh, okay. That's from the mask room. That's, yeah. And so he went through and just took pictures of everything and just, it just had a wonderful time. So. Yeah. I mean, the, the big thing that everybody was curious about before Alani uh, opened was how is this integration of Disney and Hawaii really going to work? Are you going to be, you know, beat over the head with Mickey Mouse all the time? Is it going to be completely Hawaii and you're not even going to know you're at a Disney resort? And it seems like they've found that really nice balance of Disney style storytelling, but without the beat over your head, Mickey Mouse element. Yeah. It's, you know, Polynesian resort done well. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, Good for us. Apparently bad for Jim Lewis. <laughs> yeah, and a few other uh, executives as well. But uh, they did ultimately uh, resume timeshare sales once they figured out the correct mathematics involved in actually making a profit on Olani. And <laughs> all seems to be good now. It's uh, available for purchase for anybody who wants to pay. Uh, you know, I looked at it the other day and I don't think so. Yeah, DVC, I don't think is for me. Um, and, and in fact, traveling to Hawaii at this point, I don't even think is for me. It's a, from who the people did, did Jeremiah, that was his name, Jeremiah, yes. uh, mentioned it was a, an expensive trip. 
Uh, well, you don't want to ask because he, he, you know, he was kind of like you with the whole, you know, oh, I got a review copy of this and whatever. Mm. He went with his girlfriend's mom who just retired and they had free flights and ah, the, okay. they had points with timeshares. So they stayed there for free. Yeah. And, so I, you know. I talked to somebody who went, uh, before the official grand opening during that soft opening phase. And he told me that it was, I mean, he, I can't remember the number he threw out, but he told me the total cost of his trip and it was excess of ten thousand dollars for like a week wow which no. was between food and airfare and the hotel and everything and it was you know for his him and his family okay well uh, you know i i'm not one that's afraid to spend a buck but wow yeah huh just because apparently everything costs a lot but yeah i mean i don't know what i don't know if he bought the best room or or what but well you know, he could have been sleeping out on the street, but it's, <laughs> it's not a great resort visit when you do that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, now earlier we were talking about D23 Expo, but we didn't really go into the D23 Expo stuff. No. And, and you were there and, yeah, yes. and I was there. <laughs> and you were there and you were there. <laughs> and, and I'm just saying, so this is something we can actually both talk about. Hey, scary enough. Look at this. Yeah. Interactivity. So, and you were there at the D23 Expo, the first one, two years ago, right? I was. And so what did you think of the 2011 D23 Expo versus the 2009? Um, boy, you know, I'm, I'm going to say they really, they, they weren't really all that different. I agree. Yeah. I, it, it seemed to be a lot of the same stuff. I mean, it was different stuff, but it was right. pretty much the same stuff. Um, that, that was, I, when I, when I left, when I was done, I felt like I just went to the exact same event all over again. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was actually, I was talking with, uh, the D23 Disney geek, uh, hanging out at, uh, Trader Sam's one day mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, cause that's how I roll. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I was telling him, I said, you know, Disney's got so much stuff that they can do. Why aren't they doing a D23 Expo every year. And he said, well, because we don't want to feel like we're repeating things. And I said, well, why not do different stuff each time? Yeah. You know, and he's like, well, you know, it takes a lot of money and all this other stuff. And all of the groups want to come in and push their stuff each time. Right. And, you know, so it's just, it's hard for them, I guess, because they do a lot of the same stuff all the time to come up with different stuff. And, and the interdepartment communication was the biggest problem from what I understand for the 2009 one, which I thought was going to have big changes when it came to 2011, that they would fix all that. And again, I heard stories of, you know, products and consumer products doesn't know what, you know, Hollywood is doing and doesn't know what TV is doing, doesn't know what uh, Parks is doing. Everybody was just putting on their own thing. And then it's all just kind of pushed together into one big convention. Yeah. See, next year or next time, I'm just going to go and I'm going to go to the Walt Disney Park and Resorts exhibit. I'm going to see the opening. Right. And then I'm just going to walk through and leave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's I, I was I, I was a bit disappointed by the 2011 one. That's not to say there weren't some amazing moments, but I did feel like I it was it almost even was the same structure as 09, but even less. You got to talk to Destini, though. <laughs> and that, you know, actually, I didn't because I didn't want to wait in line. But uh, <laughs> uh, that was an enter entertaining part of it. The, the whole parks and resorts exhibit had a lot of really cool stuff. Yes. Now, 
did you wait and talk with the Mickey that was there? I talked with the lesser Mickey that was there. Okay. So I was going to ask you, did you feel like he was talking to you? Yeah. Or- so um, the thing was three days this year, right? Instead of four days. I think so. The yeah. Expo. Mm-hmm. Um, so Friday, uh, there was no Mickey meet and greet in the parks exhibit. There was like a spot for it, but he wasn't there. Or maybe it was Sorcerer Mickey or something. Um, then Saturday was the fully interactive conversa- conversational Mickey who uh, had a lot of personality. And then Saturday was the Mickey who tends to say the same things repeatedly. That's hangover Mickey. <laughs> uh, I got the Sunday Mickey and my conversation with him was short and awkward. It is uh, the, what Mickey's like after he and Bob Iger go out partying on Saturday night after the D23 thing. Yeah, I think so. He was basically said, you know, hi, let's take a picture. And that was the end of it. Nice impression. Thanks. Um, the, um, the other reason you knew I was lying was because no, there was no Bob Iger at this uh, year's convention. That was a bit awkward at the beginning. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, the very first thing much as in 2009 was the legends ceremony. And in 2009, Bob Iger was the first one out to present everything. Mm-hmm. This year he was the first one out on the screen. Right saying he was on vacation. Yeah. And he wasn't even at Walt Disney World. Yeah. I, he was said, I, he, what was it? He said something like, I, have, I had a long planned family vacation that I couldn't get out of or something. Yeah. It was weird. Odd. You like, know. This is the ultimate gathering of Disney fans. He, and, should, uh, he should just retire in five more years. I, th- I think he should. That sounds like a prediction. Just an idea. I'm just mm-hmm. saying. But, um, but did now the first time that we went through, they had all of these cool things like for Shanghai Disneyland and whatever, where there, there was different, um, models and things. Right. Um, it was kind of lacking this year, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, from what I, it seems like in 2009, they were really eager to show new stuff off and the timing was right to show new stuff off. And then in, for some reason this year, they weren't quite ready to reveal new things, even though they definitely had some pretty big new things to reveal, which we'll talk about shortly. Um, instead, yeah, in the Parks and Resorts exhibit, we saw like a huge uh, model of new fantasy land, which was great, but we had already kind of seen it in pictures. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just, it was just odd. It was just a little off. And then like they had a life-size mock-up of the Snow White Seven Dwarves coaster car. Uh, that'll be part of new fantasy land, but it was kind of like a styrofoam. Oh, we need something for the expo. Let's put this together real quick. Although I do, I, they did have one of the, um, the baby tractors out there. Right. For the, uh, the cars land mater something or other ride. Yes. And that looks like that's going to be downright dangerous. (laughs) Uh, more or less than the spinning, floating, flying tires. Um, you know, with the way those things were swiping around, you know, cause I, I got the one thing that I got in to see because I, I pulled a muscle in my back the, I think it was the day before or the morning of, um, D23. 
So I didn't get in to see a lot of stuff. However, um, I did get to see John Lasseter and everybody talking about cars land Mm -hmm. and such. And they showed John getting swept around on these things and whipped around on the back (laughs) of these things. And I was like, wow, that is downright dangerous. That's great. Yeah, I mean, it's it looks like it's. I mean, they're saying that this ride, that ride, Luigi's Flying Tires, is uh, inspired by the old Flying Saucers ride that came and went at Disneyland, and it doesn't look like they made a whole lot of changes. No, but um, I have talked to uh, Bob Gurr, and he said that his understanding is that they have uh, discovered the problem that was shutting down the one that mm. he was working on, mm-hmm. and they have a way to fix it now. Well, that's at least it won't shut down. Yes. They say he said it's incredibly energy inefficient, mm, but good. it works. Sure. So, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, well, if you can't get the lights to turn on and off, you know, the way you want them to leave them on all the time, <laughs> you know, and that kind of fixes the problem. You can play, play so, air hockey with it at night. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Hey, I'll be there. Um, so d- uh, you mentioned the great Destini that was part of the parks and resorts exhibit. Did you have a chance to chat with Destini? No, I didn't want to wait in line either. Yeah. I, 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 I talked I went- to, and this was one of the highlights of 2009, again at 2011, the Imagineers who were stationed throughout the exhibit that could openly talk to you about everything. Yeah. I was and actually that- standing to your right when you were doing that interview. Oh, really? You just didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> okay and now i do <laughs> thank you for stalking sure um uh so the, yeah that was great to be able to stand there and talk to uh to them all about the technology i, I don't not sure that everybody quite understood destiny and you know everyone was like oh it looks so you know unfinished and yeah exactly it was a test it was a learning it was research well my favorite part was that you had to put a coin in to get him to operate oh really and I didn't even notice. Yeah. You actually had to put a coin in to get him to operate. <laughs> and then, and if you put in a penny instead of a quarter, he mm. would still operate. Mm. How, however, he would come up and say something akin to you're cheap and the thing would close and that would be all you would get. <laughs> so it was like, a, you know, he would say something. It was a little less rude than that, but it was right. like, you know, oh, a penny. Okay. Well, for a penny, you get a penny's worth of predictions. So I predict, and then the curtains would close. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. It was, it was, it was funny. But to watch the, uh, the display that they had next to it was far more impressive than to watch Destiny itself. Just to seeing, uh, all the facial recognition and the detecting emotions on people's faces and short-term memory and just all these things that are being built in um, is both uh, exciting and incredibly creepy for the future of the parks. I thought the fact that they could actually see into your wallet and see how much money you had <laughs> was a little weird. The little robot arm, though, that starts poking at your pocket, I thought that was a bit much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, It's, you know, but... It works, you know. Now, I, I, I stood and watched, as you were doing that interview, I, I stood and watched it um, associate with people on that on that HD screen. And yes, it's downright amazing what they're what they're able to do. It's uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to something like that coming into the park and I'll come in with a roll of quarters and see what it uh, what it says. Yeah. So that's the Parks and Resorts exhibit. The Parks and Resorts presentation, which was a huge deal in 2009, where they first announced Fantasyland and Star Tours uh, 2, fell kind of flat this time around. 
Yeah, it was kind of like when they announced the Fantasyland update last time, and they said, we're going to have a new Fantasyland, and everybody went, yay, and they said, and it's going to be princesses, and everybody went, meh. Yeah. Yeah. This year, apparently, the entire thing was kind of a meh. Yeah, so you didn't make it to that presentation? No, the only thing I did was the Cars 2. Okay. Um, Yeah, the problem was everybody expected a big, you know, one more thing at the end. And, I mean, they went through, it opened really strong with a really funny uh, video of Tom Staggs doing kind of menial park jobs. Um, Very funny. They updated on Fantasyland, showed some new artwork for Shanghai, which, you know, it's one of those parks that 99% of people will never go to from this country. Um, and then at the end, they brought out George Calagridis, president of Disneyland, and ran through this quick string of these really vague teasers and didn't go anywhere. Like, imagine if you could have dinner in the Haunted Mansion. Imagine if you could have dinner with Imagineers. Imagine if you could ride extinct attractions. Thank you. Imagine if we closed the big band stage to the left of the castle and put in more <laughs> princess meet and greets. But we're not saying anything. Yeah, they, they did say that at the end, which everybody it definitely was a crickets moment there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I'm glad that they're leaving the big band stage so that, the, you know, you'll you'll actually still be able to go and hear the big bands and do the swing dancing and stuff like that. Right. But really? You know, I mean, that's an iconic stage. Yeah. I mean, like big names played on that stage. So, eh. It's like they took all the princess stuff that was going to go into Fantasyland out here, and they're like, well, we got all these designs. We got to do something with them. Yeah. Yeah. One one of the themes, though, that carried over from the uh, from the first one and also carries over from uh, Comic-Con is the lines that you wait mm. in. I actually got in line for the Cars 2 uh, panel before the panel... That was for, um, whatever the other one is. There's another one that I don't even know what, what it was, but I got into that one by mistake Mm. because there was over, there was this huge line and I'm like, okay, well that must be for the cars Two thing. Right. And and then I got in line and some friends were like, oh, you're coming to this. I thought you, you said you were going to the cars Two thing. And I'm like, what? And there was a whole other huge line yeah. pre-waiting to get into the huge line area. Yeah, the, the lines were lining up a whole presentation in advance. Yeah. Yeah, and, Which, and, and, and yikes. Yeah, I, I went to, uh, back in 2009, I only went to the big arena presentations. And the only reason I got into those was because I had my media pass and I didn't have to wait in line. Yeah. Yeah, see, so I, I didn't make it to a single smaller presentation. This time I said to myself, I am going to make it to some of the smaller presentations. I went to all the big arena ones again, again with the media pass. And this time I went to one smaller presentation because that's the only one I managed to find time to actually wait in line. Nice. Yeah, Fortunately, that, it was a very entertaining one. The, uh, the Voices of the Parks presentation. Oh, I saw some of that. I, I saw a video of that. It was probably your video. It um, was yeah, it was very, very funny, very entertaining, very loose, uh, conversational, not the usual, you know, PR approved scripts.
scripted Disney shtick. Although the bit where they had Corey Burton, where they had all of the people, you know, saying, well, you might recognize these people from their voices in the park. And so they'd say, okay, Tom, do such and such. And Susie, do such and such. And they get to Corey Burton and they're like, you do this. And he goes, welcome aboard the Mickey and Friends tram. (laughs) It's like, really? You're going to give him the tram spiel? They're like, well, you'll know that he does Haunted Mansion. You know that he does Captain Hook. But... Do you know that he's the guy that you hear in the tram? You right. Know? So it was it was funny. I got a kick well, out I, of it. it. It was nice for, I mean, somebody did ask him. There was open Q&A, like not even moderated, like literally open Q&A, which mm-hmm. was great. Um, and, and somebody mentioned Haunted Mansion Holiday to him. And he, uh, you know, he said that, yes, he did the, the voice for that. But it was a, a heavily affected voice that, you know, he, he did a tiny snippet of Paul Freeze impersonation and said, you know, he basically said, I, I can't do it as well as, as Paul Freeze could. Yeah. Well, he, he had always said that, you know, he's a, a friend of Patrick's and mine. And, mm-hmm. and whenever we ask him, he insists that he did not do a Paul Freeze impression, that it was simply a tribute to Paul Freeze's performance in the Haunted yeah. Mansion. Yeah. Because it's that important to him that he, he, you know, respect what Paul Freeze did. Right, much in the same way he declined to, uh, you know, change and uh, the safety spiels and that kind of thing. Yes, and you know, Disney bless them, just got someone else to do it. Right. <laughs> Next, um, <laughs> so you, so you didn't see anything else. You didn't. It, it, was the Marvel thing in the big place? Oh, that was interesting. Yeah, Marvel, this was the first, you know, Marvel wasn't around in the world of Disney back in 2009. So yeah, that was the big Sunday, big arena presentation. And they were literally five minutes till the Marvel presentation was starting, coming over the announcement, the loudspeaker saying, hey, there's still space in the arena. Oh, really? Come see Marvel, please. Good seating still available. Yeah. I mean, it was it was pretty low attendance there. We'll give you some popcorn. And it was um, uh, Joe Quesada, who's the uh, the bigwig uh, head of Marvel, uh, does a presentation on a regular basis called The Cup of Joe. Um, he's done it at, you know, wherever, Comic-Con, other cons, et cetera, et cetera. So Marvel followers know his speak uh, speeches uh, or presentations. But this time around, introducing Marvel to the Disney audience, it was like an hour of Marvel history. Hmm. And it was interesting because I didn't know any of it, but it also made me realize just how not Disney Marvel is. Okay. Um, so, I, it, you know, and, and then there was open Q&A at the end of that as well. And a lot of the questions were very good questions from Disney fans to which Joe Quesada had no answers for whatsoever. Awesome. Um, things like somebody brought up, hey, Darkwing Duck is ending at Boom Studios. Is Marvel going to pick it up? And he basically said... I don't know. Well, that's, at least he didn't lie. Right. No, I mean, he was very open about everything. And I guess that's what he does in his, his cup of Joe is he's totally upfront about everything. So, Wow. But definitely an overwhelmingly uh, indifferent response. So next one, 2013. The next expo? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In Anaheim, once again. Yes. But we're going to get the D23 Destination D in between those. Right. Next August. Okay. So we'll have more to talk about next year then. 
Yeah, one more uh, D23 Expo note before we move on here. The Walt Disney Studios presentation was a huge success back in 2009. Did you, were you there for that? Johnny Depp. Yeah, that. Yeah. Um, Miley Cyrus. Not so much that. Oh. <laughs> Uh, wrong audience, but yeah, the concluding with Johnny Depp coming out as Captain Jack Sparrow announcing the new Pirates movie doesn't get much bigger than that, and uh, they didn't really come off quite as excitedly, if that's a word, uh, this time around. I think excitedly is a word. Sweet. Yeah. Um, you know, this, this time was not, um... Oh, what's his name? The previous studio's head that did the presentation in 09. Dick Cook. Yeah, him. Uh, Quite a likable guy, it seemed like. This time around, it was Rich Ross, the new studio head, who I imagine is probably also a likable guy, but not necessarily the greatest stage presence. Gotcha. Um, He also handed it over. They combined this presentation with the animation John Lasseter presentation from last time. So it was like two in one and it got really, really long. Well, normally that's a good thing if it's interesting things to talk about. Yeah. The the first half was the animation stuff. They talked about brave, which looks like a fantastic film next year for Pixar. They talked about a couple of uh, untitled Pixar projects that, they aren't ready to fully disclose yet, but would be coming up in the future. Some original non-sequel uh, projects for them also sounded great. Um, talked about uh, Wreck-It Ralph, which I hadn't even heard of prior to the expo, which also looks like a really fun uh, CG film. Not Pixar, but uh, Disney Animation about 8-bit you know, video game characters. Um, sounds fun. It does. It actually looks like a really good movie. And uh, after that, they handed it back over to the Walt Disney Studios for live action. And I might as well have gone to sleep at that point. Really? It was uh, like 20 minutes of clips from John Carter. Oh, come on. You can never have too much John Carter. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I only said that because it says way too much John Carter. Yeah. 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 It's. uh, I don't even know who John Carter is. I'm having a hard time getting excited about at all really Hmm. but uh it all concluded with the avengers bringing them all out on stage scarlett johansson and uh uh, uh, robert downey jr and all the other people and and they came out for about 0.2 seconds oh really You, you know i i actually funny enough uh just tell you how out of the loop i am on the the movies thing and the marvel thing i finally found out what the avengers is because i'm used to the old avengers Mm-hmm. And I saw the Avengers here um, being the Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man, and right. and Thor, and all that other stuff. And I'm like, wait, so all of those movies are now going to tie together into one big movie? That looks interesting. So I'm, ex- I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who are really, really, really excited about it, and that's what was disappointing about the studio's presentation is everybody was looking forward to that moment on stage, and it lasted about, you know, five seconds. Oh, I gotcha. I see. They announced them one by one. All the stars came out. They waved, and they... Robert Downey Jr. literally turned around and ran off the stage. Really? Like, literally ran. Wow. (laughs) And I was... I heard... Uh, apparently those are the biggest stars that showed up for the day 
and they made them, you know, sit backstage for two hours during the whole presentation, essentially. And apparently they just wanted to get the heck out of there by that point. Hey, they weren't the biggest stars that was there. Bruce Broughton was outside and I saw him out there. Uh, well, Billy Crystal showed up. That was a surprise. And Bruce Broughton was and out Bruce there. Broughton. Yes. <laughs> Yatron. Yay. You, you mean, uh, no, Bruce Broughton is the, uh, the composer. Who am you I mean, thinking? You mean Boxleitner. Boxleitner. Yes. Bruce, see, told you I'm out of the loop. <laughs> and yes, he was there also. Bruce Boxleitner. I felt, I felt sorry for not him. I'm sure he had a line of people to meet him, but some of the people that that group of the autograph session, they brought like people from pirates, but like the people who were, you know, way in the background and had like one line of dialogue. Yes. They were, they were just like sitting there all day, like twiddling their thumbs. I was girl number three in... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's... Yeah, that's not good. Couldn't they have, like, brought out... Um, what's his name? The... the um, Oh, see, I'm bad at names here. The guy that did Avatar. Couldn't they have brought him out? James Cameron? Oh, they hadn't announced that yet. No, not yet. Oh, see. Okay. So we haven't gotten that far yet. No, but we can. That's close enough on the list. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that was what I was saying, that Parks and Resorts presentation could have potentially concluded with the huge announcement of Avatar going to Animal Kingdom. Yes. But they didn't. It's Harry Potter land with blue people. <laughs> yeah, I, it was the most out of nowhere, surprising, huge, un, you know, unclear what the heck is this kind of announcement no details, no anything, just, hey, Avatar. Look over here. Look away from Universal. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it was, um, I mean, it really came out of nowhere because I heard nothing. I didn't hear inklings of anything. And then it was sort of mid-morning when I, I read that a select small group of press was invited to head out to Imagineering headquarters in California in uh, Glendale. But hmm, that's that's different. That's interesting. I should probably pay attention. <laughs> and then about thirty seconds before the New York Times published their article, uh, somebody tweeted me and said, "Avatar coming to Disney." Nice. And I said, "Yeah, right. Whatever. That's <laughs> the stupidest thing I've ever heard." And then I saw the New York Times article. I was like, "Oh, right. Wow. Okay. Okay. So based <laughs> on what you know, which is very little, but." And then, boy, does that sound like an insult. Based on what you know about <laughs> about Avatar at Animal Kingdom, do you think it's a good idea? Oh, it, it's so hard to decide based solely on what they've said because they've said nothing. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, they, they made the announcement. James Cameron was there at Imagineering. Uh, Bob Iger, James Cameron's whole uh, lightscape, light film, light whatever it is, his... Mm -hmm group creative group yeah uh was there and and they said nothing and they don't know it's because they don't have any concepts i mean it came out in the subsequent days that tom staggs was literally walking through animal kingdom and it suddenly dawned on him that they needed to pursue avatar as a licensed property to put into the parks and it kind of steamrolled from there he was walking through Animal Kingdom, and, and we need to put this out in the public because somebody's got to talk about the elephant in the room. And that's the fact that everybody walks through and wants to see the Tree of Life burst into flames and fall over. 
And that happened at the end of Avatar. And he thought, wait, I can have these big, huge things with propellers fly in at the end of every day and burn down the tree of life. I need to call James Cameron. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting that, of course, uh, Disney fans immediately thought, what must Joe Rohde think of this? Joe Rohde being the champion of Animal Kingdom and all the real, you know, connection between Disney and nature and real life animals and the, you know, I mean, he, you know, he can go on and on and on about it. And to now insert this bizarre fantasy world into it, everybody's wondering what must he think? And then sure enough, a couple of weeks later, Disney releases photos of Tom Staggs, James Cameron, and Joe Rohde walking through Animal Kingdom together. Yes, because, you know, we all know that Joe Rohde didn't want any fantasy characters at all in Animal Kingdom. All he wanted was gorillas and cheetahs and dragons. I mean... Right. (laughs) Yeah, the dragons never happened. Uh, Seems like they're going to now. And so to get back to your question, I am initially not a fan of the idea. I was just because I didn't really like Avatar. Really? Uh, I thought the 3D of Avatar was phenomenal. Best use of 3D I've ever seen. Yes. The story, worthless. Well, it was Pocahontas. It was Pocahontas and like 10 other movies I've already seen. Um, characters were boring. And I, I, eh, I mean... But with that said, I wasn't a fan of Harry Potter. I had never seen a Harry Potter film, never read a book, uh, saw all the films just for the sake of knowing what was going on before the whole Wizarding World thing opened at Universal. And I love that area of Universal. I'm still not a big Harry Potter fan, but I love the themed environment and the ride there, the Forbidden Journey ride. So You, you are a member of BBA, though, now, so you, you can admit that in public. It's, you know, Butterbeer Anonymous. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> um, and, and if Disney can extract that same uh, level of excitement and, and immersive environment, whatever, out of Avatar and just make it a great place to be it doesn't even matter that it's avatar if it's a cool place to be and it has great rides and you know great things to eat and drink and it's just enjoyable it doesn't even matter i want to know where they're going to get the 12 foot tall blue chicks to to walk (laughs) around the park half naked yeah that that i uh, yeah that'll be interesting how they pull that one off um yeah seriously i mean that's that's i saw somebody at a it wasn't comic con but it was a a similar convention out here in Orlando called Megacon. I saw somebody walking around, a guy dressed as uh, an avatar, Navi, um, and he was on stilts, and he did a very good job with his uh, his costume. But oh, really? He was a guy, and he had pants on. Well, yeah, that makes sense. And and, <laughs> and I could, yeah, I mean, I get the whole, you know, I mean, yes, beyond that without, you know, breaking our G rating here, but, right. but I mean, that's a very difficult, and it, the stilt walking really was able to pull it off? It it looked very, very convincing. Oh, okay. And this was just some guy with his costume. So I would think Disney could uh, could make it work. Okay. Because I, I was going to say, I'm very serious about the, what are they going right. to do about the 12 feet tall? You know, I mean, yes, he probably wasn't 12 feet tall, but. I mean, the only, well, I guess the weirdness of it was that his, it was just his legs that were long and the rest of his body was normal size. 
Yeah, so, that could you be. You know, a it problem. wasn't like bigger head and bigger arms and all that. So that was it, the proportions weren't necessarily right. Yeah, they've got, they've got a serious something or another to work through on this one. Right. Well, they've got a lot because I mean, from what I understand, they, there's barely even a notion of a concept out there. Yeah. You know. I mean, you know, it's been months at this point, so I'm sure there's more. But at the time of the announcement, there was nothing. I mean, they didn't announce anything because there was nothing to announce. Right. And when is it supposed to open? They didn't even announce that. Alrighty then. I mean, the, it, the vague notions is 2015, 16. Opening in early sometime. Yeah, pretty much. Alrighty so, then. We and we don't even, we don't know where it's going. We I mean, it's Animal Kingdom, but over here, over there. Well, we, you know, James Cameron has more money than God. So <laughs> yeah. if anybody can pull this off, he can. Sure. Well, and, uh, and I, at least that much, I, I, I trust, uh, you know, James Cameron has been responsible for movies that everybody enjoys, whether it's this one or that one. I mean, he had his hand in the alien franchise. Uh, Terminator two is one of my favorite movies of all time. The Terminator two 3d attraction at universal. I love Still holds up today, even though it's very old. That's going away, isn't it? Unfortunately, it seems to be on its way out, yeah. but uh, not officially yet, but it's probably. But, I mean, there's that. Of course, Titanic was huge at the time, and that's being remade into 3D for some reason. Um, and then Avatar, <laughs> biggest movie ever. I was just thinking of something, but I can't mention what I'm thinking of, just based on the whole 3D thing. Um yeah, that's um he I mean he's he's got a he's quality. It, you know, everything he's done is quality. Yeah. So I I'm hoping that this partnership will bring out something that will be going, "Wow, I can't believe we didn't see this coming." Right. And and what was very important is is what he said is that he is he is going to be working with Imagineering but not necessarily calling the shots. Whereas, you know, Disney didn't ultimately go with the Harry Potter project because J.K. Rowling wanted absolute tiny detail control over everything. Right. And that's not what Imagineers are about. They want to Imagineer. Sure. So it's now their, it's Disney's project basically just to have James Cameron say, yes, this is right. No, this isn't. But not, you know, go through every little tiny element. I'm not exactly sure how I feel about that. I almost would prefer to have James Cameron in charge of the Imagineers who are working on this. Well, we'll, I, we'll see. Yeah. I, 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 I have no, I almost have no opinion about it <laughs> because I mean, there's almost nothing to have an opinion about. And as is always the case with the ear and review, no opinions take 15 minutes. Perfect. Yes. So, um, Another big name that uh, affected the Disney company in one way or another this year is Steve Jobs first resigning as Apple CEO and then fully resigning as a person. Yeah. Uh, wow. Gone. Yeah. Double, double shocker there. I mean, we knew he had some health issues, but he seemed to be on the road back to recovery. Uh, at least that's what. He wanted everybody to believe, I guess. Yeah. And then that was kind of everybody, you know, was kind of looking, I guess, other than those who were in the know. Right. You know, and then just one day I'm coming home from work and I get a text message and somebody's like, yeah, Steve Jobs just resigned as Apple CEO. And I got home and there, you know, Calvin was like, did you hear this? 
And then, you know, just a short time later, I get a text message on my way home and I'm like, oh, you must be kidding. And I get home and Calvin is almost in tears and he's got the Apple website open with his, you know, on his, on his MacBook and it's got the front page of Apple with that beautiful tribute that they did with just his picture and his name and the date. Yeah. And wow. I, yeesh. But, uh, they, um. They seem to have done pretty good in replacing him on the, on the Apple or on the, yeah, on the, on the board there. I mean. Yeah. Well, Steve Jobs certainly had a a very um, strong connection with Disney um, for many reasons. The biggest of which was uh, being, you know, co-founder of Pixar, which when Disney purchased Pixar became the single, he became personally the single largest shareholder of Disney. Yes. Um, and of course was on Disney's board and now, yeah, now, now that he's gone, Iger is now on Apple's board. Yes. And, uh, the shares that jobs had have, have, are in his family in trust. So they're not out there. They're not for sale or anything. Now is, is it just me or did when Steve jobs died, did Apple buy Iger? Yeah. Because that's uh, that's what it seems like. Yeah, <laughs> it seems like they bought Bob. They're like, yeah, we'll take Bob. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Iger's certainly not in charge of Apple. I mean, that's that's Tim Cook's job now. Which I mean, he was filling in for Jobs while he was sick anyway. Yes. Um, and he, you know, that is the the chain of command that Jobs had had put into motion. And, and I thought it was really really interesting how uh, Jobs before he died said. Uh, he doesn't want Apple to go the way of the Walt Disney Company when Walt passed away. With he, everybody thinking, what would Walt do? In this case, he doesn't want people thinking, what would Steve do? But instead, just move on. Do you find it interesting, though, that Jobs checked out and now, um, yeah, what's his name? Is uh, Iger's over at Apple and could potentially take his place? It, yeah, it's not. It's not inconceivable, um, especially with the knowledge that Iger is on his way out of Disney in a uh-huh. few years. Yeah, um, and and Iger just bought a million dollars worth of Apple stock. Uh huh. Which so. you know that's like eight shares, but <laughs> right. Yeah, but still, I mean, if you look at the pieces, that's like a three-way trade. Yeah, that's uh, hmm, interesting. Yeah, it's uh, the the companies are intertwined even more so now than uh, I I think when Jobs was was around, and it's going to continue down that path. I mean, Pixar obviously has done very very well for uh, for Disney. The purchase was certainly more uh, more than justified, and you know it, it's uh, I don't know I don't know where the two companies are headed. Yeah, we shall see. Now, what um, this next topic here, Project Florida event, I don't recognize that just from the name. Explain that one to me. This is a, just a real brief uh, topic here, which, of course, means 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> it's uh, It was a pin. Epcot has an annual pin trading, uh, now also Vinylmation uh, event, which I'm usually not part of at all because I don't do all of that. Um, but... This year, they, in the spirit of the 40th anniversary of Walt Disney World, decided to 
bring back some elements of attractions past. And uh, I thought it was really cool that they put together a display that mimicked uh, or recreated the facade of uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride while it was out here. Really? Within Epcot, within the the World Showplace uh, uh, area, and they had little, they had Mr. Toad cars, sort of looking like they were going into the attraction, and of course they were just going into a wall. Talk about knocking people in the face. Yep, yeah, you don't I mean, have this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, and then they had a, a big recreation of a twenty thousand league sub as well, and a Skyway bucket, and uh, yeah, everything that everybody wishes was still here. Basically, <laughs> I was gonna say that's almost mean. Yeah, it, well, it was it was all in good fun of trying to sell merchandise. That's like them coming out here and going, yeah, boy, you sure wish you had the people mover in America sings, don't you? Yeah, it'd be like, you know, leaving uh, Country Bears mounted in the Winnie the Pooh attraction. It would be very much like doing that, yes. Um, yeah, no, but I enjoyed it. I mean, even if we, I know we can't have uh, Mr. Toad because it doesn't exist out here anymore, so at least I got to see something that vaguely sort of resembled the old facade fair enough yeah did aid hey, speaking of mr toad and ride vehicles and whatever i'm actually kind of surprised you don't own this uh one of the dvds that that i uh have on my store actually comes with a piece of a um, mr toad fender do you nice. know that like like those little piece of history disney pins that they were putting out yeah yeah it's a fantasy land uh dvd and uh, and you can get it yeah Kind of cool. I'm just side note. Can I can I mount it and put it inside the Winnie the Pooh attraction? <laughs> That's cute. Uh, probably. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so Project Florida, like I said, was in honor of the 40th anniversary, although a bit in advance. But then eventually the 40th anniversary of Walt Disney World did come upon us on October 1st. Yeah, it whimpered through on that day, didn't it? Pretty much. Uh, a lot of fanfare leading up to it, and then not a whole lot going on. Yeah, it was like they went, ladies and gentlemen, the 40th anniversary of Walt Disney World is on October 1st. <laughs> and it's like... Yeah, they had, uh, they had some special buttons and some park maps that looked like uh, uh, old ticket books, and a uh, about a 10-minute ceremony in front of the castle yeah i'm just gonna stop there yeah well they, they did right yeah i mean I, I was planning on coming out this year and whatever and then you know based again on the wedding and everything i didn't end up going out and i was never so glad to have decided not to make a trip i would have been so upset yeah it, well it was nice that they did something at least because we've kind of come to expect out here that disney is not going to do anything for anniversaries um so it was something and uh surprisingly phil holmes the uh, uh vice president of magic kingdom actually came out and spoke he it is in all the years that i have been doing this and attending special events and openings and this and that this is the first time i have ever seen phil holmes I don't even know who Phil Holmes is. Exactly. So. Because, and you know why? And that's actually not a knock against him because the reason he's not out and, and yes, it's a good thing for the VP of a park to be out and talking et cetera, et cetera. But he is very much entrenched in his job every day. He is spending his time in the utilidors and in his offices and security and all of that. And he runs the magic kingdom like a well-oiled machine. Oh, see, so you were saying he spends all his time in the utilidors. I thought maybe he was part of the uh, the custodial personnel. 
<laughs> no, um, but although he did share a story on stage about when he was working there uh, at the park on opening day as a Haunted Mansion butler. So a little, you know, a little history about him. Oh, very nice. So, uh, you know, I, I, ha- I hadn't ever seen him prior, um, but for good reason. And I, but it was nice for him to come out and, and did spend some time, you know, mixing and mingling and that kind of thing. So the the event itself was kind of a, a, a whimper, but it was nice to see something happen. Yeah, it was something. And, and they did, prior to the actual stage presentation, have a parade of characters go down Main Street. It, there had been... Ru- I, I think this was a case of uh, rumors exceeding what actually was planned and building up people's hope too high. Um, you know, everybody had said, oh, we're going to have all these rare characters come out from 40 years of history and they're all going to parade down Main Street and blah, blah, blah. It turned out to be a parade of characters of just today's characters that you see all the time, along with some uh, some banners that represented the years of Walt Disney World and some old parade music playing. Wow. So it was it was something it was nice, but it wasn't spectacular. Um, and then of course they were selling lots of 40th anniversary merchandise where you had to get a wristband at, you know, five o'clock in the morning and then go line up in Frontierland for a few hours. And while you were over there, you missed everything that was in front of the castle. Sounds like the 50th anniversary event here at Disneyland. (laughs) Yeah. You know, whenever there's the merchandise involved, you have to either wait or just forget it. Gotcha. Now. I talked earlier about the sensational uh, AP events that they had out here. Right. Uh, are they doing the same thing out in Florida, that, you know, that kind of thing? It's really interesting. That, that sensational event was uh, was an, uh, one of two. I think they did a, what was the other annual pass holder event they had out there? Oh, remember? I know this. No, I don't. I, I can't. They did another one, I, I know, uh, but I can't remember what it was. But regardless, uh, out here the notion of an annual pass holder event seems to have been replaced by tweet ups um, through the Disney parks blog and their Twitter account and Facebook. And it seems to be kind of a quick where you just posted this message. The first X number of people that email us get to get in. Okay. So explain tweet ups to those who might not know. So uh, there's this thing called Twitter where you can uh, aimlessly chatter with people and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody knows what Twitter is. Sure. And a tweet up would be a Twitter meetup uh, of internet people getting together in real life. So are these, this is Disney holding the tweet up or is yeah, this? Yeah, pretty much. Um, basically, the Disney Parks blog group are uh in charge of their social media element at walt disney world and uh, they're actually a group of very very nice people um and they have been organizing these events for like i said you know the first 300 people to respond to this message uh we get to for instance uh the uh, there was one for star tours um the star tours grand opening was held um actually it was it was the night before the grand opening there was a media preview of star tours then directly after the media preview, they left all the same stuff set up that was part of the media event and invited a few hundred people tweet for this tweet up that would basically partake in the same 
uh, activities, get to ride the ride early, get some free food, get, uh, you know, into the park, obviously. Um, you walk down a red carpet to get in filled with Star Wars characters. And they had a presentation up on stage with some Imagineers talking about the ride. And it was a completely free event for people to just simply come out and uh, and enjoy. Huh. So it's like, these are not the tweets you're looking for. Kind of. Okay. Except they are the tweets you're looking for. There you go. Um, but then they did another one for Halloween where they called it a trick or meetup or a trick or tweet up or whatever. Oh, Lord. Um, and that one, yeah, that one, they uh, bust everybody who signed up and got in over to uh, backstage at the Magic Kingdom. Everybody walked in through behind Splash Mountain into Frontierland, into Liberty Square, uh, did a, saw a presentation by Jason Sorrell um, about the Haunted Mansion, went out and had almost like a mini Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween party. Not mini as in Minnie Mouse, but tiny. Ah. Uh, uh, character meet and greets, um, uh, get to ride the Haunted Mansion, got free food, got some special gifts, and just have a, an overall good time, all completely free. Wow. That sounds like uh, they're they're really starting to do these events a lot. Are, yeah, they, it, it, it seemed to be, you know, there were a couple um, this year, and, and I think they were very successful. The one hang-up, though, uh, for that Halloween one I just mentioned, was there was the very next night uh, an event that was planned much further in advance called Room for One More, which was a paid Haunted Mansion dinner event, $250 a head. And that one was taking place at the Contemporary. Uh Not at the Haunted Mansion, not in the Magic Kingdom. Haunted Mansion fans, okay, uh, you know, we'll go, we'll go to the Contemporary, whatever you want. It's a Haunted Mansion event. We'll buy all the, all your Haunted Mansion merchandise. We'll come for dinner. We'll enjoy your entertainment. We'll shell out the 250 bucks. All of a sudden, Disney Parks blog announces, hey, we're going to have this completely free event. It's at the Haunted Mansion. You get to tour the interactive queue with Imagineers you get to ride the ride, you get free food, you get this, that, and the other thing, and all of a sudden, everybody who paid 250 bucks is like, wait, what? Ooh, what happened? Sucks to be them. So, needless to say, event services got a lot of angry phone calls. Um, they tried to make up for it by adding on uh, tickets to Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party for free for everybody at the event that night, but at that point, by the time the event was over, there was only about an hour and a half left of the party. That's not good. Yeah. And, and the, the event itself, um, which I will say was a good solid event, probably not worth 250 bucks. Um, maybe half that, um, dinner was very good. Dinner entertainment was fantastic. Um, you know, merchandise was obviously extra, but okay. But the, the event, as a whole, you know, it just, I don't know. It's one of those typical event services nightmare moments. Mm, yeah, they seem to have trouble putting those on. For sure. But then, uh, likewise, over at uh, around the same time, Universal Studios, Universal Orlando, also had their own tweet up for uh, for Halloween Horror Nights, where they showed off a bunch of stuff in advance of the event opening, and, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot more free stuff, gave away things, and... And it seems to be a growing trend in the world of uh, of theme parks and social media to just to realize that giving stuff away to a select, you know, small group of people who manage to sign up quickly uh, benefits the greater whole for the most part in that, uh, you know, it's 
free promotion out there. Everybody goes home and talks about how great of a time they had. And, you know, it works out for everybody, I think. Yeah, we should start doing that with the podcast. Uh, Trader Sam's on Fridays. That's right. Yes. It's an instant tweet up. The next two people to to show up get a free Kungaloosh. No. <laughs> on whose dime? Yeah, exactly. That's the problem. <laughs> Uh, okay. So let's see what else happened. Uh, oh, Legoland in Florida opened this year. Yep. Another one quick mention. So we'll just say that. Okay. It opened. Is it okay? Have you been to Legoland in California? Not yet. Okay. Well, I've been to the one here. Um, it's fun. It's a good day trip. Probably won't go back anytime soon. All right. And that kind of extreme coverage and that quality <laughs> is what led to inside the magic winning 2011 best produced podcast we sure did after years and years of being nominated and winning absolutely nothing you know but it's it's great just to be nominated it I'm, actually is uh the most the best part about uh being nominated for the podcast awards is, is winning getting <laughs> is getting that link on the podcast awards website True, true. I can see where that might be a benefit. It's uh, it's good to just be listed there, that, you know, to be amongst everybody who's nominated and, and really, you know, win or lose, it's, uh, I'm happy that all the listeners have nominated us year after year. Yeah, and I happen to be lucky enough to be at the podcast uh, expo here in L.A. When, when that was announced. Which I understand has been dwindling. Uh, well, it's Blog World and and uh, and podcast, you know, New Media Expo and that sort of thing. So it's kind of combined with other things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's it's not the fabulous drink fest that it was a couple of years ago in sure. in Ontario. But yeah, I mean, it, you know, it was still fun. It was only one day this year for me instead of three. I think I used to spend in in Ontario. But but uh, you know. You you won this year and best produced podcast. I mean that's that's a major award. So congrats. Thank you. Yeah, don't don't hate you too much for that one. <sighs> okay, moving on. <laughs> Next topic. Um it's the Muppets. Yes, the Muppets back to the movies, to the theaters, to the big screen. What did they did go see? see? <laughs> Uh, did you see the Muppets on the big screen? I did not. You should. I, I I've heard that. I've it's heard very good. I've heard very I've I've heard it's really good. Um, I have Calvin and and Terry out of the house right now, you know, so that we can record this, and they're off seeing something. But I don't think it's the Muppets. Why was it? it was it like just a classic Muppet movie yeah, again? Yeah, very much. It's it's not you know the Muppets in space or pirate Muppets or whatever. It's just the Muppets and. Uh, it's not a perfect movie. There are definitely uh, some jokes that fall flat and some songs that don't quite work. But in true Muppets fashion, there are so many jokes that it doesn't matter that, you know, 25% uh, of them fall flat because there's still a few hundred that are hilarious. Very nice. Yes. I, I heard that the show-stopping song, Me Party, was mm. just not to be missed. Oh, yeah. That's... uh. Definitely show-stopping. Yes. Like, skip that reel. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that was right in the middle of the movie, and it was just bizarre. But other than that, uh, very, very entertaining movie um, that, you know, definitely it's just great to see the Muppets do their Muppet 
thing instead of being shoehorned into other things. Very nice. Well, maybe I'll have to go see it or watch it here on video on demand, you know, when it comes out. You should. Everybody else should too. Yes. Go see it. And make sure to click on Ricky's Amazon links to buy your tickets. (laughs) No, I I don't know. I just, whatever. It's been three hours and 38 minutes, so. Well, you, you can plug as much of my stuff as you want. Go ahead. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Parktoons.com. Oh, thank you. Yes. Actually, when you're, um, when you're clicking on the Amazon links, uh, you should go in and buy the connect Disneyland adventure game. How's that for a segue? That is a, uh, a segue of sorts. Can you, uh, can you buy a segue from Amazon? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. That's a good question. Cause we need a few right now. That would be, that would be some big shipping costs. I have a feeling it would be kind of like the the dream and the fantasy. Uh, big shipping requests. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I get it. I yeah, get it. I know you do. <laughs> I, didn't, I don't. I wish I hadn't gotten it, but I get. It. Hey, that's why people tune in. <clears throat> right. So, connect Disneyland Adventures. Have you played that for Xbox 360? I have not. Although I have heard of people who have, and they're very tired. Yeah, it's, uh, did you see all the people playing it at the, uh, D23 Expo? Um, no. That was like the the second or third time they, Microsoft had ever really shown off the game in a big way. And, uh, at the time, my reactions were very mixed as to whether or not it's actually going to be a fun game or just a really detailed waste of time. Um, and now that I have the game, it's, it's definitely a detailed not quite waste of time, but not exactly the most fun experience in the world either. You have to, you actually have to walk. Yeah, it's, you know, the Connect system, I think, is a great piece of technology. It has really good uses in some cases, but for a game where the majority of what you're doing is just walking around a theme park, it would be a lot easier if you could just hit a button on a controller. And then you could, you could tell it to wait 15 minutes and then you could come back and you'd turn in the, in the turnstile and then you could wait another 15 minutes. And well, fortunately there's, there's no lines in connect Disneyland adventure, but I I mean, they're dynamic for, uh, walking around the, the, so it's, it's set in Disneyland. Obviously it's an incredibly detailed recreation of the park with sound effects and music and rides moving and just like every little pathway. If you've been to the park, you can absolutely work your way through the game because it's the same thing. But to get through there, you have to stand there in front of your TV and hold your arm out and point to where you want to go. Now, just to tell you guys how detailed this, this uh, sound environment is that they have in, in this video game, I'm actually considering having someone who has this game, I'm, I'm going to have them record a walkthrough of the park. And for April Fool's this year on Window to the Magic, I was thinking about trying to pass it off <laughs> as a real where in the park game. If it wasn't for the canned dialogue uh, for the other guests in the park, I think it would work. Mm-hmm. Because it's really, really well done. Yeah. Um, I mean, the stereo sound moves around you just as it should. There's sound effects of, you know, clinking bells as, you know, cars go by and the train in the distance and uh, all that. But then, you know, when you get the really obvious, hey, I want to go meet Mickey Mouse. Yeah. 
you know, that that kind of takes you out of it. Yeah. Hey, a pal, go over and buy some vinylmation. <laughs> no, that would be just like being there. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then the big disappointment for the game is when you actually go to the rides themselves and you have to play this flailing, jumping, stand on your head kind of game. And it's, you know, it's not great. So instead of riding the haunted mansion, you actually, you're just like, you know, knocking plates off a shelf or something. Kind of. The haunted mansions actually out of all the mini games that are in there is actually one of the better the more well put together ones the cutscenes are great um you know you've got uh cory burton doing the ghost host voice which sounds wonderful um whoever is the current voice of uh maleficent uh replacing eleanor oddly uh does a great madame leota and that part's really well done some of the other games eh. yeah yeah now connect that's um what what system is that? Xbox 360. Okay, yeah, Calvin just sold his Xbox 360, so. Yeah, I, I mean, if you can't, I mean, you're you're right near Disneyland. You would have pretty much no reason to get this game because by the time you put the game in and turn it on, you could literally be at Disneyland. True, true. Uh, but for somebody who lives in Ohio, uh, Connect Disneyland Adventures, just forget the mini games and just like walk around the virtual park. And, per- it's, and it's fun. Personally, I say if you're looking for, a, you know, a way to be at Disneyland when you can't get to the park, window to the magic.com, listen to the podcast. There you go. Isn't that a good segue? I like that one. You could listen to your show. Yes. And then while you're doing the where in the park, walk along in Connect Disneyland Adventures and see if you can follow the same path. Ooh, very nice. See, I remember a few years ago, um, somebody did the video showing your where in the park game. Yes, that was Mouseketeer Greg who did right. that. Yeah. So now you could do that virtually in the video game. That that would have been. You ready for this? That was show number twenty. Ooh. And I just hit show three hundred. That's a while ago. Yes, show three hundred was a while ago for you. Um, <laughs> But Almost a year ago. It was. <laughs> that's uh, actually, wasn't show 300 the year in review for you last year? Oh, yeah, I guess it was. Yeah, see, You're so right. it was a year ago. Exactly one year ago. Well, congratulations. Um, yeah, that's actually a heck of an idea. I like that. I'll have to suggest that on my show at some point and not give you credit for it. <laughs> Thanks. No problem. So, um, I've only got one more thing on the 2011 list and it's not something that necessarily, uh, happened, uh, announced big new anything, but I actually made my first visit very recently to somewhere that I think you have spent a lot of time at, uh, the Walt Disney Family Museum in San Francisco. I was at the Walt Disney Family Museum almost every weekend for two years. I lived right down the street. You never came. I move out of town. <laughs> you are there the next weekend. What so you're saying by that? the time you come out here in March, I should leave. Yeah, yeah you'll probably be in New York that weekend or something. <laughs> or yeah. maybe at Disneyland. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that would be nice. I'll kill you. <laughs> and then I can have your meat at Trader Sam's in your place. True, except I'm not going to be leaving until Saturday. So, oh, yeah. well, never mind. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, Walt Disney Family Museum, everything that you ever said about it was spot on. It's amazing. That place is awesome. Oh, yes. Did you cry at the end? Come on, be honest. I was pretty close. Yeah. 
It was, it was, uh, so the end of the museum. So after you've gone through all of Walt Disney's don't, life. Don't ruin the ending, man. <laughs> it's very abrupt. That's what struck me. Yeah. And, and, and that obviously mimicked what really happened. I mean, nobody expected Walt Disney to all of a sudden be gone from this world. Yeah. And, and you're going through and everything's picking up and getting better and bigger and theme parks and TV and more movies and all of a sudden... Gone. It's gone. Yeah. It's just gone. Yeah. It's, it's an awesome place. I, uh, I had a chance to talk with Diane uh, a couple of times while I was there and, uh, she's just so proud of it. And she, she should be, she wants everybody to know her dad, not the, not the theme parks, not the right. movies, her dad. And just, oh God, it's such a wonderful place. And, and, you know, walking through there, I, as as somebody who's been you know in the midst of of Disney for so long now, I you know you, you get the impression oh yeah I, you know you watch TV specials or go to the parks or whatever and I know this and I know this and I learned so much from walking through the, that museum that I never knew about Walt Disney, yeah, and yeah. his family and everything that went on and you know just the tiniest little details and some big things and. Just you establish that that personal connection to, as you said, the man rather than the corporate name Disney. Yeah, I mean, even to the point where you know, at about oh nine tenths of the way through the museum, they have his personal effects, his mm-hmm. his camera, his his you know overnight bag, right, his comb, you know, things like that. And you're like, wow, you know, that is intimate stuff, and it's just it's it's really an awesome museum the way that it was presented and and the way that they just kind of progress you through everything and then they bring you out uh you know right into a gift shop (laughs) yes and and then we plunked like 200 bucks down in the gift shop i bet you did (laughs) (laughs) ah man yeah that's 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 one of the things that i miss from uh you know moving down here is that i can't get there anymore yeah but, but uh, you're at Disneyland, which is uh, arguably better. It well, it's different. See, it's the, definitely different. Yeah, go, for someone like me who likes to to you know know about Walt and you know I'm right. a, I'm a fan of the parks. I, you know that's that's my primary thing. But I'm also very much a, a Walt Disney fan. That was really cool to be able to go up there and attend all of those exhibits and the lectures and the movies and all of that stuff because they don't do that down here. Right. Well, and the the day I was there, you know, I had I had been told many times over that I absolutely would need to spend a full day opening to closing there to even have a hope of seeing everything, uh, which of course I didn't see everything, but I made it through. Um, and while I was there for my one day in my trip, I I happened to uh, be there on a day when uh, Spin and Marty were there for a special event. Um, did not attend that because I wanted to see the museum itself. Um, I ran into uh, Jeff, uh, the guy who runs uh, doombuggies.com, um, which was, you know, just a surprise there. And just it, it seems like this great community has built up around that museum and with all the, the events and everything. Yes. And uh, I, I mean, I actually um, have been there and run into Imagineers and just people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just, you know walking through and as you're, you're walking through, you look over at, at, at Ron Miller and go, Hey Ron, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> I mean, seriously, really yeah. Ron Miller, you know, and they're just walking through. Right. 
you know, and they occasionally will bring Rod Miller, the ex-piano player from right, Disneyland, right. Uh, up there to play the piano. He'll sit in the lobby and play the piano all day. You yeah, know, very cool. I mean, this is just it's a it's a great place. Yeah, I I mean, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed my whole trip to San Francisco. I'll have to uh, have to go back at some point. Yes. Did you leave your heart, by the way? I think I still have it. Oh, okay. I think because I left my heart in San Francisco. I was going to sing, but I figured I'd... It's, it's too too far into the podcast for singing. 2012 and beyond. Yeah, I think that uh, that wraps up 2011. And as we are approaching uh, four hours here, let's look ahead to next year and beyond. Now, uh, while we're doing this, while you guys are thinking about this, I'm sure a lot of you are, sh- uh, you know, th- th- that are in the chat room are actually screaming at your computers right now going, but you forgot... Uh, if there's something big that we forgot, put it in the chat room right now so Ricky can look at it just in case <laughs> there's something that, you know, we missed, like, yeah. you know, Walt Disney World blew up or something. You know, if there was something huge, right? put it in the chat room right now and then we'll try to cover it again. But looking forward, 2012, we had the memories begin and now, or 2011, we had the memories begin. Now, 2012, apparently we're going to have more magic. Yeah, this one, it's it doesn't seem like it's necessarily the official slogan of 2012, though it very well may be. There was a recent release from Disney that said 2012 will be the year of more magic. Well, yes, because they were going to call it, please come back, we need the money. <laughs> but they thought <laughs> what, that was a little beggy. Uh, of course, the question everybody then wonders is what will 2013 be? The year of even more magic. Yeah. Yeah, or more magic. It, it's it's even more most even a lot of stuff. Please come back. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, by the time, of course, we're recording this a bit earlier than those downloading it uh, on the podcast on January first or hearing it. And by the time everybody hears this on the podcast, Disney will have already announced the details about whatever this surprise is they have for 2012, probably related to to leap year and February 29th and all that. Really. There's a, a rumor that February 29th, the park will be open for 24 hours. Oh, see, the year of more magic. There's right. 366 days. Right. I get it. 24 extra hours. But it's not announced yet. The, the big announcement uh, will be made at this point on uh, New Year's Eve. So anybody listening to this later already knows what it is. Mental note to self, ask for February 29th off work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So next year we've got Cars Land opening. We do. Finally, it's concluding the years and years of uh, Disney construction adventure. Yeah, that's uh they're going to open the main entrance of DCA again, which is uh, what Buena Vista Street, right? Mhm. The whole remaking of that with the the red car trolleys and the new shop facades and more mainstream like environment only set in Hollywood in the, the 20s and 30s and the whole new entrance area and the cars the Carthay circle with the big fountain and the theater and new Walt and Mickey statue and yeah yeah I mean that's it's it's going to be pretty and Definitely. we'll see what uh, you know I mean I, like we were kidding kidding about earlier in the show you know they got the um, the Xanadu building out in front I'm hoping that everything behind that is going to be slightly more impressive. 
it seems like uh, everything behind that will be everything that Hollywood studios out here uh, maybe should have been and, and maybe once was before that big ugly hat went there. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, and even less so, you know, Hollywood studios is kind of that idealized, colorful, best of you know, not really reality sort of version of Hollywood as everybody imagines the glitz and glamour to be. Whereas they're really trying to make this park what Walt Disney saw when he came to California decades ago and, you know, stepped off the train and saw what it was then only, you know, just the best of version of that. Which explains why they're doing the entire entrance in black and white. <laughs> right. Yes. Because we all know they hadn't invented color yet. But, but I, Yeah. Uh, Walton Mickey statue, the new one. Can, I can't remember what they're calling it, but I like it. I like the way it looks. Yes. And I can't remember either. Um, uh, but not yeah, partners, but whatever else it is called with, with, you know, they have luggage and they're dressed a bit more casually and, uh, or Walt is, and it's going to be on the ground. So you are going to be able to see eye to eye instead of, you know, with Walt Disney statue, other than being on a pedestal, like the partner statue is. It's uh that's, it's going to be called chums. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think so. Um, pals, yes. Pals, no, that, that brings back Pixar pals. We can't do that. <laughs> I think that was three hours ago. Yes, exactly. Um, let's see. Your new fantasy land is going to start opening. Storytellers is the statue name. Storytellers, right. That's a cafe over in the, the hotel, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I really don't like the food there. But anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Somebody asked me, because I'm, I'm going to go and meet up with Gary Chambers from the Mouse Lounge tomorrow at Disneyland. And he said, so we're going to have dinner at the Wine Country Trattoria uh, or whatever it's called. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, what do you think about moving it to Storytellers? And I said, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I made the mistake of eating there the very first time last trip. And I will never do that again. Yeah. I mean, their steak sandwich at lunch is good. It's expensive, but it's good. Short of that, don't bother. Uh, well, I, I, uh, there's a caveat to that. Breakfast rocks. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But be, lunch, dinner, no. Just yeah. don't bother. Um, so phased openings for Fantasyland? Yeah, it looks like that whole, well, not even the whole, part of Storybook Circus will be opening uh, first. That will be, they haven't said when exactly, but within the next few months, that'll be, uh, um, you'll be able to get into the area once again. Uh, the half of the double Dumbo will be open. Um, the bottom half or the top half? The uh, over there half. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I think the Barnstormer Great Goofini coaster will be reopened. And the train station will be open, but the rest will still be under construction. Okay. And the rest of that's supposed to open in 2013? Later, pro probably later. And the reason they're doing that is because by opening half the new double Dumbo, they then keep Dumbo while they close the existing Dumbo so they can move it over to be the other half. Oh, well, that so makes that the sense. the park won't be without a Dumbo. It won't be Dumbo-less. Exactly. Uh, and then a few months after that, not really sure when exactly, but the Little Mermaid ride will be opening at some point next year, uh, as will the Be Our Guest restaurant. Okay. And you guys are also getting uh, Epic Mickey the Real Edition? Um, <laughs> yeah, kind of. Better known as Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom? 
Yeah, that'll be one of the first things to pop up uh, out here next year. They say early 2012, but they're already doing some pretty extensive cast member testing on it. So it very well could be, you know, January 1st. I don't I don't know. It's supposed to be pretty soon. Now, I hear that's loud. You can that's, hear. Th- th- so far, that's what the reports have been, that the cast member testing has uh, the sounds coming from, you know, you, you get these cards, these trading cards, and you hold it up to these certain areas of the parks and things come alive, much like the Kim Possible uh, adventure over at Epcot, except now it's all on screens. And apparently the audio from those so far is rather noisy. Yeah. Which takes away from the ambiance. Yes. But, you know, they might play with it. They might figure out directional speakers, turn it down, turn it up. You know, who knows? It's still still in testing. Now, I hear that Walt Disney World is getting the 2012 wristband experience. Mm, yeah, that one's a big mystery so far. They have been testing RFID chip enhanced tickets for Epcot to get in and out of the park. Well, to get in the park without uh, without turnstiles and without having to scan your ticket you just kind of put it up to a little thing it lights up and you're on your way um but that would be just the tip of the iceberg as to potentially wearing wristbands around the park and having attractions uh, track you and interact with you say your name or you know who knows i mean the the sky's the limit on what they could do if they know where you are at all times oh interesting i mean they were uh just over at test track recently they were testing um they, they were handing people on the ride some cards to basically hang on to throughout the duration of the ride and then give them back at the end, presumably to test the tracking of RFIDs throughout the ride. Neat. Hey, do me a favor. Hold on to this and nothing's going to happen and give it back to us at the end. Thank Pretty you. much. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I also understand that they're uh, coming up with something where they're going to pre-ruin uh, the general <laughs> public's vacation. Yeah, uh, this is that's another one of those up and coming potential disasters. Fast pass, pre booked fast passes. Like book your vacation online, plan out your entire trip in advance, so you have to be here and then here and then here and then here and then here. Meanwhile, everybody else stands in longer lines. Yeah, see, I'm not a big fan of fast pass anyway. Right. Let alone pre booked ones. Yeah, I mean, the big the big fuss here is um, not only it's going to be an integration of both of these concepts, you know, these these fast pass in advance, as well as RFID giving you enhanced experience. It creates this almost class system within the park. I'm the guy who paid extra for my experience. So I get, you know, the small world doll to say my name, whereas you don't because you waited in line for an hour. It's a small world after all, Ricky. It's a small world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, I also hear that in uh, the country of Brazil, instead of just sending groups of people, <laughs> many, the entire many. country is just going to move to Epcot. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, you know, all the American flags are just going to be replaced with tourist flags waving and mm-hmm. everybody will be chanting and. Uh, no, there was a quite a big hubbub early in 2012 uh, when an article came out in a Brazilian newspaper that Disney had sent some officials to talk to government officials about bringing Brazil to Epcot as a country. And of course, nobody was talking, but it's possible. Interesting. So if, if they don't bring it to Epcot as a country, what are they going to bring it to Epcot as? 
I don't I don't know what else they would be talking about. I mean, they've already been uh, obviously, as you said, strong presence in tourism. But yes. uh, Brazil has been there for the food and wine festival. Um, but uh, you know, that's that's a pretty minor thing. You don't really need to necessarily have major secret meetings with government officials for that. True. Okay. Um, so there's also the possibility of an updated test track now with more fun. Uh, yeah. Are, are you a fan of Test Track? I, you... I, I'm a fan of the second part from the point where you point at that brick wall and you start moving and then the doors open and you go outside. That's where I started having fun on that attraction. Yeah. Um, rumors say potentially Test Track is going to get a complete overhaul, uh, moving from the concept of being a Test Track to being a production facility of vehicles. Ooh, come and ride production facility. That's a great attraction. <laughs> and they could call it World of Motion. <laughs> That's right, yes. Um, I mean, they have a few new cars, well, repainted cars on the track already that are, that rather than looking like, you know, yellow and black checkerboard test cars, they look like fresh off the production line, shiny, well-painted cars. Wow. So we'll see. That would be nice. I, I test track, I think has, has, you know, overstayed its welcome. Well, see here in, in LA, they could just do the freeway experience and, and just sit there. Yeah. And they wouldn't have to worry about electricity or anything. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, and your, um, oh God, what is it? The resort, the pop century resort. They're right. finally building the second half of it. Is yeah, kind of. Uh, it's not, you know, the pop half century resort is uh, <laughs> lending its way to the art of animation resort on the other half. Isn't it mostly Pixar? It's half Pixar. It's uh, four different themes. Uh, Lion King, Little Mermaid, Finding Nemo, and Cars. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's true. I heard that, that, that uh, they have the, what's it, Mr. Ray. Is it, has he been installed? Yeah, I th I, they, Disney just released some, uh, some behind the construction wall uh, pictures and all that of uh, very, very large uh, figures. Uh, the Finding Nemo part is going to be the first uh, wing of the hotel to open uh, in May, I think. Nice. So more value level resorts coming to Walt Disney World. All right, and then apparently they're opening a, uh, a baseball experience called Spitzville. <laughs> no, it's a, a cheerleading experience called Splitsville. No. Um, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a bowling uh, experience, actually. Going into the former Virgin Megastore at Downtown Disney. Bowling? Bowling. Uh, apparently Splitsville is a chain of bowling slash bar slash restaurant slash hangout places weird and it's uh yeah it's going uh going to downtown disney um uh, the weird the weirdest part about it is all the other splitsville locations uh, around the country have uh nighttime dress codes and age restrictions and it will be interesting to see if disney follows through or, or makes them remove those weird okay well that could be fun would you, are you a bowler? Not really. I tend to injure myself every time I go bowling. <laughs> All right. I usually forget to 
let go. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta let go, Ricky. It, it, well, my fingers not so much, but I have really fat thumbs, and they try they get stuck in the ball, and then it, yeah. All right, that was an overshare. <laughs> I'm good with that. Right. Uh, we'll just move on. Yes, and and then that would be moving just a little bit to the side to the Hyperion Wharf, which we kind of mentioned earlier, and and yeah, yeah. I don't know. Nothing. Nothing yet. Okay. Sounds are, cool, I are, guess. Are you guys uh, getting a new parade at the Magic Kingdom? Ooh, I hope so. That the, the current daytime parade at the Magic Kingdom is the recycled floats of years past over the, and over. The recycled floats of years past parade. Don't miss it. Sponsored by Sylvania. <laughs> That's right. Brought um, to you by 1980. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, I've heard rumors of, uh, you know, the guy behind uh, World of Color, Steve Davison, um, and many other things for that matter. I I think he had something to do with uh, a sensational parade as well, Um, that he's potentially working on some new entertainment for us out here. Oh, good. See, see, Steven Davison is is good. Yeah. He's a good thing. So So hopefully that's true. Hopefully we're not just getting... The same old, same old. Apparently, uh, you know, the, the rumors obviously keep changing and circulating and whatever. Uh, but uh, the latest is that, you know, we'll, when New Fantasyland opens, or at least in part, that's when we'll get a new parade. Potentially at that time, Spectro Magic will make its return and you all will get Electrical Parade back uh, possibly to Disneyland. That would be good. Uh, Spectro Magic coming back would be good. Now, Spectro Magic coming back, that actually reminds me of something. Calvin and I. Obviously, uh, you know, we're coming out for his 21st birthday to Walt Disney World. He has not been on Everest yet. Is the Yeti working yet? Mm. I think, how many years have we been talking about a broken Yeti now? I know. Is it no? Not I mean, yet. it has to be at least two years now and no. He's it's, still disco Yeti. Oh, Lord. Okay. Still, I, I mean, he literally, he has not been fully functional I, I I don't even know how many years, five years now, four years now. God. Okay. I mean, yep. the attraction opened six, almost seven years ago, I think. Yeah. Because that was one of the very first things, I, I major things when, uh, when I was doing Inside the Magic. I started in April of 05, the following January. So that was January 06 is when Ex- Ever- uh, Expedition Everest opened. Yeah. So we're going on six years uh, since Hard. it opened. And uh, probably five years of a broken Yeti. Oh, my. Okay. Pretty bad. All right. And yet Avatar's on the way. Yeah. Yeah. Well. We'll have broken Navi pretty soon. Yeah, I was going to say. That'll be novel. No, it'll be Navi. But up bump I'm here all the week. Uh, I think we're only here for about 10 more minutes. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> the Jolly Holiday Bakery at uh, Disneyland. That is. Have you seen the progression of that so far? I've seen. There's great, nice walls out. <laughs> yeah, they haven't taken the walls down. So okay, yeah. So that's replacing the annual passport center, which was basically a, spa- a placeholder. Correct. And I'm excited about it. And you know, with that, of course, they're going to be closing the Blue Ribbon Bakery. Right. Uh, and expanding the Carnation Cafe into it. Which apparently years and years ago, the Carnation Cafe used to have that additional seating area. I don't recall that, but I'll take your word for it. Like, I seem to remember reading that like literally decades ago. Okay. It, it, 
that. And now they're putting it back the way it used to be, which seems to be a, a new trend around <laughs> Disney. Great. I just got two words for you and you can even put them together if you want. People mover. Yeah, yeah. I would like to see that. I've never seen the people mover do anything except be home to a few uh, stormtroopers during the Star Tours opening uh, a few months ago. Pretty much. Now, I'm, I'm, I love a pun and a bad, you know, combination of words. I, I love that. So, Summer Nighttastic. Yes. I'm not so much, but I'm a fan of the name. D23 Faniversary Events? That's pretty bad. What is that? D23 has been listening to its fans, apparently, and, uh, you know, the ones that live elsewhere other than Orlando and Anaheim and uh, have decided to hold some events other places in the country. Really? In 2012. And they're calling them Faniversaries because it's the anniversary of something. I don't know. Uh, okay <laughs> i think it's the anniversary of d23 or something i have no idea but regardless they're gonna have some fun things that will happen around the country each event i guess is going to be unique unto itself with some special guests and stuff that'll happen and it won't be exclusive to d23 members uh, i think they said the public will be invited oh. d23 members will be able to do extra special stuff and you're going to be at every single one of them aren't you uh, no i don't think so oh, okay. i think it's I, what is the list of cities i think there's like chicago and new york and uh, are they going turkey i don't know are they going to disney indiana i don't think so mm, okay but they are going to, there's two more events that they're doing. Uh, oh, and of course, I can't remember now because we've been talking for four hours. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. All right. <laughs> but I'm sure I could look them up very quickly while we move on to the next topic. Okay, well, the, the next one you have listed, we've already talked about. That's the Disney fantasy ship coming. And we've also talked about Electronica ending. Um so we then move on to Universal Mini Golf, which I know nothing about. Right. So the other two D23 events are uh, a trip to Marceline, Missouri. Okay. Which is, uh, of course, Walt's boyhood hometown, as they put it. Yes. Um, that's in March. And then there is a uh, trip to the Smoke Tree Ranch in Palm Springs, which is where Walt, uh, Walt called it his own laughing place where he would vacation. Yes. And I have this feeling that those are... Um, at, at, I had a thought that the, that the one in, uh, Palm Springs was going to be very, very expensive. That's what it sounds. It's a, it sounds like it. It's a three day event, um, that, uh, is involved with pres let's see, presentations, screenings, activities, meals, and a stay in their cottage. Yeah. So I've, I've got this feeling that the, the thousand dollar tickets to be exclusive for D23 is just part of the cost that it's going to cost for that. I will not be going to that. Yeah. Me neither. I'll, I'll be like, hi, from over here in the cheap seats. <laughs> okay, so we got that. So um, Universal Mini Golf, I'm dying to know. It's um, out here at uh, Universal Orlando. They're putting together what is shaping up to possibly be one of Orlando's best mini golf places can you courses. Say, can you say that all in one sentence best mini golf i love mini golf oh do you really i love mini i hate golf but i love mini golf uh, especially a really highly themed mini golf and in this case it's going to be half sci-fi half horror oh which sounds i mean it looks it's really shaping up to be something very cool the the props that are being put together and the 
really huge, like psycho type house and a big giant worm creature and a big robot. It, it just looked really cool. Neat. And uh, Universal's doing a bunch of other stuff too that we didn't mention earlier, but they, you know, recently announced much, much more Potter coming on the way, both out there near you to California, to yeah. uh, Hollywood. They're doing Hogwarts and and the Wizarding World, and then they're expanding the Wizarding World out here, which Disney is saying, "Oh no." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no more Potter, please. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Transformers is opening up in uh, California in a few months. Yes. Something is replacing Jaws out here. Uh, we don't know what yet. Transformers. Possibly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm kind of bummed about Jaws being closed out in Florida. Not that I go there all the time, but that, that was kind of cool. That was, you know, quite the fun experience. Yeah. I, I gave it a good bye. Um, you know, I, a good bye. I, uh, <laughs> wrote it four or five, six times in a row and that was my fill. I'm, I'm done with Jaws. All right. Fair enough. Um, do, have we, speaking of things coming up here, are, are, have Guillermo del Toro, has he backed out of Haunted Mansion yet? No, not in the slightest. Uh, there's actually quite a lot of movies uh, on the way, uh, not only from him, but Disney in general. But yeah, um, he. it's been a couple of months now since the last little Haunted Mansion tidbit. Um, but he did say in an interview with MTV that they are deep into pre-production. The script is not complete yet, but they've got concepts uh, and, and they're working on it. It's It's not ready to be, you know, cast or anything, but... So they, they know what his paycheck's going to look like so far is basically what. <laughs> well, he, you know, he hasn't even officially said what his role on the project is yet. So far, he's just developing it. Uh, he hasn't said whether he wants to direct it or not, but he is one of, I mean, he's a self-proclaimed Haunted Mansion nut. Um, he's the guy who ended up with Kevin Kidney and Jody Daly's Hatbox Ghost that was auctioned off at the 2009 D23 Expo. Ooh, I know who came in second on that. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> right. So, I mean, he's he is a huge Haunted Mansion fan, and there is nobody better to be working on that movie, certainly not Eddie Murphy. And uh, it, it, yeah, it's still out there. And he also mentioned at some point in 2011 that he's planning on making a Pinocchio movie. Really? Which I've heard nothing about since then. But uh, it would, I'm sure, be a much darker take on Pinocchio. Pinocchio, the evil years. When they sharpen his nose to a point and, yeah. This year, the lies are personal. Pinocchio, vampire hunter. There you go. All right. Fair enough. Um, There was supposed to be a Magic Kingdom movie coming out and a Jungle Cruise movie coming out. Are those moving along? Magic Kingdom movie, John Favreau, uh, who has done a bazillion movies, most recently Iron Man 1 and 2, um, is is most definitely working on the Magic Kingdom movie. That is 100% a go. So is that where the castle becomes a giant robot? <laughs> uh, nobody has any idea what that movie is going to be. It's, it's very confusing. The only thing we know so far is that Favreau and Del Toro are in communication to kind of have a... Iron Man Avengers sort of connection between these movies. Nice. Where, you know, you have a Haunted Mansion movie. Now you have a Magic Kingdom movie. Obviously, it's too late for pirates unless they tie it into the next one. Uh, but, you know, maybe there's going to be a Space Mountain movie next. Who knows? Wow. Or it could be the Jungle Cruise movie, like you said, which we've heard absolutely nothing about in recent months. In fact, the last time anyone 
said anything publicly about that movie was at the Pirates premiere uh, back in May. I can't remember who said it. Uh, might have been Jerry Bruckheimer. Might have been somebody else. I can't remember. Somebody mentioned that the Jungle Cruise movie is still a, a thing. F- afloat. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, next. Um, Monsters Inc. prequel. Monsters University. Yeah, I think? think. Monster Babies. Um, sort of. No. Monster College Age. Oh. It's like Animal House, Monsters Inc. style. Wow. No kidding. They could go to Porky's. Yeah, I, I don't know what to think about it. I mean, they, they hyped it pretty good at the D23 Expo. They brought Billy Crystal out, um, but they didn't say a whole lot about it. They, they showed some concept work. It looked like it had potential for being either good or horrible. You got to love that. <laughs> well, that looks like it could possibly be something. It's definitely something. All right, good. Um, the Remember earlier when I said that I was waiting in line for a panel for cars too, but I accidentally got in a panel or the line for a panel for another film and I couldn't remember the name of it. Right. Brave. Ah, yeah. Good. Uh huh. So you didn't go to that. Panel. I did not. Okay. Neither did I. Cause like I said, I only went to one, but yes. uh, I did see what they showed off in the Walt, excuse me, the Walt Disney studios presentation. And, uh, it looks great. This looks like one of probably going to be one of Pixar's best in quite a while. Wow. It's, uh, you know, Pixar's first fairy tale of sorts, uh, strong female lead character, which Pixar has yet to have, um, just an original story, uh, just looks great all around. Well, I, I, I know very little about Brave at, I mean, like almost nothing. So I will have to look into this. Are there like trailers and things that are oh, out yeah. or anything? Yeah, there's a, a, a pretty good trailer that came out um, within the last couple of months, a, a legitimate, you know, not just a teaser, but a real right. trailer. And yeah. um, no, it looks good. The, the main character, um, uh, Marita, I believe is going to be her name, uh, you know, feisty redhead Scottish warrior chick. That'd be good. That's, that's good respect for women there, Ricky. I like yeah, that. Warrior right. chick. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think a lot of uh, female strong leads would appreciate the being called a warrior chick. A warrior chick. Beautiful. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, Inside the Magic had a great run until that one year. <laughs> um, so now Toy Story had Toy Story 3 where, you know, Andy went off to college. And short of him being involved somehow in the Monsters, Inc. college years thing, uh, what could they possibly be doing for Toy Story 4? Uh, well, uh, you know, in the end, the Toy Story gang, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen Toy Story 3, uh, ends up in Bonnie's room with a new young girl. Yes. As her play toy. And, uh, (laughs) and that, you know, take it from there. I mean, Bonnie was in the, uh, Hawaiian Vacation Toy Story short, which uh, came attached to Cars 2. And uh, it seems like they're happy to continue with that storyline from there. Okay. I cried at the end of 3, so I could go for 4 then. Yeah, I, if 3 hadn't been so incredibly good to the point where it may have even better than 1 and be uh, may have even been better than 1 and 2, I would say, "Oh, we can't possibly do a 4." But 3 was amazing. 
Yes, ladies and gentlemen, no editing. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then we have Pirates 5. Why is the rum still gone? Pretty much. Uh, nothing to say much about that other than it is being developed as a script. All right. I've heard the same about Tron 3, but even less to say about that. Uh, there was some pretty strong talk for a while that Tron 3 was in the works, but I've heard nothing recently. Okay. And then this John Carter thing that you mentioned earlier that I know nothing about. Uh, yeah, John Carter is... Uh, eh. What is it? So I had never heard of it until uh, Disney was really promoting it. And um, the behind the whole film is Andrew Stanton, who uh, of Pixar fame. But this is his first venture into live action. And it's based on the John Carter series of novels from Edgar Rice Burroughs from many decades ago, which apparently were the basically the foundation of modern day sci-fi. And the problem is that Many decades have elapsed since these novels were, you know, came out and so many films and movies, you know, and books and everything have been inspired apparently by this John Carter series that now when we see it, it feels old, like we've already seen it, even though it was really the original. Interesting. I mean, that's, that's my take. I don't really know. I haven't read it. I've only seen the trailers and the clips that they showed at the D23 Expo, but that was my impression. I felt like, I feel like I've seen this before. Okay. And then apparently Disney has a movie coming up about the uh, mortgage crisis and, and all of the bad loans that have been given out. They're calling it the Loan Arranger. <sighs> yeah. No, no, no. Uh, the Lone Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> Is, uh, yeah, still, uh, it, it was actually canceled briefly, uh, apparently, and then it came back. Uh, there were major budget issues, um, but I guess they worked that out, and Johnny Depp is still going to play Tonto, Army Hammer, uh, which is, I don't know <laughs> if that's his real name or not, but uh, is going to be the Lone Ranger himself. Seriously? Yeah. I mean, he's the guy who played the Winklevoss twins in The Social Network. Um, we actually, excuse me, skipped over a couple of movies here that I think I added into the list after I sent it to you. Yeah, I had to because I might aren't here. Right. So uh, The Avengers, we already mentioned. Um, Wreck-It Ralph, we already mentioned, uh, but both are coming up next year. And then one that I completely left off the list, which they also uh, showed a bit of at the D23 Expo, is Tim Burton's Frankenweenie. Oh, yes. The 3D... Um... Stop motion. Yeah. You know, very much in the same style as Nightmare Before Christmas and Corpse Bride, um, you know, moving on. It's actually, Frankenweenie was the story that uh, it was a live action short that uh, Burton had developed uh, with Disney uh, at Disney years ago when he worked uh, there. And now it's kind of come full circle. So, huh. looks it looks good. Looks, yeah. uh, looks like a good film. I have no reason to pan that. No, not at all. And, okay. and, you know, when Danny Elfman will be attached to do the music, which means we'll have more excellent uh, songs to get stuck in your head. There you go. Uh, this is Frankenweenie. This is Frankenweenie. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, Star Wars Celebration 27, I think, if I know my room and numerals, uh, is Six, coming to Orlando. 27, whatever. It's so close. Uh, coming to Orlando. Yeah, once again, um, the big connection to Disney last time around when Star Wars Celebration here was Disney held 
the most bizarre, like perfectly marketed event ever that they called the last tour to Endor. Yes. Which they were saying, this is our goodbye to Star Tours for Star Wars Celebration attendees. Come to Disney's Hollywood Studios after hours to be among the first of the last to ride the ride. Oh, very nice. <laughs> and then it was open for another few weeks after that. Mm. Okay. But, uh, well, so they, we'll see. You know, I'm sure they'll tie in Star Tours again somehow when it comes back. They were the first of the last, and that's that's how it was marketed. That's good. Yeah. They didn't lie. Right. And then uh, the last thing I have here is that Bob Iger is going to step down in 2016. Is this a good thing? It's uh, I, I, the first thing that came to mind when I read this, and we've already you know hinted at this a few times in the last four hours, but uh, it's, you know, yes, it is official. He's kind of outlined his plans to be gone from the Disney company completely. Uh, and the first thing that came to my mind was Avatar. I thought it was really interesting, that timing there. He, Iger, may very well be gone from Disney before anything Avatar opens. That's interesting. Which, obviously, he's a big part in making it happen in the first place, which, you know, makes me wonder, is it really going to happen? Is it just one of those things that they announce and everybody forgets about after a while? Or is James Cameron going to be the new CEO of Disney? <laughs> you know, I don't know James Cameron's uh, business sense, but anybody who can make billions of dollars off of his own out of his head ideas at the box office maybe should run a company like Walt Disney. I got you. I'm I'm there. So how is the chat room doing with things we missed? Um, let's see. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. The only thing uh, I see and anybody mentioned was something we just mentioned a few minutes ago was the big uh, Harry Potter announcements. Okay. Which, uh, which we said, oh, no, there is one uh, vacation club on the way to the Grand Floridian. True. As if it wasn't expensive enough. Right. Now you can now. Even more so. Yep. You can now buy it. And uh, also coming up is the uh, pre-mentioned Four Seasons that right. is going to go in over by the Golden Oak. Yeah, groundbreaking just took place very recently. And yeah, the Golden Oak itself, uh, I believe the first residents there are going to be moving in very, very soon. Yes. As a matter of fact, their mortgages are already in foreclosure. <laughs> With the Lone Ranger. <laughs> With the Lone Ranger, yes. Okay, so that's it? I think so. We don't have anything else? I can't think I of nothing. anything else. Okay, well, then let's uh, let's just real quick um, talk about our individual podcasts, what we're going to do in 2000 and uh, whatever this next year is. And uh, for Window to the Magic, that's going to be continued live shows from Disneyland in binaural audio each and every week, a show being produced and released for your enjoyment. Uh, we are currently, as a matter of fact, I was looking as we were talking, uh, we are currently in negotiations with Clinton from the Comedy Forecast podcast and Mouseketeer Greg of the aforementioned uh, video portion of uh, show number 20 to... Um, to do a window to the magic 24 part two and Ooh. and for your listeners who have probably never heard it we go to the park we record from park opening to park closing in real time 
two different um, recorders, one on Greg and one on me. We go in different places. Sometimes we're together, sometimes we're apart. And when we're apart, you are going to hear each audio in one ear. So you're going to hear me in the right ear and Greg in the left ear. And if you don't think that's weird, listen, because you can hear me writing It's a Small World and him writing, uh, you know, Splash Mountain simultaneously. It's it, uh, it sounds like a, a mess, but when you listen to it, it's actually a lot of fun. I listened to your first one and just to hear to, to make your brain split off into two directions simultaneously in Disneyland is just like crazy. Absolutely. And when <laughs> announcements happen and things like that, they ha- right. happen simultaneously in both ears, even though we're apart. It's weird. Or you hear the train whistle from two different directions. Yes. And it's just, it, it's, it's fun. We're going to do that. Friends of the Magic is going to be August 3rd through 5th. Everybody's getting together at Disneyland to have a good time, some food, some family, some friends, and some fun. And, uh, you know, and of course our weekly visits to Trader Sam's and the Tongaroa Terrace. Um, I think that's it, uh, for window to the magic. Uh, what's, uh, anything what's, new for you? What's, what's the, uh, the website for all that window to the magic.com easy enough. Yes. Uh, and then you're coming out in March. Yes. Although it's going to be a very, very short visit for me. Ah. Um, no, no, no time to do, uh, recordings or. Not, not really. Uh, WTTM 24 from Walt Disney World? or No, I, I will probably record the entire time I'm there. However, I don't think it'll be interesting uh, enough to, uh, to listen to. The gurgling sounds of drinking around the world. That's right. This is freaking awesome, man. <laughs> I tell you, I love El Rio del Tiempo. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Inside the Magic, uh, we always have uh, have things going on over at InsideTheMagic.net. Um, we have our weekly podcast covering all the latest uh, Disney news, reaching out to uh, other theme parks uh, locally as well, um, posting almost daily articles on the website, uh, you know, photo galleries, videos, etc. Of course, Twitter as you know, a few thousand followers there that I'm updating far too often. Uh, you know, all the latest there, Facebook, YouTube, etc. All the links are over at the website and, um, Looking forward to, you know, everything we just said in 2012. I'm sure we'll be covering all the uh, the openings of everything out here in Florida. Going to be coming back out to California for Cars Land uh, and the Buena Vista Street and all of that. Uh, hopefully going on the Disney Fantasy when that launches. We'll see. And uh, and anything else, all the other excitement. So uh, InsideTheMagic.net is the place for all of that. There you go. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and call this a close. Um, thank you again, Ricky, for, uh, getting together with me to do this. Um, I've, I've enjoyed doing these each and every year and, uh, it looks like this year we're actually going to come in a little less than, uh, we did last year. I, that's the first time ever we've been doing this for, I think this is our seventh year of recording the ear in review and it's been getting consistently longer. So yeah, we're about half an hour shorter than last year and a very busy Disney uh, news year. So that's, that's impressive. Absolutely. We're beginning to speak quickly. <laughs> so next year, maybe we'll, uh, we'll do it again and we'll see what we can do, but uh, maybe next year we'll do video. I don't know. We'll yeah, see. We'll see. Yeah, the connect. Well, the connection held up. So it you did. Know, 
Everything is good. Great. So, and thanks, thanks to everybody in the chat room who's been listening live. Yes. And, uh, of course, to everybody out there listening, uh, we, we appreciate it. Uh, we know you all listen to the very end of the show every year, no matter how long it is, and, uh, and we love you for it. And do not email us and let us know. <laughs> yeah. Did that a couple of years ago. Mistake. Don't yeah. send us any emails. Exactly. But yes, <laughs> thank you to everyone, all of the Inside the Magic listeners and the Window to the Magic listeners for supporting Ricky and I over these last, God, almost seven years of, uh, of podcasting Disney yep. fun. And uh, we will see you guys next week. And uh, we will see you throughout 2012. Great. Talk to you a year from now. All righty. <laughs> Bye. And with that, I would like to thank you all for listening to A Window to the Magic as we bring you the best audio adventures from throughout the wonderful world of Disney and on this show, every other moment throughout the world of Disney. Wow, can we talk. As we end the show, I would like to thank First and foremost, Ricky Briganti from Inside the Magic for joining me on this yearly yapathon. The guy is awesome. If you don't listen to his show, and I can't imagine that you don't, but if you don't, go over to InsideTheMagic.net and subscribe today. You will not be sorry. I would also like to thank those who have purchased the Window to the Magic podcast app for iPhone, iPad, or Android or Kindle Fire. Those who now support the show through a recurring support donation, and especially Jeremy Muse and all of the Window to the Magic recurring monthly supporters who provided all of the Window to the Magic listenership with each and every show throughout the month of December. Great idea, Jeremy. Beautiful. Thanks to you guys for supporting the show each and every month and I'm sure that everyone appreciates your present to them. If you would like to send feedback, thanks to Jeremy or any other type of communication, you can email us at podcast at windowtothemagic.com. You can call us at 206-984-9886. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash WTTM, and you can add us as your friend on Facebook. Be sure to join me again next week as we begin 2012 and a lot of Disney magic from throughout the Disney theme parks. But for now, this has been quite enough of us talking. And this has been A Window to the Magic, episode number 304, The Disney Ear in Review. Thanks so much for listening throughout the year, and if you're still listening now, wow. Thanks, and I'll see you next time. This podcast is a member of the Friends of the Magic family of podcasts. For more information about this show and others like it, please visit friendsofthemagic.com and click on the podcast link on the main page. And there's Vatelmelon too! Um, Heimlich, it's a podcast. Oh! What do you really know about the life of Walt Disney? Okay, you may know some things about Mickey and Disneyland. But if you think you know more than that, feel free to say something now.
We thought so. If you want to get to know the Walt and Disney, the risk-taking and always inventive man behind the magic, visit the Walt Disney Family Museum, filled with interactive stories, movies, music, and original animation in the Presidio, San Francisco. Excuse me! Some days you eat the bear, and some days the bear eats you. But always dress for the hunt! Come to the Surround yourself with the magic. Oh!